We are recording this one on late Thursday, April the 15th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hopefully you're all having a, a nice week as we've got a loaded show for you. We're going to talk some MLB news to start and then we'll kick things off with our first guest, Eric, uh, the NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not segment with ETOF21 Sports. We're going to then have Brian Howard from Stable Duel joining us to talk all about the Stable Duel weekend schedule, some of the big crossover promotions they have, some of their huge partnerships going on, and how we can win some money playing Stable Duel this weekend. Then I'll get into Friday racing. I'm going to go through some best bets for Keeneland Friday and then some best bets for Oaklawn Friday. We'll get into Saturday Keeneland and then Saturday Oaklawn. Remember, it is the Apple Blossom. We're going to have Swiss Skydiver versus Monomoy Girl and Latruska in there too. Also a very talented animal. And uh, we'll get into a really cool segment with Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires where we chat for almost an hour uh, all about the Kentucky Derby, all about the horses who are now qualified. We go through basically the top like 22 horses, uh, what we think their shot is. We give a little... Uh, some, some feelings on each horse, positives, negatives, what kind of odds and what tier of odds we think they may be in. Really great chat with Ed. If you're a racing fan, you're going to love that one as we get you all the news and set you all up for the Derby. And then we're going to get to the wrestling segment. I'm going to have some quick thoughts from WrestleMania 37 with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. We actually recorded an old wrestling rewatch of WrestleMania 31, but I'm going to play it on next week's show. Because it was a, a really long, um, uh, it was a really long episode, a uh, really long uh, recap, and I didn't want to cut it up, so I just took out uh, the part where we talked about WrestleMania 37, and then we closed things out with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We go over everything that happened last week: Mania Night One, Mania Night Two, the terrible Raw after. Uh, Mania on Monday, and then we get into NXT Tuesday. We get into AEW Wednesday. Everything this week in wrestling with Chad. Cooper. So uh, we begin with some baseball news and uh, things that have been happening over the last week or so. Some of these statistics may be slightly off because the numbers may not have completely been formalized um, after Thursday games. Some of these teams have played on Thursday. By the time I'm recording this, some of the teams have not finished. But the Red Sox, they did play on Thursday. They lost Thursday, but they had won nine in a row before that Thursday loss. That's the second best record in baseball now at nine and four. They uh, are a team that is sort of what you would expect. Very good offensively, uh, above average, slightly above average in the pitching statistics, and that's going to be what their season comes down to. Can their pitching hold up enough for them to be a good team? Because offensively, they're they're excellent. I mean, they're second in batting average, second in run scored, and fourth in on base percentage, and that doesn't seem fluky. That that could stick. Whereas the pitching. They're 16th in whip, 11th in ERA, 14th in on base, uh, 14th in opponents' batting average. So, if they just hang around there towards the middle, they'll be a good baseball team. If they the pitching starts to drop off, they're going to have a tough time trying to score enough in order to um, you know to out hit teams. But right now. I think the next uh, two weeks are are very important for the Red Sox because they were supposed to be a team that was you know maybe battling for a wild card or a slightly above 500 team. Well, now you've put yourself at nine and four. You don't want to. You got a great start to the year. You don't want to. I know you. It's a long season and you're not treating these games in like the middle of April like they're you know end all be all. 
but you don't want to give away the advantage that you've gained right now. You've played well. Everyone else in your division has not. So you've got a nice margin right now where you got to make sure that if you lose one game and you play poorly, you bounce back the next day. They cannot have three or four game losing streaks and just kind of throw away the really good start to the season that they had right now at this point. They've got to continue to build or to continue to just sustain the advantage that they have um, in order to try to get them into the playoffs. The Padres, they're up to nine wins. They are nine and five. And the Dodgers, right above them, they are 10 and two. Dodgers are first in the league in batting average and on base percentage. They're third in runs, fourth in ERA, fourth in whip. Their ERA is a 2.85 as a team. And they are on pace for a hundred, 135 wins right now at 10 and two. I uh, don't think they're going to win that many games, but they uh, swept a series last week. Where they swept the Nationals in a series where Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger did not have one at bat. Both were a little banged up, so the Dodgers just played it real safe. You're going to start hearing the names like Zach McKinnistry, who's been been playing really, really well, and sort of filling in in a role that like was a Kiki Hernandez kind of role. And they've just been steady as uh, as can be. The Mariners are a team I wanted to mention. They are up to 8-5 and five now after uh, sweeping a doubleheader on Thursday. They're first in the American League West with a minus 8 run differential. They have a negative run differential, yet they are three games over 500 and in first place. Um, it just goes to show you that they've uh, sort of been a little lucky. Because when you look at what they've been doing well, they're 15th in batting average, they're 13th in runs, they're 23rd in hits, they're 20th in home runs. That's not really great in in much of the offensive categories. And their pitching is 25th in ERA, 26th in whip, and 22nd in opponent's batting average. So they're not really good pitching either. (laughs) The Royals are worth mentioning. They're 6-4 before their Thursday game. Um, Offensively, they're making some strides. They're 10th in batting average and 15th in on-base percentage. Uh, Pitching-wise, they're 15th in ERA. They probably need to improve a little bit in their uh, opponent's batting average against, which is 25th, and they're 27th in whip. So they have been getting uh, perhaps a a bit lucky so far through their 10 games. The Cubbies, as a team, the Chicago Cubs right now are hitting 163. As a team. As a team. They're hitting 163, not like the low player on their team, their entire team. Uh, when you look at at who is succeeding for them, Chris Bryant is leading their team in batting average with uh, two uh, the 243 batting average. And I know, batting average is not a, an end-all, be-all stat anymore, right? Slogging percentage, on-base percentage, OPS, wins above replacement, actual production, those things are more important. But this is Incredibly bad. Chris Bryant's hitting 240 through 37 at bats. Wilson Contreras 226 through 30 at bats. Hayward's hitting 200 through 40 at bats. Javier Baez is hitting 200 through 45 at bats. Anthony Rizzo's hitting 171 through 41 at bats. Ian Happ's hitting 143 through 35 at bats. That is brutal. You expect the Cubs to be sort of opposite, a team that struggles to to get outs and and maybe will try to outscore you, but this team is not hitting the ball at all right now. So some quick uh, looks at what's going on in baseball over the last few days. We will check in with the baseball uh, 
like pretty much every episode now for the the coming future, at least spend a, a few minutes uh, each episode, and we'll start to bring on some baseball guests as the season uh, gets on and uh, and focus on that. But we will shift our focus now to some NBA with Eric Etoff. Two One Sports joins me for NBA. Who's hot? Who's not? We're gonna talk about everything going on. In the uh, world of sports In the world of uh, basketball Lots of news to discuss Um, Aldridge retiring Zach Levine's out for a little bit Um, Celtics, Lakers, Clippers Warriors, you name it We're going to discuss all of that With ETOF 2-1 Sports Eric joins us for NBA Who's hot, who's not NBA Who's hot, who's not Who's hot, who's not We are back with another edition of NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not. Eric, Top 2-1 Sports, joins us again uh, each and every week as he has had throughout the NBA season, really throughout the NFL season, pretty much each and every week. We're hearing from Eric in some capacity, talking sports with us. And uh, now we are ramping up the uh, the road to the playoffs now, Eric. We have uh, Giannis. One of our topics we were going to discuss was um, Giannis and, and some of his uh, injury issues, but he came back and he played today. The Bucks just uh, won a game right now uh, against a, a hot Hawks team. They they finished off, and then some good news for the Lakers as uh, Anthony Davis has cleared to return to the court for full on court activity. So they'll probably uh, get him back on the court next week. He'll 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 probably need a few games where he's playing fifteen or twenty minutes or so. But uh, that's that's positive news for. Two major title contenders. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially like the Lakers, they treaded water. I mean, yeah. and their defense, their defense has been like shockingly like exceptionally good. I mean, their it's defensive ranking is still like, what is it? It's uh, 104.2. And with, it was it's been a top five defense even without LeBron and AD. Which has been incredible. So uh, Vogel has just done a great, great job, and everybody has has sort of understood, hey, you know what? We're not going to be able to outscore teams, but if we can all uh, buy in, play defense, and just try to play 500 ball till our big guns get back, till AD and LeBron get back, and they did. They they really survived uh, very well, and um, they're uh, they're in a good spot right now. You know, they can't they, they got a game coming up in a minute. We're going to be seeing against the Celtics, and um, I they, mean, this they, is they a flat spot for them. I mean, yeah, coming off yeah. that road trip, flying well, cross country, and and I, you just got the news that AD's back. Right, so yeah. you're kind of like, oh, nice. You kind of get a little relaxed because he's like, oh, he's gonna be back in a few games, you know. And um, I think they're gonna be without Drummond also. Um, Schroeder's banged up too, so they're gonna be really depleted, and uh, they'll need a big, a big effort tonight. But more than anything, they just needed to kind of stay where they are, not get into a, a situation where they may have to even be in the play-in. And it looks like they're probably going to be pretty steady in that five or six uh, spot, probably even the five based on things that are happening uh, around them. So the thing but, with them though, is like, and I, I saw the stat, it just completely blew my mind. The 13 games that AD and LeBron have been out, their defensive ranking average giving up 104.2 without those two on the floor for the 13 games. Ben Simmons, him or Gobert are going to be the uh, defensive player of the year. Yep. Simmons on the floor, the Sixers' defensive ranking is 106.6. Yeah. So they're playing better defense. That's than a defensive player of the year candidate a, as a team. But, I mean, like, props to Vogel. I mean, yeah. I mean, and it's, pro- it's probably the perfect spot for Drummond to land in, too. It is. 
he I, he gets to play, and you you've known you know him better than anyone. Uh, seeing him uh, in Detroit, he he gets to. Um, He'll look a lot better when LeBron and AD are there And LeBron's able to throw him lobs We get to see, like, good drumming game, bad drumming game You know, I it's mean, just... that cross-court pass he had in the Knicks game I was like, I think I learned not to do that in 6th grade man. I know Like, he tries to do some of this stuff And you're just like He tries to drive the lane and, like, yeah. dribble between his legs sometimes And then, for a big man that's like getting getting better at his free throws too, and uh, his hands are just awful. Like oh. he dr- he drops and biffs, and then but then he'll have a game like he had against the the Nets, where he basically retired Lamarcus Aldridge. Like La- I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge couldn't defend him because he was just too big and too strong. And uh, we just found out earlier today that Lamarcus Aldridge retires. So uh, I'm. Glad as a Laker fan, they didn't try to bring him in and 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 like make him a player that they were going to depend on. Drummond it was a much better fit for what they needed because um, he can at least give you some size, some rebounding, a little bit of defense. Um, so um, Aldridge would have would have figured he would have just tried to kind of play the string out this year and see if he could get a ring with them. It's kind of weird though. Like I know he said two procedures of this, and I was reading his quote, and he said this is the scariest it's been. So it kind of makes me think like. Because getting a ring is important. Like maybe this is a little bit more severe than it's he's letting in. Really bad. Yeah, it's probably a lot worse than what we think. Because yeah, I mean, it could be very easy for him to kind of quiet, not even mention that. And he could quietly have just sat on the bench and not played much, and nobody would have really known the difference. Not you know? at all. Because um, I mean, like honestly, I mean, if you think about the Nets, I mean, are they really ever going to have a on a the full court Griffin Aldridge? Uh, Harden, Irving, and Durant. I mean, that's an awful defensive lineup. There's no, no way and, those guys are going to be playing together. Nope, and they'll never be on the court now. And, you know, we don't know. James Harden is banged up. Durant will play and then um, not play. And then who knows what's going on with Kyrie, too. Um, so, that you know, for as good as a year that they've had with missing all these players, I still am a, am a little bit worried of what, Things might be like when it comes into a playoff series when you have good coaches that are able to kind of attack, even if uh, your your talented offensive players, even if they're all there, um, you're, they're able to uh, attack them and make them play some defense. They're able to sort of figure out some of their weaknesses when you play them four, five, six times in a row. Um, yeah, major major question mark still about a, a Brooklyn team. And you don't know how they're going to face adversity. What's going to happen? Like when everything's going fine, like everything's good. They're fine. You know, and like, but that first little hiccup they have, like what's going to happen? Like, how are they going to survive? Not really survive, but how are they going to cope with it? Um, Let's talk about one team. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say like as much as um, everyone's talking about like getting ready for them, if they play together, you're kind of relying on Steve Nash, who's a first year coach trying to get these pieces together that haven't fit together at all. And his lead assistant, Mike D'Antoni, I mean, he's not really the mecca of playoff basketball success. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong for that Brooklyn team. Uh, One team who unfortunately has had some stuff go wrong for them lately. I got to say, if you would have asked me like a week or two ago, um, if I could maybe make a wager on one team to win the title, uh, it wouldn't have been the Lakers ever because the Lakers value wise are not ever going to be worth it. I probably would have picked Denver. Uh, the 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 Gordon acquisition with to, with them 
it felt like such a perfect fit to give them that versatile wing who can play really good defense. He's athletic. He can help you score if you need to, but he was taking it um, very personal to play defense, and he's still going to be around. And 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 Morris, the backup guard there, is fine. But Jamal Murray is what made this team different, and we saw what he could do last year in his playoff run. And not having them. Not having him just really changes the way I think a lot of people feel and and really changes the like the ceiling of a, of a Denver Nuggets team. I mean, that team was having a great season. They led the NBA shooting fifty two percent in clutch shooting. That is when the game was within five, two minutes or less to play, and forty eight percent field goal range. With Murray gone, all those numbers are going to drop. Plus, they don't have the guy that's going to make the three throws. To close the game and the guy in the wing that can create everything's going to have to be funneled through Joker now in the high post. And now teams are going to pay more attention to Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was able to get all these easy buckets, dive into the rim. That's because no one was paying attention to him because they'd rather stop Joker. You could, you had no choice, right? You have to pay attention to both of those guys. And so he's able to just cut, get these wide open looks here and there. And also the thing is, is this puts more pressure on Joker now. So yeah, there's going to be more wear and tear in them. So everyone thinks this is just a one year thing. I think this really shrinks the window even more because now Joker is going to get more miles, more wear and tear on him just because they're going to have to depend on him more. And then, you know, when Murray comes back, what, a year from now, God only knows what the schedule is going to look like then. So basically, it's going to be two seasons wasted. Yep. Third season contracts and everything. You have Michael Porter, who's a liability on defense, even though he's a little bit, he's at least trying this year. Yeah, a little better. I mean, I mean, this team that was so promising, I mean, you could kind of argue, unfortunately, their window's probably closed now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where they're seated, it's funny. You never, as a team, like, I never root to want to play this team because that then, you know, what will happen with that. It'll backfire on you. But you obviously look at teams who you think you'd match up better with and and figure, yeah, you know what? The team I like would, would probably match up better with this team than that team. And now, you know, you're looking at a Nuggets team who are uh, in the four spot right now, and they're only one game ahead of the Lakers. And you and you have to think with the Lakers starting to get AD back, LeBron back and the Nuggets without Murray, that could easily flip flop. And they, even if it doesn't, um, I mean, that wouldn't be a, an awful matchup for the Lakers now, like playing a Nuggets team without Murray. And I think a lot of teams in the West are going to probably look at Denver and think, you know what? They're a little depleted right now. I probably would want to take my chances with them versus uh, one of the uh, other healthy teams that, you know, I've been through this pretty strong Western Conference so far. Um, you know, one of them is the Suns. It's, yeah. No, the Suns are playing great. I mean, this, uh, back to the Nuggets, though. I mean, go ahead. Real, yeah. I mean, like, who are they going to sign? Austin Rivers? That's like the yeah. big rumor now. And nothing that can move the needle. Yeah. And I mean, now, like, do you put Will Barton back in the offensive lineup? So you got him and Morris. You know what I mean? Like, it just. The I don't perimeter, know. They're, they're yeah, it's just, just they're so trouble. many liabilities. Like, I don't know. Like, I, they're done, unfortunately. As much as it pains me to say that because they were my team last year, they are done. So the Phoenix Suns are only one game behind the Jazz in the loss column right now. And, it, it you know, I think a lot, uh, a lot of people were talking throughout the first half of the season about how good the Jazz were. And then we're always going to have conversations about the Lakers and the Clippers. Like they're just very polarizing teams. Dame gets talked about. Luca gets talked about. But this Phoenix team has kind of flown under the radar for a lot of this year. And they've won nine of their last 10 games. They've won three in a row. 
they got a big shot to take the number one spot if they want it. Which we never would have thought with how good no. Utah started out. And, I mean, when you look at this team, they're fifth in total defense, third in total offense. They're obviously doing it in both ends. They lead the league in 49% shooting from mid-range, um, 38% from three, and they're, they have the second-best scoring bench. So they're getting it from everybody. The bench players have totally bought in. I talk about it all the time when you and I talk basketball. When twos run at you, you have to be able to hit the open man. Chris Paul is doing that more. And by Chris Paul being there, that's taking more pressure off Booker. Now Booker doesn't have to basically have the offense funnel through him. He can take offensive possessions out when it's Paul driving, Paul in the pick and roll, you know, whatever, and Book can play off the ball. Then you got Bridges, who's made improvements in every single statistical category. Aiken, who's shooting 7% higher from the floor this year and is a defensive beast, way better defensively than I ever thought. And they just have everybody buying in, no matter what Monty Williams asks the players to be their role. I mean, my only question is you have Bridges, Aiken, and Booker have never done it in a playoff series. When it gets to like the fifth and fifth, fourth and fifth game, and when coaches are making all these adjustments, are they going to have enough to adjust and handle this, the pressure of the playoffs? Right now, uh, a team that is in uh, the bottom of the Western Conference playoffs, they would be in the play-in, and that is the Memphis Grizzlies. They're a game ahead of the Warriors and the Spurs. The Spurs have been struggling. Memphis has won uh, six of their last ten, and I mean, I, I. Do think that Jaw is the type of guy who um, maybe not quite yet, but in one more year, like he is the type of player who he can carry you to win a series. You can upset a team that they they you know maybe shouldn't have be able to beat. Um, I don't know how far a team like them can go because they they probably need everything, but they're a fun team to watch and root for. I mean, this is my thing, like. I went on a couple weeks ago my big Donovan Mitchell rant. Now, this week, it's going to be John Morant. Uh, ESPN came out with that list, top 25, under 25. Morant was only 14. So he had, last year, he took the Grizzlies to the playing game without their second-best player, Jaron Jackson Hurt. This year, he's been out the whole season. He has this Memphis Grizzlies team. And if you look at this roster, they have no business being in the playoffs. No, not at all. Not at all. And that just shows you how good he actually is his fourth quarter Jackson. scoring oh, is yeah. incredible he impacts winning right and, like that oh, that's the thing insane. they win he's come in right away and helped this team be a much better team this they were projected to be bottom teams the last couple years and he has come in and made them a respectable team that was in the play in last year and i mean they'll likely they're eight with the, the two teams behind them, a game behind them, and the Pelicans are three behind them. They'd have to have a pretty big fall to not be at least in a plane again this year, which you got to think is impressive without Jackson. I mean, the game last night was a huge disappointment. I don't know if you saw it, but they were yeah. up two. Grayson Allen, 90% three throw shooter, misses not one, but two effing three throws. Then Luca hits that it's insane three. But I mean, like, for them to even be in this position, Jaws great in the pick and roll, hitting Vanasius. I was totally butchered that name. Vanasius, what he like cuts, um, adrenal driving, hitting Al- Allen, who's open for the three. I mean, he just like you said, impacts winning. Um, they have a great young coach, and their defense, they're fifth in C- steals and seventh in creating turnovers. So they just have a bunch of those dudes like Dylan Brooks, Anderson, who are just junkyard dogs that just go after it. And like I said, Winslow. And 
Jaron Jackson haven't been playing. Once they get everyone back, this is going to be a dangerous team. Uh, a team that lost today earlier when we were talking uh, on on Thursday, but they've been playing some really good basketball too. Uh, they've won seven of their last ten. That's the Atlanta Hawks. They're all the way up to the number four spot, and if uh, Boston wins, Boston would be tied with them. But uh, Atlanta is playing well. They made a coaching change. They made a little trade, and uh, and Rondo went to the Clippers. He's actually helped the Clippers too. And Atlanta is um, sort of a team that. I think the last couple of years, people were expecting them to be with Trey Young. They made a lot of offseason acquisitions, and it seems like they've kind of found their footing and figured out who they are. I mean, Nate McMillan's come in. They're 20 and 5 since the hiring, but I look closer at the teams they're beating. No, don't get me wrong, that's a great record. But the only two teams they beat with the winning record were the Heat, the first game after the coaching change, and the Lakers, and that's the game LeBron went hurt. So it's yeah. like they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. I mean, what, they lose by 11, 11 Today, at home? Milwaukee, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I get it. Like, they're making strides. Bodanovich has been playing great the last couple of day, games. But, I mean, I really think the piece they need the most is the piece they traded away. I mean, like, Ron, what Rondo is right now is he's that guy. He's older. He understands, hey, come April, this is when I'm going to turn it on. This is when I'll give you my 15 to 20 minutes. Before that, I'm worthless. I'm going to be a pain in the ass. Yep. And they need him to kind of get everyone in check. I mean, you're telling me in a playoff series, you're going to be able to rely on Trey Young and Lou Williams to defend the point guard position? Like no. anything. I mean, the one thing that they've done better on defense, and they kind of are doing what the Jazz do, kind of funnel everyone in to go bear they're funneling everyone into clint capella on the defensive end so that's the like defensively they're playing great and trey's playing a, l- a lot more in the offense he isn't just coming over the half court line and jocking up a uh, 35 footer he's passing at least moving the ball i mean they have some interesting pieces with uh hunter but i mean regis has been hurt i just think this team is like just way too young and just don't, doesn't have the experience to make that true noise in the playoff but I mean, they're kind of proving Nick McMillan should have been fired for Indiana last year. The team that uh, made the trade with Atlanta, the Clippers, they've actually been playing some really good ball as of late, too. They've won seven in a row. They sort of look like they're pretty solidly going to be set in that three spot. They're... They're a game and a half behind Phoenix, but they're three behind Phoenix in the loss column. And they're three ahead of Denver... Overall, two ahead of Denver in the loss column, three ahead of the Lakers in the loss column. They're probably in a spot where they can like rest some guys down the stretch and and probably get that third spot pretty safely. And that would set them up with a like a three six matchup. It would probably be you know either a, a Portland, a Dallas. They would love for someone like Denver to fall to the sixth spot and uh, and get them now without Murray. Uh, even, even though I I wonder if they'd still get some nightmares about having to play Denver in the first round after what happened last year. But uh, <laughs> but oh, they're playing God. good. I mean, the main thing with them is going to be the mental hor- hurdle that Paul George will have to overcome in the playoffs yep. when we look at that. But I mean, after that game. Now, the story that I heard is after that game in Milwaukee, that was a Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game. That was actually like a real good Sunday afternoon basketball game when people actually played. Like the Clippers were up big. The Bucks came back and came and won it. I guess there was a closed door meeting with George, Lou, and Kawhi. And both Kawhi and George were like, we need Rondo. I mean, those guys said, that's what we need. We went, we need Rondo. They went out and got him. He's only playing like 15 minutes a game. But like I said, He's coming in, he's barking orders, getting everyone where he needs to be. I mean, 
what this guy does and how much of a proven winner he is is really insane with how much limit time he's on the court. And he's just making sure everyone's doing the right thing. Gun to my head right now, if I had to pick a team to come out of the West, it would actually be the Clippers. They're in the best shape right now of everyone. They have the least, the least amount of question marks. And uh, they, what, what's if we didn't have last year, we would definitely think that even though they're third, they're they're the best. They're in the best shape, you know. Um, but that's like you said, it's the demons from last year that we're all gonna have to sort of uh, we're gonna have to see and make them prove it because um, they're they're built very very well. Uh, the Clippers but they got their point guard. Like that's yeah. the one thing you and I have been saying. They, they need needed a point guard. the floor general, and they got pretty much the best one they could have got. This yep. guy. And Rondo's a pain. Like, I've talked to people. He's a pain in the ass because he yep. demands so much. And he's and, great because, like you said, if he's having a good game, you play him for a little longer. You let him roll for 20, 25, how, you know. And then if he's not, you can just kind of take the ball out of his hand a little bit and give it to Kawhi and Paul George, which you can still get away with doing okay. It's just so nice to have the option, you know, uh, an option they just didn't have. They didn't have this kind of an option. He's not going to be... You know, last year he shot so great in the playoffs And he's probably not going to shoot 40 plus percent from three But he's going to have some games where he does still have some oomph there And can can definitely win you a quarter, a half, or a game or two um, That's that's what this Clipper team needs We are continuing on with Eric on our Who's Hot, Who's Not NBA segment We are up to the Hornets And uh, just a bummer for a Hornets team who is having a really nice start to the year and they've absolutely been just decimated by injuries. I mean it's it's awful. I mean like they're the most popular team on League Pass to watch and the more I think about it the more I think Gordon Hayward is the reason the Celtics were struggling earlier just because they're 2 and 4. They can't win a game without him. And now you, they don't they don't have ball I mean, like you said, they're just beat up with injuries, and they just can't. And you have to question their effort too. I mean, they lost what was it? A hundred, they lost by seventeen points to the flipping flipping Cavs yesterday. How do you lose in the playoff race by seventeen points to the Cleveland Cavaliers? The Celtics, who have uh, started off well in this Laker game that uh, just started a minute ago, you and I are recording at the beginning. They are they're playing some good ball right now. They've won four in a row. They're up to the fifth seed. If they win this game against the Lakers tonight, they'll be tied with Atlanta for the fourth spot. Um, Jason Tatum, uh, in their last eleven games, they are eight and three. He's scored twenty nine point six a game, eight point one rebounds a game, three point eight assists, one steal. He's shooting fifty percent from the field. 40% from three on nine attempts per game. And um, he's doing this wall. He's figured out that he actually needs to use an inhaler because of uh, the issues that he had with COVID earlier on in the year. So, um, you know, that that's just shows you how scary that is. It's still impacting someone like Tatum, who is as healthy as like any person on the planet, you know, you know a young, healthy dude. And he's using an inhaler now, but he's figuring out ways to, um, to, Get in better shape he's in a little bit better Shape and he's figuring out things that are helping him Sort of get back to a guy last year In the playoff that looked like he was Kind of creeping into the top 10 in the league How how good is he Eric Is he the you know type of guy Who can help them win a series Or two in a year where they've been pretty Disappointing I honestly I am not as high In Tatum as everyone else is just because I've said before, I really don't think he makes people around him better. I think yeah. when he drives, he just looks to score and pull up. And 
I, in my eyes, he's not at that Kobe or Michael level. And I don't think he's ever going to get to that level. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I just don't think he just doesn't make people around him like better. I, I looked into the Celtics during this little run that you were talking about scoring is up to 13.4 and they're allowing 106.4. That's down from 110. Ball movement has been better in the four game stretch. Uh, anytime they get over 25 assists per game. So moving to the ball, something you and I have both targets has been an issue with them. They're 18 and three. And also Robert Williams is playing great. He's, uh, you know, 10 points, nine rebounds a game, 69% from the field goal. And I also think the big thing that's helped them is Marcus Smart is finally fully recovered from that hip injury he had. Um, he's looking better on defense, more engaged. And also Stevens, ever since they traded Beast, he stopped doing the double bigs lineup. He's only playing one big right now. So yep. I really I really think that's helping him with the rotations and everything. Um, they just look, and it was Smart's calf. I'm sorry, my fault. But they just look like the – they're playing quicker. The ball is moving. And I think that the, the game that kind of turned them around is when they outscored Denver 31 to eight, I think it was like a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. And ever since then, that's kind of when this rejuvenated season kind of kickstarted for them. The bulls, um, they made the trade for Vucevic and it has not worked out for them at all. And then we find out, uh, that, Zach Levine now is going to be in the COVID protocols. So this is a Bulls team that is currently in the 10th spot. They're 22 and 32. They've lost four straight. They're three and seven in their last 10. And they're in some serious danger of not making the top 10, which would give them a spot in the play-in. The Toronto Raptors are only a game behind them. And the Washington Wizards are only a game behind them. Could you believe if either one of those two teams were able to finish 10th and then get an opportunity to get into the playoffs, even with the bad year that they've had? The Bulls are in some trouble right now. I mean, they're playing awful basketball. They are 3-7 and seven since they traded for Orlando's big man, um, Benetucius, I totally butchered uh, that Vuce, name. Vucevic. Yeah. Vucevic. Um, the team really has no identity. Before the trade, they're playing through the high post. Wendell Carter, he's gone. Now the offense really isn't moving as well. Cody White's been relegated to the bench. They really, that's another team that needs a point guard. Levine's kind of struggling to figure everything out, going from the guy that was required to score 30 plus points to having another quote unquote all star with him. So, I mean, it's like everyone's just trying to find the roles and what this team is. And if they don't make the 10th, the 10th position, again, that play in tournament, that's like really bad because really disappointing for that. I mean, this bullets team is a nightmare. I mean, they're the most inconsistent team in the world. And the Raptors just want to get back to Toronto. Like, you know, they're just waiting for the season to get over. So if they don't put it together, this is like a huge disappointment. Cause it kind of, it's kind of like they were going all in for the playoffs with the trade. And then, to now you even get in the playoff tournament and now more pressure's on because Levine's out. I mean, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's, I'm in Chicago and the vibe here in the city isn't well for good for them. So, uh, one team that's quietly playing pretty well, uh, as of late, they have won three straight and they are a game out of the Ninth spot, so they would be in the play the play in spot in the Western Conference. That is the Golden State Warriors, and I don't know if they would be able to beat a Utah or a Phoenix in a series. But as far as a play in game in like a one game situation, if you got to play against Steph Curry and he gets hot, I mean his last eight games, 
He's averaging 38.8 points per game He scored 42 on Wednesday And he can get in the zone Where for a ga- you know a few games you, you can't really guard him Or do anything when he's shooting You know from that deep And making shots at that quality This isn't a very good team overall But they, they're a little scary um, You know with the team that's won Before if they get in there And they have an opportunity I'm sure Utah or Phoenix probably wouldn't love seeing them I mean, this team is really like, I don't know. It's a, it's a real strange team for me. Like there's been a lot yeah. of times where I've watched them where Draymond has swung the ball and whoever it is has missed the shot. So Draymond's stats in my eyes should be a little better than they are because he's giving people the ball in the right position. They're just not making the shot. The interesting thing to me is you mentioned they won three in a row. Who has not played in those, those three games? Kelly Oubre. And it came out yeah. that, what was it, Andrew Bogut? Someone, obviously Draymond, said, like, if because there's this whole thing, like, um, Ubre like, should be coming off the bench, but he, he figures a he's a start. Yeah. And, and then the whole, well, if Iguodala comes off the bench, ever since that happened, he hasn't played because of wrist soreness. God only knows if that's true. And they're 3-0. and I think the offense is better without Ubre. Get Kent Bort, Bo- was, uh, Bazemore. Bazemore's, Bazemore's a solid there. player. Yeah. Solid player, moves the ball, can hit an open jump shot. And Wiseman, Wiseman is going to be great in the league in three years. Great in the league in three years. But right now, he's a 19-year-old kid who has no idea what the F is going on. And he is hurt, meniscus. Now they got Looney. They have a little bit more experience. I think the offensive flow is just way more better without those two there, as crazy as it sounds. And then also, you talked about Steph. He had 42 points in 29 minutes. That's just insane to me. 42 and 29. And what he's done this year is he's bulked up. He's not as like frail. Not yeah, as, he's taking frail, the, like, absorbing the hits a yeah. little bit better. Yeah, he's bulked up a lot where he can take the wear and tear. He's transformed his body late in his career, which is a real impressive thing. I mean, if the Clay comes back healthy, which I hope he does, because he's one of my favorite favorite players in the league, and you know they get the Timberwolves pick, Wiseman, Draymond. I mean, Wiggins has looked better. I he mean, does, this, and he'll have a half. You know, like he'll have yeah. a game where it's like, oh, you got a Wiggins half. Wow. Yeah. Like he'll score like 18 and a half and play great defense and make a couple great plays. And then he'll, in typical Wiggins fashion, he'll like just kind of go like non existent in the other half. But, but one thing he does do is he'll play defense. He is. That's not Consistently, one guy we don't have to worry about playing defense. That's which true. On a team like this, that's important. In a one game situation, I mean, like you said, Steph and Draymond, who have experience winning, that's going to be a tough out. They will be, I'm, and and like I said, I think those top seeded teams would probably rather play a, a Memphis team in a in a series than a team like Golden State, who you know could get a little scary, and they have that experience. So, um, we were talking, uh, or we, we were going to talk a little bit about that playing tournament in general, and Mark Cuban was discussing why it's not necessarily a great idea. In and I don't think. And you know, people are like getting mad at Cuban because his team is in a spot right now where they might have to be in the play-in. They're in the seventh spot. Um, they could get the six. Who knows? They could drop to the eight, but they're going to probably be in the play-in. And he says, you know, teams that have played all through the year um, aren't. It, I, he has a couple good points, right? I don't think the the reason that you have a play-in is when there's a little bit more 
separation um, for the bottom to the middle, and he's talking about how the difference between like a game or two, um, they can't afford to rest players. They they have to take these games as if they're full playoff games, and in a COVID season with a short turnaround, a lot of games being played. It's I mean we're seeing how many injuries this year, Eric. I mean I totally am against the playing game. Um, I think this is just a pure money grab. It made sense when they did the bubble. But with everything just being compact and playing 72 games, I just think, like, that's just way too much. Like, you look at Murray, what was that, his fifth game in seven nights? Yeah. Like, it's just the wear and tear that these guys have is just adding up. I was talking to my buddy who played in the league for years, and he told me, like, he's like, these are the dog days right now. Like, you don't want to be out there. You want to get healthy. You are being protective of your body. Games start mounting up, and he made an interesting comment to me. He he told me for him it was easier to do a back to back and then have an off day to fully let your body recover and then play a game instead of going game off day, game off day. It was like, I don't know how he explained. It was really weird how he explained it to me, but I just think it's a total money grab. I mean, seventy two games, you know who's good and who's not, and they just did this to create more. Um, more meaningful games to try to drive up the TV rankings. Yep. And right now what's happening is it's having the opposite effect. You get these guys sitting out and then no one wants to turn in. I mean, obviously who watched the game last night with the net, the best game of the night last night was what Mavericks and Grizzlies. Yeah. The feature game on that was, um, what was it? Brooklyn and Philadelphia with no Harden. You know, you know what I mean? Like everyone's sitting out now. So there's, it, it kind of bit them in the ass. So it I really did. think they should get away from it. I it's mean, fun. It, it, it was better. so catching lightning in a bottle last year in the bubble. I mean, remember we were having day basketball games in the bubble. Oh, I you know, it. I it was it. great. Like, it was, it, they, they were playing four games a day, five games a day. You had, and then the, the bubble, uh, the playoff play in games were really great. But I, I, it just, I don't know if it's necessary this year. And it, it was fun. It was exciting. Like I like it. Hey, we get another like intense winner go home basketball game. But I. I don't need one of those if it's going to, um, you know, if that's going to, it, it, like, ir, like not necessarily and indirectly cause more injuries because of it. You know, I just I, I don't need that. And you get more people like I heard an interesting thing on the radio today. I'm trying to remember who said it, but this guy was saying how what the NBA should do, and it was like a little weird, but it kind of made sense and kind of like compressing everything in like it does. It said, he said, start the season earlier, only play games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and have the guys play one game a week. So that way they don't compete with NFL or college football. And then more guys will kind of ease their way into the season like that, and you'll get a better product. I don't know if that, I have to think about that more. Yeah, his, but- thing, his thing was like, start it in, um, in September. And, and just, just kind of go along with it, but yeah. play on the off days of football, so you're not like cannibalizing football. And it there just needs to be um, th- th- what they did this year with the. I mean, there were three or four things that were cash grabs this year, and I love the NBA. You love the NBA, but the way they decided to start on Christmas Day instead of starting like on Martin Luther King Day or into into February, like they had initially talked about, because they knew how much more money they would get on that Christmas Day. Even though some of your marquee players like LeBron and Anthony Davis are now hurt and missing a big portion of this year because they had the quickest turnaround in NBA history, they got no time off. 
Look at the Miami Heat, the way they started the year. They were all banged up. They were, you know, not healthy right off the bat. And, you know, then we got the All-Star game. The players didn't want to play in that. But that was another opportunity for them to get money. So what did they do? Of course, they played in it. You know, um, how much nicer for LeBron now, knowing that he got hurt after, would it have been for him to have a week off and not have to worry about going out there at all? And then this, you know, with the play-in. So there have been a couple things this year that uh, I I like Adam Silver a lot. I think he is one of the best commissioners of sports and probably one of the better ones that we've ever had in how he's very honest. He's very forthright. He seems like he's player-friendly, but... There were a couple things this year I know they were in a bad spot because of what happened with COVID Last year and they were down money But you can't put your players in, in Situations but, to get hurt But I mean the Players Association did approve this stuff too Yeah, Owners no you're right, they did players. So I mean like both sides want their money Which they I get, do. I mean yeah. both sides want their money And yeah. I get that and I understand that But they're just like Like Biggie says, more money, more problems And they're just understanding that Having more money isn't always the best situation. It was just silly, I think, for them to play all these games. That leads us to uh, the final thing. But you, just... real quick, you mentioned the one thing that just popped in my head. Yeah. You see all these guys just going down, which I hate to see. But on the other hand, you have AD and LeBron resting and getting better. So I you think this is get a your Lakers. Little blessing just, in disguise, maybe, you know? Yeah. Just with the shoot in the arm. I mean, like, that's going to be a great situation for us. Yeah, um, and it's it's the time of the the season though now, Eric. Where as as betters, it's hard to play. Man, if you're trying to play like DFS or something like that, you get lo- a lineup locked in. You better make sure you're watching right up to tip to know who's in the lineup, who's playing. This stuff will be changing right away. So between all the players with the with COVID protocols, between all the players sitting out with injuries. Between the rate of like three pointers, where you know uh, any team really on a, any given night can just get hot and beat a team that that is much better than them, but right now in particular, um, it's a little dangerous playing the NBA. I am not. I run a betting service. I am not sending out any NBA bets because I told everybody, look, this is the dog days. You don't know who's ready to play, who's not ready to play. You look at your Lakers. I mean. They completely the point spread said to play the Lakers when they played the Knicks F Knicks, but they completely shit the bed. It was yeah. like they're out in New York all night partying. Yep. So you guys really need to be careful. And then common sense says, okay, last day of the road trip, going into Charlotte. Okay. Low point spread. Let's get bit Charlotte. Let's bet yep. Charlotte. And Lakers were, just hammered. So I mean, like right now, like I'm just totally sitting back. Maybe if there's a meaningful game at the end, but I would advise be very selective and don't bet at all. And if you are a degenerate and need to bet, watch the game. All these books now offer live bets. The live bet. Like, yeah. Like watch it and see what's going on and then bet something. At live. least you'll but, know that yeah. way. You know who's on the court. You know who's playing. You're not worrying about um that's the thing. That's the worst thing is it's not is the availability. Right. Well I mean like, look at the Bucks game. Like no one thought Giannis was going to play. Like you and I had this thing we're going to talk about Giannis's injury, the effect and, on him and everything. And the point spread opened up at six, dropped down to three and a half, and then Giannis is playing, went back up to six. So you just don't know. So you just got to be careful. 
Yeah, playoff time will come And we'll have plenty of opportunities there To play series, to play conference winners To play overall winner To, you know, in-game in stuff Game-to-game, plenty of opportunities there um, You know, if you want to play a little fantasy Or something like that, make sure you know what's going on uh, When you get your lineups in for daily Stuff like that, but I agree There's no reason to force it right now When it's just, it's harder to get a feel for for what's going on but we will give you a feel for what's going on in the NBA each and every week here with Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, helping us out. Eric, uh, before we let you go, I know you're uh, a little bit of a wrestling fan too. We were talking uh, throughout the uh, the weekend. It was WrestleMania weekend. I thought, you know, uh, nights one and two of Mania were, were pretty solid top to bottom. It was great to see the fans back. And then it seems like they shit the bed on Monday night with Raw with a pretty bad show. I'll be honest. I didn't even watch Monday Night Raw. Yeah, like, I, it was like, it was bad. It I was did, bad. I yeah. Don't, I didn't miss anything. I promise I, you. I feel like they. I don't know. Like I just feel like the direction they're going with some people is just like, what the hell are you doing? Like they built Bray Wyatt up to be this like character, and then they basically just shit the bed on the whole character. I mean, it was. I mean, he's dead right now just because lost to Goldberg. Um, you know, lost they to got Seth, the, lost to yeah. like. And then one one RKO done, and now like Alexa Bliss is the female fiend who's gonna go through the women's division. Like what? Yeah. Like I just like the whole thing just didn't. I don't know the the long term storytelling just didn't make sense to me. And I'll be honest, like I had my second COVID shot. It was a struggle for me to stay up both nights. I actually fell asleep during the bunny and uh, miss. Miz match. Um, I woke up when Bianca won it, so I completely missed that match. Um, but I thought the first night was really fun, really entertaining. Second night, I think I fell asleep at the beginning of the. That Edge was when the Fiend match. stuff. It was just a bad yeah. start to the night with the Fiend stuff, you know. And then like the energy of the, it took a while for the crowd's energy to get into the night. And I think just it seems like most everything that's interesting right now and all of their best stories are on SmackDown. Like all, oh, like all. Sure. Both of the main events were, you know, Roman Reigns, Edge, Bryan, they're all SmackDown. The women's main event, Bianca, Sasha, SmackDown. Cesaro, Rollins, one of the best matches of the of the weekend, SmackDown. Uh, KO, Sammy, they're on SmackDown. KO's doing some good work. So, like, most of the, the better things on there, even, like, Big E and Apollo is, is like, sort of interesting. Um, Raw has just been very bland, very blah. Um, so, uh, we'll see if, if But, they I mean, can, the thing is, is, like, you need someone to, like, Draw yourself in like yeah And like, they don't have like, that they don't have that like I mean with the fiend they kind of did like They it's had the different. Alexa thing like With the fun house thing but they Totally effed that up with him getting Burned alive by Randy Orton like Why the hell did, you know what I mean there's It's just it's just a really bad product I mean I watch it, AW on Wednesdays I'm actually entertained when I Watch that it it just became Too too much to try to suspend our disbelief Right we will do that as wrestling fans But this became uh, just a little bit too much So um, hopefully WWE can get back on track uh, On their week to week programming They showed us they can still do big shows well um, And I think We got we you know people are getting Their their shots now you mentioned yours I, I've got my first one And hope the second one coming up in a few weeks And uh, we hope it seems by June We're going to get a lot of things opened up in a lot of places when the fans get back, it's going to raise the product a bit more, and and hopefully it'll make them understand some of the things that are not getting over with the fans. You know, they they haven't heard the reaction in the last year, and so there are some things that if they would have heard the boos for a few weeks, that maybe they would have quickly turned the corner. 
For sure. Yeah, for sure. Because I've done that in the past, like um, the whole Daniel Bryan thing back yeah. in the game. Yeah, with how over he over he was Kofi a couple years ago. So I mean, they do kind of, they do listen, but I think you're right. I think not having fans there, they have no idea what's over and like what's not over. And once Vince gets an idea, he has all the yes men around him. No one just says no. This isn't working. <laughs> this isn't doesn't make sense. Exactly. So. Um, Eric Etoff two one Sports uh, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Correct. Correct at Etoff two one Sports on both Instagram and Twitter. And we got to give him a follow on there, and you'll be able to follow along when uh, he's got podcasts coming out. Um, any information that he gives all the time is really good. Follow on there. Uh, you'll also get uh, stuff on the website, blogs, rankings, written stuff. Eric, buddy, we always appreciate your help, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks. Sound good. Talk then. Make sure to give uh, Eric a follow there, and uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We got a lot more still to come on. That's what G said. Great talking basketball with Eric. You can find him uh, each and every week here on That's What G Said. Make sure to give him a follow. He does a great podcast, good website where he has blogs and all sorts of uh, different information. And on social media, you follow him constantly posting plays, and he can help you out if you need a, a little more. I know that I need some help whenever I'm thinking about moving, relocating, and I contact Cindy Carava at CindyCarava.com because one of the most stressful events in life is moving. Everything that goes into that process of relocating, all the different factors you have to worry about, Cindy will help you out. She is one of the kindest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. She's going to be honest with you. She's going to work hard for you. And as a full-service realtor, that means she can help you in many different ways. Selling purchasing and leasing. She can even help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she's personally used in her own home. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She'll connect you with lenders that she's worked closely with and can highly recommend. Covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe, but perhaps you're living in Uh, a different county, a different city, a different state even, and you don't really know uh, any local realtors, get in touch with Cindy. She has connections all over the place, and she will put you in touch with someone that she knows, that she trusts, and that they will take care of you. Uh, Maybe you just want to see how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. CindyCarava.com is the website. Make sure you check it out. You can find all the listings, all the information. She has everything at CindyCarava.com. We move along and we start talking horse racing. We're going to bring on Brian Howard from Stable Duel. Beho, he's going to help us talk about the Stable Duel schedule for the weekend, all the new partners and contests that they're having, different ways you can qualify for some of the big contests, and then the specific contests for the weekend. Brian also gives out a a, a couple horses that he thinks you should use uh, in some of your wagers and possibly your Stable Duel lineups for Friday at Keeneland. And then, of course, we had to get a WrestleMania thought to close out with Beho. Brian Howard from Stable Duel joining us now on That's What G Said. The Keeneland meet continues and rolls on And a good friend of mine who's been on this show a couple times A a man who loves to play the races over at Keeneland And a a place that he works for Loves their connection, their relationship with Keeneland And all of the different opportunities they have to make money I'm talking about Stable Duel I'm talking about my good friend Brian Howard Beho, who joins us again on That's What G Said Brian, I had to bring you on because uh, I was... I'm someone who's been playing and involved with Stable Duel from the very beginning, but I've even been surprised 
at the amount of contest, the different options, all the big money that you guys are giving out throughout this Keeneland meet. <laughs> yeah, man. How's it going? We're Good, just, uh, man. Good. I, I mean, Keeneland, you know, being in our backyard, we're all in on them. So they've been great to us, and, and we're trying to be great to them. So, yeah, we've got to, you know, it, it is kind of crazy. Four or five contests every yeah. day there. All options, um, different kind of like uh, qualifying contests where earlier in the week you can win your way in at by winning contests at other tracks even. Just they'll give you a qualifying, uh, a free qualifier into the, the big Keeneland tournaments throughout the weekend. We're going to talk about some of those. And one thing uh, that's been really cool for a while now is the cross promotions, whether it be like cross sport Big things happening or now A lot of different partnerships um, And different contests based on that You guys are really just not the type Of place that's um, sitting On your on your heels right not resting On your laurels whatsoever like always Looking for new ways to get Different people involved to expand To hook up with different uh, partners It's uh seems like it's a really good time Over there at Stable Duel yeah I mean It's wild I mean as you know I just left Keeneland not 20 minutes ago. Thank God I live close. But, uh, you know, and I'm out there with three, like, well-known professional snowboarders from the X Games <laughs> and the Olympic team. And, like, they're head over heels about horse racing. It was their first ever experience yesterday. They came back for more today. Didn't they, they go meet Pharaoh? Yeah, we, we met Pharaoh and Justify. <laughs> uh, That's so cool. Better, we we had him on an Equisizer today. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. <laughs> so, Those are uh, fun. One, Those yeah, are one of them actually uh, got his uh, balance a little too far forward and fell off front ways. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you guys still want to race those horses? Yeah, that, that's, just <laughs> so, the, that's just the practice one that doesn't even move, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. But, yeah, it's great, man. I mean, I, I've had an opportunity to meet people from all different sports and different backgrounds. And, you know, we're just trying to, you know, spread this game and and get people involved in this game and show them how much fun you can have at the racetrack. So it's, it's great to be able to meet guys like that. And, you know, who were at the top of their game, who, who do something completely different, but they're like, you know what? We love to gamble, but we've never been to a horse race. And we bring them down and say, Hey, here, here it is. And now, I mean, they're hooked. So let's talk about some of the other uh, partnerships you have going on. We're going to go through some of the contest schedule for the weekend. We are recording this on Thursday. So a contest that happened on Thursday that you won't be able to get into till next week is the Keeneland with Lexington legends contest. And this is one where, you know, by winning this contest, you were able to, um, you know, qualify for the Saturday big Elkhorn game. If you finished in the top in this game, in addition to a couple others, you were able to finish. But what I like, uh, and, Wanted to mention about this in particular is um, The relationship with the the Lexington Legends it's a minor league baseball Team they're going to be uh, starting their season Up in June and it's Going to be a really cool cross promotion between uh, You guys and Them where stable duel will actually Sort of have a little bit of an area at the ballpark where people can hang out and there'll be information about how to get involved in stable duel, how to, you know, uh, join the app and, and create your lineups. And, uh, there's going to be some fun. It seems like stuff actually on, uh, on field because minor league baseball is so much fun. They do a lot of crazy quirky things to get people out to the ballpark and to make sure they have a good time when they're there. 
Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we, we hated that they lost their affiliation to uh, the Royals. That was the last team they were with. But, uh, you know, they kind of tried to make it work through COVID. And I, I don't know if you saw, but Brandon Phillips played for him last year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, so, yeah, they've been a staple in the community since I was a senior in high school is when they first got going. And, uh, you know, we've, got, we've seen guys like Jose Altuve played for the Legends before, you know, he became big and famous. Hunter Pence played there. I mean, you know, they, they've put out a, a good crop of kids out of this uh, thing. But, you know, they lost their affiliation and everybody was kind of bummed out a little bit. I'm actually excited for it because I think the baseball may be a little better. Yeah, they joined uh, the Atlantic League now. Yeah, so, so I think the baseball, and I think they think the baseball product is going to be a little bit better than what it was. Uh, you know, you just don't have the major league, you know, affiliation, but that's okay. And, and like you said, like, it, it, we have a, a section, it, it used to be, there's a stable there, like, it looks like what you would see at a racetrack. And it, it's an area where the adults go and get their beverages and hang out and just kind of you know, socialize while the game's going on. And that's going to be the stable duel area this year. Um, so we've got that going. We'll be watching racing and baseball in there. We'll have, you know, plenty of things for people to get involved and in, in get in the game and play stable duel. And then the best part, like you said, minor league baseball promotions are the best. So every single time we have a game with them, we are going to have two adults that may or may not have had a few adult beverages get on the bouncy horses and race them down the line. It's hilarious. I can't wait for this. This is going to be great to watch. This is going to be something I have to go to a game and see this live and maybe sure. even get on one of them myself. We'll see. I, I, I'm going to try. But th these are the kind of things that are hilarious and that that's why you take your family out or you take some of your friends out you go and you have a night and um it, it's just a, a really cool crossover promotion that i saw and i, I loved and I, I wanted to mention and they will be having a partnership contest and uh sponsored contest uh with stable duel moving forward so keep an eye out on those right now they're they're slotted in at the keeneland meet they've been on thursday so far these lexington legends contest and when you win those um, you also you get some tickets to the game too, right? Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's some sort of promotion like that. I don't think everything's been yeah, ironed but out. moving it's forward, right yeah, there. it one of them will like what, and that's another thing that's great about you guys. You're always very uh, specific every week, every contest, what's happening. It's all yeah. right there on the contest schedule. That's on the website in the blog every single week. Uh, usually comes up. Right away on Monday, so you can see um, how you want to, you know, uh, like manage your money for the week, or what contests you want to get involved in and start the handicap for. And it'll say right underneath, um, "Hey, uh, the winner of this will get a bonus entry into the Friday game or the Saturday game." So you can always get all the good information right there. Or if you if you have any questions, you guys are great at uh, getting right back to people immediately. You can always ask me, and uh, and, and we'll help you out. But th this is gonna this one's fun, Viho. I can't wait to see. Yeah. <laughs> On those bouncy horses <laughs> Oh I can't wait to get out to the ballpark um, Another one that, that happened uh, a couple days ago But happens every week I wanted to give a shout to The uh, the Meat Market Mondays at Parks Very cool for uh, the promotion there For uh, LB's Meat Market in Oxford, Mississippi 
they're the presenting sponsor for the Monday Parks contest uh, that, that have been happening And these Meat Market Monday contests have uh, still been rolling along Where they've been given bonuses on, on Mondays to uh, You get like a $100 bonus if you win Sort of for your steak dinner And they're hoping that if you're in the area You're going to head on over there Because uh, I've seen some of the cuts there And some of the things they have They look delectable Yes, they do. I wish they uh, shipped some up to us so we could try them for ourselves. It's a road but, trip. Uh, Put it in the yeah. book, Beho. <laughs> well, you know, it is. they are the official meat of Ole Miss baseball as well. So, I mean, maybe since uh, we're in U.K. territory, next time uh, U.K. baseball travels to Oxford, maybe I just get on the bus and go. Just hop in there. Yeah, we can just uh, stowaways in the cargo there for sure. We'll, uh, I'll find a way. <laughs> it's a ride. So let's get into the upcoming contest now for the weekend. So for Friday, there is a big contest. It is a $40 entry. It's the Double Dog Dare Duel, and it is uh, $4,000 in prizes. And the top three finishers in this get a free entry into Saturday's contest. So you're you're going to get what y- your payouts are. You're also going to get a free entry into the Saturday contest, which is a $100 entry, the Keeneland Elkhorn Throwdown, and that's a $10,000 contest. So these are the kind of things we've been talking about where for 40 bucks you could win some money, finish top three, get an opportunity to, to get into the Saturday contest, which you won't have to pay the 100 to get in for, and then win that thing. Yeah, I mean, we're just giving away money over here during Keeneland. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I, I hope I hope we can afford it, and I still have a job. I, I after was going to say, uh, what are you going to do in a couple of weeks? Uh, because <laughs> if all the money is gone after Keeneland, and then you know, you look at the way the schedule slate is set up on Friday, you've got a Keeneland ten dollar contest, which is a thousand dollar pool, and it's uh, uh, you know. Just a solid regular type game Then you got the Feeder Fridays Top 3 game And there's still 2 more of these Let's talk about these Feeder Fridays Where if you win the Feeder Friday Contest which is $250 To enter You'll win a free entry Into the $400 Live on track Keeneland Fall Challenge in the October meet So um, That is another opportunity That for your 250 that's something that could parlay it into like thousands and thousands of dollars if you're able to get into that Keeneland contest and win. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, those Keeneland contests for anybody that hasn't played, they I mean, the best of the best come to those. They're Everybody so fun. Yeah, I mean, all they just had to trade one gamble recently. Yeah. Yeah, people love Keeneland racing, Gino. You know that. They travel I mean, from all over. It's part of their year. Their vacations, yeah. they built it around it. That's how we can play these $10 games and offer a guarantee of 1000 because it will fill because people love playing Keeneland. We were out there today, like I said, and, and one of our other uh, co- one of my coworkers runs into a guy he used to work with Wall Street in New York. He's just down <laughs> hanging out at Keeneland for the weekend. So, cool. so, I mean, people come from everywhere to watch the best of the best run. And and so yeah, the feeder Fridays, you know, we tr- we got involved with Keeneland. We're like, what's what's something fun we can do, and and this is what we came up with, and we've had a great response so far, and and hope it continues. And then, uh, so think about it. Whatever kind of a a player you are, or a better you are, right? That's what's great about horse racing too. We're betters of all sizes, uh, from two dollar betters all the way up to thousand dollar betters, and. You are giving the opportunity to everyone in here because there's a contest for on Friday alone at Keeneland. There's a $10 contest, 
There's a $40 contest. There's a $100 contest. And there's there's a $250 entry contest. So, I mean, if you want to play big, you get into the Feeder Fridays and you get into the $100 double up. If you, you know, you can't afford to quite play as much, but you still want to get involved, there's a $10 contest that you could still get part of that $1,000 prize pool. Um, and, and that's just at Keeneland. We're not even talking about Gulfstream and Golden Gate options. So <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah, we, it is. We are super busy right now, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad I was able to, to carve out a few minutes with you. Um, and, and then uh, another really cool, the, the biggest contest of the week this week is the, the Elkhorn Throwdown, which is a $100 entry. And it's a $10,000 prize pool. Like you said, if you're listening to this and it's uh, like late Thursday, Friday You still have an opportunity to qualify uh, into this for free If you play in that uh, Friday game and then you win that You can qualify into this $100 game for free So $10,000 up for prizes And then you've got uh, a triple up contest And then there's also the $10 game I know where you're going to be hanging out um, Watching the races early in the day tomorrow uh, On Saturday, Brian uh, That's going to be over at a place where you'll be Tossing a few back Let us know about Mirror Twin Yeah, so they are actually Right across the street from our office <laughs> And, uh, you know, with COVID Look, all local small businesses have been down Across the country And so, you know, we eat there for lunch a lot We We've talked to their management And they were like, hey, let's figure something out We can you know, do something and maybe collaborate. Yeah, so help like, each other out here a little. Yeah. You know what? Great. So the weather's nice here right now. And so we set up a TV outside over there. A uh, little like patio setup. Yeah. I mean, so they, if I can describe this to you since you've never seen it, they actually have two indoor buildings. So in between those two indoor buildings is like just a big open area. So they, they've thrown tables out there. We've got signs up, we've got a TV, and, you know, it's been a huge success. I mean, as you know, I'm a man of the people, and, I, and there's the people nothing I you. enjoy more than sitting, watching horse racing, and enjoying it with others. And, you know, when we first did it, we had no idea what kind of reception it would get. Um, you know, we didn't uh, publicize it locally that much, and as people started coming in, I mean, it started off with a few people around the TV trying to cheer a horse in, and that was Bluegrass Day. So, and by the end of the day, there was thirty to forty people huddled up around the TV, hollering nice. like we're at some OTB. And we missed that energy from the last year, right? So, yes, and it's, it's so nice to have it. And again, they're local; they brew everything. They have delicious, delicious beer there, and they've got something for everybody. I mean, I'm not a huge craft beer person myself. As you know, I'm you're a Stella, Stella guy. guy. Yep. Shout out Stella. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, but they've got something for everybody. I mean, there's beers there that I like, and you know, people that like IPAs, they've got hazy IPAs, you know, double IPAs. They've got stouts. They've got they've got something for everybody, including a full bar. So you know, a lot of these microbreweries just do their own beer, and that's it. These people still have a full bar to do bourbon. They've got bottomless mimosas. I mean. It, it's crazy what they're doing over there Trying to get people to come out and hang out with us And them and we love it It's great And that Saturday Mirror Twin sponsored contest Is only $10 to enter And it's a $2,000 prize pool So you've got a $10 entry You've got a $100 entry uh, contest at Keeneland And then there's a $500 entry And a triple up game So again basically smaller game 
a bigger game and then a, a much bigger game for the bigger players. There's Golfstream and Santa Anita options. And same thing on Sunday. It, you know, you've got a $5 game at Keeneland, a $25 top 10, a $100 top three, and then a $250 double up. There's two more games at Golfstream and two more at Santa Anita. So um, when it takes us 15 minutes to just go through the, the schedule of three days, you know, that there's a lot of options out there yeah, and, for you. And, and you go back. To, to day one so I mean you can remember like we'd have eight to ten contests a week yep one or and two now we're tracks on the week. yeah one or two tracks a day because it's just like anything you're new so which tracks are we available like are can we work with which tracks are allowing let's let's start with them boom and then just yep. as other tracks see the success because the one thing we preached from the very beginning just like yesterday you and I are talking about and handicapping the Penn National races on Wednesday night in the Wednesday night BTV DGen special that they uh, there's a stable dual live stream every night uh, at five o'clock Eastern time, uh, leading you right up to the races and then even through the first few races on the card, having fun. Everyone's kind of loose, having some drinks, but helping you build your lineups. And think about it. I, I, I'm not like I just probably wouldn't be look haven't spent time looking at Penn National, building a lineup, and then. I'm putting in a contest. It's only three bucks. I'm playing 10, 20 to win on horses all throughout the night. And it, it's something that I wouldn't have done if, unless I was playing a stable dual contest to begin with. Yeah. And that's, that's feedback we get from a lot of our players. I mean, we've got players that said, you know, I'm, I normally played New York tracks only, but with stable dual, it allows me with, with the different options. Cause again, like you said, we have options for everybody from free games all the way up to thousand dollar games. And, and they're like, it gives me a shot to play these other tracks and start watching them. And now I'm gambling on those tracks too. So, I mean, that's what we love. We want to spread the game and spread the wealth. And I, I think we do a really good job of doing that. And like you said, before I started with Stable Duel, I wouldn't have looked at a Penn National card to save my life. Not only do I <laughs> look at Penn National cards. You're claiming horses made- there. <laughs> we, may, we may have one running next Friday. I was Who gonna... knows? <laughs> so it just is, uh, yeah, it, that's the effect that, uh, that the, and the fun that that stable duel is, and you know, um, you don't have to be discouraged about handicapping a card, putting in a pick five that you spend fifty or hundred bucks in, and getting knocked out. Sometimes at a track you don't know. For stable duel, you play a five dollar, ten dollar contest. You're involved all day. You handicap. You feel like you got you've got action every single race. You watch, and then if you lose or you're trying something new, you don't feel like you 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 lost a whole ton. And you can change your strategy the next day, figure something out. But it just the options are so nice and that's uh that's something that has just really really blossomed over the last month a uh, couple months or so um so let's uh let's give the people a horse or two Beho. you love to play the races over at Keeneland you're a very good handicapper gambler yourself so uh let's talk a little bit about the Friday contest as we're talking on Thursday um I asked you if you had a horse or two that you, you you could find to give us out for Keeneland on Friday uh maybe a horse that some people can throw into their stable dual lineups did you find something you like yeah absolutely I found a couple but they're late yeah. in the car I may in fact I, I think I'm going to give you a late double Okay, cool. Let's do that. Let's do that. So, so the first race, I, I've told you before, my favorite race to handicap of any race is five and a half on the grass. It's just something that I'm really good at. I, I don't, can't really explain it to you. It's almost like I can see the race play out in my head, and I've done super well with them. So that's where I'm going to start in the eighth race. Here. Eighth race. And, I mean, as I'm flipping through here, I am just want to look at one more thing. 
there's you know there's not a ton of horses you know keelan is known for having eight to five morning line favorites everywhere and this race doesn't have one which tells me it's kind of wide open and i kind of fell on the three horse ghosting kim james graham gets the mount i love james graham on keelan's grass he's a master of it um Again, I think a lot of people like to handicap five and a half furlong races taking speed. And while speed is great, typically in a five and a half furlong race, everybody wants to be the speed. So I look for somebody to lay four or five back and come with a big closing kick. Uh, Ghosting Kim fits, hits, checks all those boxes for me. Um, the speed figures fit. I know it's coming off a maiden win. I'm not a huge fan of playing. Uh, first time against winners, but I think this horse really fits there. And at six to one, I think you're getting some value for your stable. Yeah, that's right. What um, you what, what you want to spend about five thousand per race uh, with your uh, with your fifty thousand dollars salary cap and at six to one morning line. And what's nice is uh, you're going to go third start off of the form cycle. Um, should be set for an absolute best. Like any, any improvement at all makes her. Pretty tough in here she doesn't really even have to Improve that much she just sort of needs to get The kind of trip that she would need um, From off the pace and hope that they go Quick enough which in a field like this Where it looks like there are plenty That will be showing some speed she should And that's a very fair play Yeah and again The three hole isn't my Favorite for where that horse should be But again James Graham doesn't Panic he's he's old school He he knows his way around That grass and as, as you probably know, I mean, you don't want to be on the rail on the grass when they hit the head of the lane. The rail's dead. So you want to be somewhere in the middle. So hopefully he can settle somewhere off the pace, you know. Navigate his, his way, way out there. Yep. And then hit, hit the middle of the track and roll with it. And again, in, in races like that, uh, I, I'm looking, I don't like speed and fade. Speed and fade happens too much. And I know a lot of people play that angle. But in stable duel, that could be deadly to you. Whereas I you lose a lot of points there. Yeah, yeah. I just so I'm looking for a closer here. I, I'm looking for something to be gaining points at the end, not losing points. So, uh, Ghosting Kim's my pick. And you said you got one more for us. You're gonna c- make a double here. So we're gonna head to the ninth race, the Double Dog we're, Dare. We're gonna cut to the feature, the Double Dog Dare Stakes. We have Speech in here, who's morning line eight to five. Uh, I actually went elsewhere. Um, I I like speech. She's phenomenal, but coming off of bad form and off a layoff, I'm not taking eight to five on her. Yeah. So I actually looked to the rail, Royal Flag. Joel Rosario's having a heck of a meet at Keeneland. I think he's second to Luis Saez. Uh, Chad Brown, trainer, this horse, everything you know, it's going to sit right off the pace and yep. make a big run at the end. Um, one thing I did look at, like, I mean, again, speech is run against the best of the best. Well, I mean, this horse is no slouch here. Three back runs second to Latruska, who's yep. running the apple blossom. Yes, sir. On Saturday. And I mean, she's never run a bad race. Royal flag. No, she's no. Never run a bad never. race. Should save all and, the ground from the inside and should have every opportunity. And I think, I thought that I felt the same way. I like speech a lot as a horse. I think she's very nice, and I hope she. I think down the uh, later on in the year she'll have a good year. I think she probably needs this race for her best. And I would look. I looked at speech 
and uh, I looked at a uh, Royal Flag and Eris Two as I'm yeah, gonna, that's my as, other one I like. Yep, depending as the how much I have based on the 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 rest of how I'm gonna build my lineup, those are the two who I would prefer than than speech where you're gonna have to just spend a little bit more. And I, yeah, I I just feel like she you know she. Probably will need one for her best Off of that and Royal Flag should be able To sit a little bit from the inside um, I'm not really concerned as much of, of Her needing one uh, So yeah I, I think I agree with you in that We're against speech not not As a horse in general but as a play And stable duel this week I think uh, I think you can you can find a little bit better Value other places Yeah and Eris too I, I actually Really like that horse well As well um you know, second last out to Queen Nakia, who is another phenomenal filly or mayor, I guess. But, uh, you know, and, and showing great form as well. I just think the one's a hair bit better. And and the thing, the really thing that scares me about speech is Castellano. If you look at this, there's no clear cut like I want the lead horse. Yeah. And Castellano is, I mean, that's textbook for him. He's going to look at the form. He's going to go, oh, nobody wants the lead. Well, guess who's going to take it? I got, I, the, I got the horse who I think is the best. I'll probably try to put her on the lead if possible. So you're right. Well, he, he tried to beat uh, Central Quality in the Bluegrass with Holly Motivated the same way, and I was actually on him that day for that reason. Yep. But but today, if even if he has the lead, I think the one leg's just off of it and just runs by her in the stretch. Couple horses that Beho thinks uh, are worthy of using in your stable dual lineups. On Friday So Brian before I let you go uh, I want to ask for a minute or two We were chatting over the weekend You're a big wrestling fan like me Uh, Wrestlemania they had two nights Nights one and two It was really great to see the fans back in the stadium I thought the Wrestlemania shows were very good It just left us with a little bit of a sour taste At Monday Night Raw Which is usually a big show Was was awful But uh, focusing in a little on Mania Give me uh, me one or two matches that that you liked over the weekend Man, I tell you what, I, so I didn't get to watch as much Saturday as I really wanted to. I kind of went back and, and watched the matches, and they were okay, but I thought Sunday stole the show a little bit. Once we got past those first couple matches, I, yes. I liked them all. I mean, I yeah. was entertained. And KO that's all Cesaro, or KO Owens was good. Riddle Sheamus was good. And then and then the main event, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan, Roman Edge, those guys. Even though it didn't go the way we wanted, I still thought it was an entertaining match. I mean, if I had to give my, you know, nod to one of them that was my favorite, it's probably KO and Zayn. Yeah. I mean, those guys, those guys work so well together. I mean, they've been around each other for so long that, I mean, they could probably close their eyes and wrestle each other. So, yeah. That was that was phenomenal. I was let down by the Monday Night Raw after yeah. Mania. I mean, that Me has been so good. It was just the the so vibe bad. coming off of Sunday was great. Like a lot of energy from people that were hadn't even been watching in a few years and that were excited to kind of check in and see the fans back. And then they just left a bad taste in the mouth on uh on Monday. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll see that- with the. Friday Night Smackdown has a couple of the the better feuds and storylines, so hopefully they can uh, they can turn things around. But yeah, what wasn't very uh, um, exciting after a, a pretty exciting weekend. So uh, yeah, had to and let, yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, the fans made it. I yeah. mean, the, the wrestling was great. It was fine, but, but you turn everything down in, in the volume with the live fans, the energy. Man. It's just like we were saying, being out at at Amir uh, Twin. You know, Keeneland, Mirror Twin, everyone. Yep. I mean, we've all been cooped up so long 
it's unbelievable. Like Keeneland today, I mean, just the, the sound of the hooves, the, the springing of the gate, the people cheering as they're coming down the stretch. I mean, I miss that everywhere. And like, I'm so glad to start getting a little piece of it back. And I can't wait till we're back to normal because I think, you know, wrestling, you know, all sports need it, but, but wrestling in general, I think it's just not the same without the people. It's not. And they tried and we appreciate that they were giving us something, but um, it's so nice to have everyone back and, uh, We'll have to get you back many times here, Biho, to talk with us on That's What G Said. Don't forget, everyone, uh, Friday is a big, big day over at Stable Duel. Download the app. If you have any questions at all, you can always ask me or you can ask Brian. Uh, Brian, uh, let us know where we can follow you on Twitter. And uh, you can always follow, make sure to follow, at Stable Duel. They have tons of giveaways and contests and uh, really cool content coming out. Where can we follow you specifically? <laughs> specifically me, I'm... B-R-I-S-B-H-O Always always a blast talking with you uh, Maybe we'll uh, we'll connect again on the, on the live stream next week On that uh, Wednesday night BTV D-Gen special And uh, thanks a lot buddy, good luck this weekend Absolutely, you too man, thanks for having me That is Brian Howard, make sure to give him a follow Make sure to give Stable Duel a follow there On social media We have plenty more to discuss here on That's What G Said Don't go anywhere Horse racing fans, many of us have been Using the DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com 
Let's get on to Keeneland for Friday. Get those past performances out. We are talking about Keeneland Friday, April the 16th, and we are going to start in race number three. $40,000 beaten claimers here, mile and 16th the distance. I'm going to the four, Extrema. So Extrema was claimed by Matt Schur and a barn who's very good first off the claim and then immediately brings this gal back to the dirt. Extrema has run very well on the dirt, sneaky well, because you look at who she's been behind. Legitimate graded stakes type horses in Crazy Beautiful, Girl Daddy, Simply Ravishing, and Little Stitches. So there's no shame in not winning races against them when she was just a little bit overmatched by better horses. This is a great spot for her on the dirt. In her most recent start on the grass, going a mile on the turf over at Fairgrounds on February the 25th, she was sitting like third, fourth. She was in between horses about seven or eight lengths off. She moved into contention, and then she was just a little bit flat. She came on again late. She ran in spots there, and now she moves into a, you know, she moves back to the dirt. She moves into a a very solid Born off the claim, and she's going to go a third start off the current form cycle. I think the number four, Extrema, is set for a big effort in race three at Keeneland. Possibly an early exotic single for me. If she's anything over five to uh, five to two, I'll make a win wager on her. She's seven to two on the morning line. Five to two is my value line on her. Uh, the fourth race, I also have another horse uh, I like quite a bit, and that's uh, Shawl Dag. You know, deferred taxes is going to take a ton of money in here. Um... And would be no shock But Shaldag now is going to go third start off the bench And let's look at his overall form Right, He's raced five times But one of them was actually a non-wagering event In a race that had some issues at Kentucky Downs So he was behind in his first three races Even though one of them wasn't a real race So the first three times he was out on the track He finished behind a horse named Royal Prince Royal Prince is now a multiple stakes winner So He was just facing a little bit better. I think we can make an excuse for the October race when he finished sixth Royal Prince or when uh, Shaldag did. That was a a tough group, and it was a race that sent him to the bench for a few months. Came back in February on the 13th, was a fine third, and then on March the 20th, got back to the grass going a mile and was inside. It was about sixth, seventh, four lengths off, but was trapped behind horses with nowhere to go. Lost ground, got shuffled, was blocked. Angled out, but it was just a little bit too late. Really good effort from Shaw Dag. Third start off the bench. Gaffleone jumps aboard today for Asmussen. Plenty of things to like, and I'm going to try to take uh, a swing against deferred taxes, and I'll go with Shaw Dag there. The number four in race number four will be an early exotic single to me. And if this horse is anything over two to one, possibly worthy of a, a win wager. As I move to race number six, uh, this is a, an allowance race, mile and eighth on the turf course. For um, just straight allowance and uh, Jace's Solitude, the three is where I'm gonna go, and I'll be uh, playing Jace's Solitude if he's anything over seven to two. He's six to one on the morning line, so he was close up early. He was tracking inside. He was two or three lengths off. He stayed inside. It was a solid second. He couldn't get to a horse named Epic Bromance, who was a loose on the lead winner, and that was going a little longer. That was going a mile and three eighths. So. The concern we have with him, does he want to go a little longer? Is he better going longer? 
I think he's still capable of winning a race like this. In fact, you see last year at Tampa, he won going a mile and a 16th in a race that set up well for him. And on paper, it feels like this race is going to set up well for him because he wants to track back and make one late run. There's factor this. There is uh, Bandura. There uh, Bandua. There's Admiralty Pier. There's pace to chase in here. Jason Sol- uh, Solitude had not raced from July to March. And that was the March race that we talked about where he was tracking off and he was a really nice second. In the races prior to that, last year in 2020, look at some of the horses he was be- he was behind. Zulu Alpha, Admission Office, and Arklo, uh, Mr. Dumas. We're talking legitimate graded stakes type horses. Even earlier in his career, Mo Forza. So this is a horse who has... Been pretty consistent and pretty good throughout. He has a couple legitimate excuses for his poor performances, and he should get the kind of trip he needs to run well in here. Uh, as he, if he's anything over seven to two, worthy of a win wager for me. Jace's Solitude, the number three in race six at Keeneland on Friday. Let's get to the seventh race, a horse who I'm looking at, and uh, I'll be using in a lot of exotics. And if he is anything over five to one, I will be making a win wager on him. That's the three. Be here, adding the blinkers today. So be here has raced twice, and both of those races were going long, and both of them were at Turfway, a mile and then a mile and a sixteenth. What's interesting about him? Now he cuts back to a sprint, and his damn informed decision was awesome. She won the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. So I don't think he should have an issue turning back and being able to perform well at a sprint distance. He adds the blinkers, so that will help get him a little bit more focus and perhaps a little bit, even a little more speed in there a lot of times when the blinkers are on. And it's not exact as if he was exactly slow in either of his races. He showed pretty nice tactical speed going a little bit longer, and the race has enough pace to give him a little to run at. Pretty Boy Elm has some speed. Even Wellman, who's not as quick as others, but he's drawn the rail, so he's probably going to have to be forced from the inside. Wouldn't be shocking to see Subsidize close up, even though he's cutting back. Thrill of a, the Ride of a Lifetime is got some pace. You know, Medicine Tail has got some pace and probably wants to be closer than they were last time out. Red Ghost has got some pace. Shackleford Strong has got some pace. There are enough horses in here with at least... Uh, an intention on going to the lead or pressing that this race should have a pretty quick early tempo. And and that's why I'm going to be here. The number three, be here. Eight to one morning line. So in stable duel, this one will only cost you like 3000 to use. And uh, if he's five to one, I'm going to make a win wager on the three, be here. We move along to race number eight at Keeneland. I want the world, I want the whole world, I want to lock it all up in my pocket, it's my bar of chocolate, give it to me now. Veruca, Veruca Salt, right? Veruca is the play in here, so let's tell you why we like Veruca. Uh, Let's look at the number 8, Veruca, who's going to go second start off of a a short break. She had not raced from December to February, and then when she came back in February, going, uh, going long on the turf, she was tracking nicely, saving ground inside. She was third, just waiting for room, and just a little bit flat late. First start in a few months, though. Now she's going to put two starts together, and she's going to cut back, which to me is the the, the major, major reason why uh, I like Veruca, who I'm expecting to have a lot more late punch. So she's returning to a five-and-a-half furlong turf sprint, which is where she debuted over this track at Keeneland, over this turf course back in 2019. 
She was a good third that day in a field of 11. She was behind two horses that are legitimately nice horses. Lucrezia, who's a multiple stakes winner, and Sequin is a three-time winner. And Veruca finished third that day. And then she tried uh, the dirt. She actually won in a race that was uh, on a sloppy racetrack. She went over to Tampa, tried Stakes Company, and then she was sent to the bench uh, for a while, from January of 2020 to December of 2020. So right now... She's going second off the bench, and but she's making really her, her third start in like almost a year and a half. Every race she has now under her belt, she's going to be more and more fit. She's going to continue to improve. And I, I love that she's shown the tracking speed going longer, and she's not slow. She, she has enough positional speed to keep up here and not need to be dead last in this five and a half furlong turf sprint. So give it to me now cuz I want the world. I want the whole world. We move along to race number 9, the Double Dog Dare. Uh race we talked a little bit about with Brian Howard Beho. I mean, speech is the class of the field, no doubt. You know, you're playing pick fours, pick fives. She's probably on your tickets if you're, you know, trying to look for a win wager or horses to play against, perhaps she's a little vulnerable in here. Brian mentioned the the one royal flag. I prefer the four, Eris 2, and mainly just because Eris 2 has the recency that uh, royal flag doesn't have, that Bonnie South doesn't have, that speech doesn't have. Eris 2 has been running well recently, has a nice tracking style, shouldn't be too far out of it, probably won't be on the lead, but should be uh, third or fourth in here. So the number four, Eris 2. Will be a horse to make sure to use in all of your exotics and uh, speech is just probably more of an under and one I'll be keeping an eye on uh, throughout the the year because I, I like her a, a lot. Nothing too creative in the tenth for me. I did thought uh, I did think uh, Moop Tata was going to be uh, pretty tough, so nothing really outside the box there to close out the uh, Friday analysis over at Keeneland. So let's move from Friday at Keeneland over to Friday at Oaklawn. Four that we're looking at uh, at Oaklawn on Friday, April the 16th. Get those past performances out, and let's start in race number two. Uh, the number four Chrome Finish is a horse who I became familiar with uh, with in his last two starts over at Sam Houston. I think he might be able to stay around that 5-1 to one morning line because people are going to look and go, oh, okay, Sam Houston, it probably isn't as tough. But he's dropping for maiden special weights, and the level of competition at Sam Houston this year was a lot better. His two-back race on the dirt was not bad at all. He just missed behind a nice horse, and the horse who finished third came back and beat him on the grass. I think Chrome Finish is a horse you want to use in your early exotics. He's 5-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get around 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager there on the number 4 Chrome Finish. Let's flip to race number seven. Couple stakes races on the Friday card for Arkansas Breds. Uh, the Rainbow. And this one is for three year old Arkansas Breds. Um, in race number seven, we've got the Rainbow Miss for the uh, Phillies in race number nine. So uh, six furlongs. I'm looking at the five top F rule, uh, top F road rules. So I think his last start is a pretty easy toss. First off, it was a good racetrack. I don't know how off the track was, but um, still definite moisture in the track. He got caught up in a pace battle, uh, in a, a wicked pace battle. There were five horses that lined up all across the track. They were all battling for the lead, three deep. He's three deep. He's in between horses of five just stacked across the track. Um, he moves up. He's second early stretch. Then he gets caught, gets tired, and he backs up. I, I think in this race, they're going to decide... 
let's go back to the tactics that worked much better for us in start one and start two. Let's take back, let's relax, and let's try to make one run. And if you look at the field, good night, Archie. Pretty quick. Navy SEAL going to be flashing a little bit of speed in here. Rolling Fork going to be flashing some speed in here. Blame JD. You'd imagine they're going to probably want to try this to show the speed they showed two and three back when they were more... Uh, uh, when they were more successful And then Aspen Club to the outside Probably more of a presser than an actual speed type I think it could set up very nicely For the five in here Whose first and second starts Were not bad In fact he outfinished Blame JD in one of them He outfinished Goodnight Archie in another one of them So he's definitely capable Of beating those horses He just needs a, a better trip And they need to make a decision with him And say okay Trying to get caught up in a pace battle didn't work last time out. We're going to be facing some of those same rivals who are probably quicker than us. Let's track off and just hope that we get a better setup today than we did uh, in career start one and two, where it was, uh, you know, just couldn't make up quite as much pace, but he still ran well. Five, top of road rules. A 10 to one morning line. If I can get anything around five to one, we'll make a win wager on him. As we move along to race number eight, probably a, an exotic single for me, Molto Vivacci, who is drawn well to the outside. She'll be make uh, he will be making his fourth career start. He was actually behind his rival Safa's Day, who's also in this race, the number three. I thought Molto Vivace had a, a worse trip. He was inside. He took back. He kind of got outrun a little bit when they grabbed a hold, and then he had to settle inside. He was in a little bit tight. He moved into contention. Uh, he was. Behind horses, but he finished up a length behind Safa, and he could easily turn the tables on Safa's day with a better trip. I love the fact that he had to worry about that inside trip last time out, and now Molto Vivacci is drawn to the outside. So we'll hope, fingers crossed, that he won't have to get into some of the those tight quarters down uh, towards the rail. The seven as in a late exotic single for me, and if he's anything over five to two, I would make a win wager on him. Final play of the Friday card at Oaklawn is in the ninth race. I'm looking at the number seven in here, Dolly Dimple. If she's over two to one, I, I think that's value. I, I'm really impressed with what I've seen from her in her two starts. Her career debut, she draws the rail and she got pushed in. She got forced in. She was like tenth, eight off. Um, she pushed through the rail up to about sixth, being you know, a five lengths off or so. That's where she settled on the inside. And she tracked well. She moved off the rail. It was a really strong, solid second. She comes back on April the 2nd. Sixth early, about five lengths. uh, No, about three or four lengths off. And she's settling in between. um, And she moves up to the two path. In between horses, opens up. It was just very impressive. She looked like a winner uh, for most of that race. So in race number nine at Oakland Park on Friday, the number seven Dolly Dimple, anything over 2-1 to one is fair for me So the four plays at Oaklawn Park on Friday In the second, the number four, Chrome Finish In the seventh, the number five, uh, Top Throw Rules In the eighth, the number seven, Molto Vivace In the ninth, the number seven, Dolly Dimple Let's move along to Saturday Talk about some Saturday Keeneland, some Saturday Oaklawn But before we do, let's talk some Old Smoke OldSmokeClothing.com is a website That develops quality clothing and merchandise That horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing Will be able to enjoy I know you're a racing fan You're listening to the uh, Friday and Saturday racing analysis So you will absolutely love this website Go check it out It's not like a lot of us who are racing fans Can just kind of walk into a mall And there's a a horse racing shop in there To go check out t-shirts and stuff 
These have so many options, and they were developed by people who love racing. We're talking high-quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. Heck, they named the company Old Smoke Clothing after John Morrissey, Old Smoke John Morrissey, the founding father of Saratoga. This guy is a cult classic hero. I mean, look up this character. He was a brawler, gang member, cargo thief, a brothel bouncer, a political enforcer. He was a bare-knuckle boxing champion, undefeated. He was in uh, politics, in uh, the the Senate, in the Congress. Uh, So this man did it all. He created Saratoga. I'm sure he would have some great stories to tell. That'd be a podcast, huh? Listening to to Old Smoke. You need to check out OldSmokeClothing.com. T-shirts with horse names, with polos, with hoodies, Long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, uh, all sorts of slogans, uh, racetrack names, um, and what's great, they have a custom design system where you can create whatever you want. You can show the horse racing fan in you, and anything that you get from OldSmokeClothing.com, you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it will give you free shipping on your order. Yep, no shipping on your order when you use the promo code G-I-N-O. They have uh, what's called the Old Smoke Clubhouse. It is a quarterly delivery system where you pay $500 for the year and four times a year you get these really, really cool, unique packages delivered to you. And each of those will include a t-shirt only available to members, a custom horse racing themed gift. You get a bunch of other random package fillers. You also get a once a year, a headwear made exclusively for members. You get a designer outerwear made just for members. You get 20% off all your orders. You get access to the Old Smoke online forum where you'll be able to talk to other members of the online forum. You can chat races with them, uh, share great horse racing stories and memories, and just be able to connect with like-minded people. Old Smoke clothing.com if you love horse racing you have to check this website out you will find tons of memorabilia tons of gear that you love high quality clothing high quality products and that promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order let's get over to Saturday let's talk about Keeneland Saturday Uh, we've got a stakes race on the card at Keeneland, and we're going to get into races 6, 7, 8, and 9 for my Saturday play. So get those past performances out. We are looking at Saturday, April the 17th, and we are going to flip to race number 6, which is a maiden special weight race going 6 furlongs on the dirt. I like the three coffee break, the first time starter in here for Brian Lynch. This is a really good stable duel horse. I got a feeling he might get bet down a bit. The damn coffee click was a seven-time winner. Won the debut going seven furlongs, and she earned over a million dollars. The lone sib is only raced twice, so really hard to get a feel for. Uh, But Coffee Break has been training steadily, and I think Coffee Break has a legit shot in here. For a barn who's very capable first time out, Johnny V takes the call in race number six at Keeneland on Saturday. The number three, Coffee Break. Anything over five to one, I'll make a win wager. Make sure to throw him in to any exotics that you're playing. In the seventh race, non-two allowance, uh, going five for five and a half furlongs on the turf course. Here, there are two that I think are, are pretty live, and you want to use in in most exotics. This does start the uh, late pick four, and it will be in the middle of your pick five sequence. I'm looking at the two Brooke Marie to take a big step forward. 
So she had not run from September of 2019 to March of 2021. And she changed barns. And she came off that really long layoff for Jonathan Thomas. And she ran pretty well. She finished fourth. She was actually up in contention early on in the race. She faded. She was favored that day. She was behind a horse named Sequin, who we were just talking about when we were uh, discussing Friday at Keeneland. So Brooke Marie getting back to the grass. If she has any of those races still left in her, she's got a major, major shot in, in here. And uh, Brooke Marie, the two, is one that I will use in all exotics, along with the five, ready for change, who's going to uh, try the turf course for the first time uh, after two very good sprints, and uh, she could be really, really tough in here. So, two, five in race number seven, Brooke Marie, anything around three to one, feels fair on her. In the eighth race at Keeneland, I thought the two Royal Mesa was uh, one to include along with the seven top seed. Those would be the two that I use in any type of exotics that you're going to play. Look at the some of the races that Royal Mesa is coming out of. So, runner-up at Turfway last time out and ran well that day. Two back behind grade one winner Hog Creek Cussell. Three back behind Silver Prospector, multiple graded stakes winner. Four starts back behind Nick's Go, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and Pegasus winner. Uh, prior to that, you see Title Ready, who's now a grade three winner. Royal Mesa has been in allowance races and has been facing legitimate graded stakes company through that. So, um, had you seen Royal Mesa with G3s and G2s ne- in- instead of those optional 80s, this horse would probably be a shorter price, but those races are just as good as graded stakes. The outside horse, the, the seven top seed, does look like the one they'll all have to catch. I think he's tough to leave out in any exotics. He is drawn well. He hasn't raced since June, but he can fire off of the bench, and he should have a, a decided advantage early on against this field. So top seed at around 5-2, to two, uh, and Royal Mesa will use in all exotics, anything around like 3-1 to one on Royal Mesa. I wouldn't be shocked if these are two of your you know, your closer betting choices, but they're very live, and I'll be, I'll be playing against South Bend in here. We move to the ninth race. It is the grade 2 Elcor. They'll be traveling a mile and a half on the turf course. Two horses that I'm going to be using in a lot of exotics here. The number two, Say the Word, who I think is very, very nice, was just behind United. Two back in the Pegasus was well beaten, but, uh, you know, that, that was a tougher field, and this horse was only 8-1 to one that day behind Colonel Liam. Uh, the Hollywood Turf Cup behind Arklo was very good, and, you know, Say the Word has just been consistent and is capable of big, big races. So the two, a must-use for me. The five, Monar- uh, Monarchs Glen. So... I did not like the ride he, he's received in either of his last two. Now he's going to head into the Baker barn, and Maker decides to jump him up into uh, Graded Stakes Company immediately. And Monarchs Glen has races that are good enough to beat this group. The race in November at Gulfstream Park West is good enough. The races when he was behind Digital Age or Breaking the Rules, those races are probably good enough, right behind Bala Rocks. Anything similar to that, would give him a big shot in here. And then you add in the fact that he could possibly improve for Maker, who's done this many times and shown this improvement with horses when he stretched them out and gone long. That is in the ninth. The Elkhorn, the grade two Elkhorn, I'm using 5-2 in exotics there. So for me at Keeneland, four races I'm looking at. The sixth, the number three, Coffee Break. In the seventh, the number two, Brooke Marie. In the five, Ready for Change. In the eighth, the seven top seed in the two, Royal Mesa. And in the ninth, to say the word in the five Monarchs Glen. If we can get like 
eight to one. I'd be willing to make a win wager on uh, on Monarchs Glen there. So well, let's move to our uh, final bit of horse racing uh, preview analysis for the weekend. Uh, it'll be Oaklawn Saturday, where I have uh, three best bets for Oaklawn Saturday, and it is a big day over there with the matchup between Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl, and do not disrespect Latruska there. That's a real, real quality animal who uh, who doesn't want to be left out of the party. So uh, some nice horses running on Saturday at Oaklawn. I'll talk about uh, a couple races before the big one there. Let's talk about the eighth race, Maiden Special Weights. They're going to go a mile and a 16th on the main track, uh, the, the, the only track over there at Oaklawn Park. Uh, first time Lasix for the one who, if he's like 6-1, to one, I, that's worth playing. His debut, going six furlongs, visually, he looked like a horse who wanted to go a little bit longer. So, the connections decide, yeah, let's stretch him out. Let's go longer. The problem is, on March the 25th, in the race that he went longer, he hooked a sloppy racetrack. So, it's really hard to gauge if he wants to go longer. Did he improve? Will he be able to improve? I think we're going to, I'm treating him and playing him off of that debut because he looked to me like a horse who wanted to go longer. And I like the fact that he at least showed some speed in the slop. So he then got a little bit outrun. He was only two to one that day. Now he gets Lasix for the first time. He gets the inside draw. I'm going to toss that second start and I'm going to just use the fitness from it, right? Because now this is like second time going long. I think he's got a big shot. If he's like six to one, he's worth playing to me. Uh, in race number eight, the number one, uh, Enid, twelve to one morning line, six to one's my value line. If he's anything close to that, I'll be making a win wager. Uh, David Cabrera has been riding very, very well over at Oaklawn Park. As we move to the Oaklawn Handicap, race number nine, Grade Two event, Express Train to me looks like the one to beat. Uh, he's cutting back from that mile and a quarter. He ran really well behind Idol, finishing second. Silver State is in excellent form. He has won four in a row, looking to make it five. You got Fearless coming off of a grade two win. But the pick for me is Warrior's Charge. I think he gets the lead in here. He hooked an off racetrack last time out. It was his first start since September, and he raced on March the 25th. And he sat off the pace. He moved to the lead. But he's so much better when he's on the lead, and he's loose, and he's just cruising out front. That's what he wants to do, and that's what he does very, very well. I think that has to be the game plan with him. So expect to see Gonzalez get aggressive on Warrior's Charge. There is nobody else in here who is nearly as quick as him early on. He should have a couple lengths on this field. Warrior's Charge, if he is around 7-2, to two, I will make a win wager on him. And we move to the 11th race. It is the Apple Blossom. Million dollars up for grabs in this grade one. And two of the best in training right now, Swiss Skydiver and Monomoy Girl. They faced off in the Breeders' Cup Distaff at the end of 2020, but I'm I'm very willing to give uh, Swiss Skydiver a complete pass for that race. She missed the break. I was at the end of a very long, kind of taxing campaign for her. I, I'm going to lean Swiss Skydiver. Uh, I think she could track really, really well on the inside. She's versatile, and I think she may have a little bit more upside, whereas Monomoy Girl probably is is a, is running her best races or even maybe on the downswing a bit. But 
no knocks on on Monomoy Girl whatsoever. I'm just going to lean Swiss Skydiver in the big matchup. We'll see what ends up happening. I imagine Latruska is going to get sent, and they'll try to show a little more speed with her. They chose to sit off the pace last time out, and that didn't work very well. She tried hard. She ran her eyeballs out, and she came after she dares the devil. But I'd imagine Latruska's on the front end, maybe Swiss Skydiver inside tracking, Monomoy Girl to the outside tracking, perhaps trying to keep Swiss Skydiver pinned in. So, big races this weekend at Keeneland and at Oaklawn, and then the biggest race of all coming up in just a few weeks. So, Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires joined me to talk all about the field for the Derby. Now, keep in mind, we recorded this on Thursday morning early, so any news that comes out later in the day, Friday, um, we had recorded uh, this previously. We mentioned a couple things that uh, may happen, or uh, we speculate on a few things based on news, but uh, this was a, a really fun talk with Ed. We chatted for almost an hour. We went through every horse, 1 through 22, on the current Derby points list. Some positives, negatives, what price we think they might be, if we are interested in playing them, um, everything you need to know about the possible field for this year's Kentucky Derby. Ed DeRosa joining me on That's What G Said. Very excited to have Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires here on That's What G Said. I believe it's the first time Ed's joining me here, and uh, it is a very exciting time as we are a few weeks away now from the Kentucky Derby and after last weekend's races with the Arkansas Derby and the Lexington, we now really know what the field is going to look like over the next couple weeks. There will inevitably be uh, a couple defections a horse or two may get injured uh, connections may decide they want to try a different race, cut back, try the grass uh, maybe their horse isn't <laughs> training that well so they wait for later in the year to talk about the field and to give some thoughts uh, as a man who um, does a very good job when he has to put project Morning lines up, and a man who's a great ambassador for horse racing all over uh, all over the place. One of the head honchos at Twin Spires, Ed DeRosa. How you doing, Ed? Doing well. Uh, favorite time of the year, discussing it with you. And yes, uh, as the radio cliche goes, first time, long time. <laughs> and uh, you are uh, Before we get into specifics about this You're a really fun follow on social media Because you are a good ambassador For racing, doesn't matter if it's a racetrack Or a racing date where we're going to be Talking about low level 5,000 Claimers or if we're talking about The Kentucky Derby like we are here You're going to get the grid out there a lot of the time You're going to help people out and uh, You just seem like someone who really enjoys Playing the races but in that same sense You're not going to um, be someone who just sugarcoats everything You're going to be very honest with people I think that's why a lot of people respect you And you're a really good uh, ambassador for racing I appreciate that Yeah, to, uh, you know, I've had the misfortune In some cases of learning things the hard way But uh, <laughs> the important thing is you do learn uh, and, I, and I try to To bring that to, to social media too And, and not in, you know Sort of an ivory tower type of way But I think horse players uh, In particular just kind of feel like A a collective and it's good to learn from each other. And, and I'm, you know, big on playing poker too, not as big in that community. Uh, but I love the way uh, poker players kind of share hands and try to learn from each other and definitely wish there were more of that in racing, but that's, that's definitely, you know, my goal when I'm, I'm playing as often as I do. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there's, there's no track too small. And as someone who grew up uh, thistle down uh, soft spot in my heart uh, for those types of tracks and certainly the ones in Ohio. So uh, appreciate the kind words and glad uh, we have some fun on there. 
Well, let's uh, let's jump into this year's field, and we'll start right away with the the number one, uh, the champ from last year. He's undefeated. He will likely be the favorite. Not likely. He will be the favorite. It's just going to be what price. I think looking at some of your projections, you had essential quality somewhere in the three to one, seven to two range. It seemed like with you know life is good. Um, who was going to be battling him for the favorite uh, role of favorite? Depending on what he had done in his last prep And then Concert Tour was the other one Who you figured would have probably been in the conversation with him But after he kind of threw in a clunker last week And they're still not even quite sure if they're going to run This guy feels like the head and shoulders favorite Yeah, no, there's no question he's going to be the favorite Which I agree with you uh, With the Baffert runners at various stages uh, It looked like, I mean, really essential quality Maybe in a position to be as high as the third choice yeah. If both life is good and, and concert tour had gone on with it. And it's important in my mind to remember that, uh, you know, throughout the paramutual future wager uh, throughout the, the year, uh, starting in November, essential quality was never the individual field favorite. Yeah. Um, you know, the field typically is the favorite. But among the individual horses, essential quality was always behind life is good or concert tour. So, uh I have him at seven to two. And part of that reason is it just seems like this is not a horse people glommed onto. Uh, certainly now uh, he will be the favorite. And uh, I think at seven to two, you have a right to be excited, maybe three to one, a little less so, but it's hard to make the, the math work lower than that. When you yeah. consider all the second tier horses that are going to have, I think some interest and, and he's five, not like a to two below, I think. Yeah, he's and he's not like a gonna pound you with like overwhelming buyers or or uh, brisnet numbers or two or t- time for it, whatever of speed figures you're using. He doesn't right. just like jump off the page as the guy who's head and shoulders above everyone else. So that'll probably keep him a little closer to the rest of the field too. Absolutely. Uh, now I will say there's some intangibles uh, in his in his favor or yep. not in his favor if you depending on if you like him or not, but. Uh, he is undefeated. People love ones. Uh, I think horses mm-hmm. that that win uh, just you know take take more money than if they don't, which is a reason I could see known agenda maybe ending up being a higher price or excuse me a lower price than mm-hmm. uh, highly motivated who got beat by uh, Central Quality last out or a concert tour who as you know to kind of threw in that clunker. Uh, he's gray, uh, so yeah. The Derby is, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the few that there's that kind of casual money that can actually move the pool. Uh, you know, I, th- I think some things will conspire to, to make him a very comfortable favorite. I had the second choice all the way down to eight to one. So yeah, the- it's a it's a big gap. I agree. It's it's in that range. They're going to be um, definitely in the between five to ten, and probably uh, like closer to above seven. And one of those horses I think you had in that range was the Louisiana Derby winner, who's number two on the current point standings list, and that's Hot Rod Charlie. I think you have him four on your top ten. And uh, I mean, he's really solid. He's come back this year and run a couple of nice races. He's got that. Uh, he showed speed last time out, but I don't think he's quite as quick as a couple of the others. He'll probably end up being in more of like a tracking spot here. So Hot Rod Charlie, Louisiana Derby winner, number two on the list with 110 points. Where do you stand on him? Uh, certainly a contender, and I, I think he's uh, especially interesting when you talk about the the pace dynamics of the race because there were two final prep races uh, that I thought had really odd yeah, on paper uh, pace situations and mm-hmm. the Louisiana Derby was one of them and yep. Joel Rosario 
with the fantastic ride, basically stole it on the front end going a mile and three sixteenths. And then you had the bluegrass stakes where highly motivated and essential quality were one, two uh, until the stretch when essential quality finally overcame that adversary, but highly motivated really isn't a, a pace threat. No the derby, yeah. but was on the lead in the final prep as was hot rod Charlie. And I yep. don't expect either of them. That's a great uh, point. Yep. To go for that kind of trip. So it is kind of interesting to see what they might do. And then, uh, you know, the other wrinkle for me with hot rod Charlie is I think the breeders cup juvenile is, has been a key race and, you know, keep me in mind. Sure. Disappointing a little bit as a, as a three-year-old, but he did come back to win a stakes after the breeders cup. Mm -hmm. I definitely think he's, he's a good horse. I wouldn't give up on him. Uh, and obviously the top two have both won final prep races and essential quality still undefeated. So, uh, Hot Rod Charlie certainly uh, a factor for me, and we know he's versatile because he, you know, won that one gate to wire and had that big move in the Breeders' Cup from off the pace. So uh, dangerous, but you know, I think after Essential Quality for me, it's just you know you kind of want to go where where the betters don't, and I'm a yeah. little worried he might take too much money. Yeah, he's he's going to be in that second tier. It's not, I feel like with you, you know, you do with probably, um, you know, you got Hot Rod Charlie, a Rock Your World, probably a uh, you know, highly motivated, maybe a, a a known agenda in that second sort of tier of horses. One who uh, will be a little bit bigger price was a horse who won the Arkansas Derby over the weekend. Very cool connection story for the Asmussen family. Super stock with 109 points now. And, I mean, on paper, I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be either Cato River or Concert Tour. Concert Tour started to uh, to move to the front at the top of the lane, but just very flat. Didn't really like that tracking trip. And a horse who actually had a little bit of sneaky trouble two starts back was able to sit off and put it all together. That was super stock. Yeah, he got the trip, that's for sure. And uh, we, we've seen uh, Steve uh, at that type of price parlay the Arkansas Derby into some classic yeah. success. Uh, yeah. Creator didn't get the job done in the Derby, but he did go on to win the Belmont. Uh, I'm definitely not not inclined to discount this horse. I, I think that was a legitimate effort against uh, certainly Concert Tour, a horse who, who uh, you know, with a win would be the derby favorite so uh, i think the class holds in the race and uh we'll we'll see i mean this is definitely one of those stories that seems to be picking up steam with the family affair and now that pletcher uh and i shouldn't say finally won he, he did it with super saver 11 years ago now but he was sort of the the offer that everyone yeah. mentioned every year and now that has definitely moved on to, to steve who's over 21 in the derby it's impossible for me to to think that that he can't uh, get one of these one of those years and he has two shots this year and by no means so I think either is a, a, a very likely winner uh, but neither is discountable in my mind the racing product at Turfway this year just really skyrocketed with the uh, the influx of, of Churchill. Uh, I mean, we're, we're seeing horses from Turfway uh, that were breaking maidens at claiming levels, going to win all over the place, or getting beat for maiden claiming levels, going to win all over. They're really succeeding at Keeneland right now in the meet we're talking about. You and I are recording uh, early Thursday, April the fifteenth. So, like the King who won the Jeff Ruby Stakes and on that really strong Turfway Park meet, do you think? He has a shot to compete with the top horses in the Derby. I think he does. Uh, and and Sainthood was was runner up, and uh, I don't think he would necessarily be impossible either. Uh, like a king, uh, I, I went up for the Bataglia and uh, was very interested uh, that that Wesley Ward 
was there that day and I, I even said to him because uh, I was surprised I was surprised to see him uh, that if I had known you you were here uh, I probably would have picked your horse so I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was interesting and he didn't get the job done that day but there you know was was some issues I remember there being an objection and uh, this and that but then he stretched out to the mound in eighth and he's by a Belmont winner uh, out of a Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner so some brilliance there and uh, I I think he's going to be the right price to include in the mix. I mean, 20 plus to one, yeah. maybe even 30. Uh, I'm going to have a hard time uh, not using him. And, you know, the, the one dirt race was at Belterra and he got beat by open lengths and whatever. That was going five and a half in July. Uh, I have no problem with that pedigree uh, really on any on any surface. Uh, actually, I guess he was off the turf at Keeneland, and, and that wasn't great either. But, I mean, the mile and a quarter is sort of an equalizer in my mind. Uh, so, for me, uh, he's definitely a, a long shot that I'm expecting to use. Got the Florida Derby winner, Known Agenda, who it's amazing how quickly things change on this derby trail with these three-year-olds, right? Like, three weeks ago, a month ago, uh, Greatest Honor, even though he was – a little slow on some of the figures He felt like a sure like top five choice In the derby what, what he was going to get in And then he ends up uh, coming up with an injury Known agenda ends up winning the Florida Derby And he kind of jumped right into that conversation He probably feels like he's going to be in that Top five mix And he is your number five on the derby list right now With 102 points So known agenda Who uh, had the sort of the clunker at Tampa But he had he has come back with two good races At Gulfstream Park Is he in the mix for you? Absolutely. Uh, the the more I've I've looked at at the race, and you know, it's funny saying that because we all, you know, this is one we all sort of know the horses and the development. Uh, and you know, it's it's not like after the draw, I'm going to sit down and and spend 20 minutes handicapping the race. I mean, we just kind of all know uh, that yep. now or should uh, doing what we do. Uh, but you know, the, this is one of those. The more you look, the the more it's well. I completely okay. agree. He didn't like the, the he didn't like Tampa, which is definitely a track. You know, I don't usually like though. He didn't like the track excuse, but Tampa notorious. That's one uh, of a few. You like it? Or yeah, don't. yeah. Uh, so you know that didn't work out at three to two. But he, I mean, he did pick up horses. He he closed and made up a lot of lengths late. Just you know that wasn't his day. So then, okay, was it the Lasix? He explodes in that N1X, wins by eleven. Uh, maybe I didn't love him in the Florida Derby at five to one. So this does kind of have a, a wedding funeral vibe to it. Uh, and I fell for audible a few years ago. Uh, I picked him to beat justify in fact, and he ran okay, but you know, it's known ad- agenda, just another audible, another one of these, you know, pletchers that look great in Florida. And then it doesn't translate to the Derby maybe, but it, it 10 to one. Yep. Uh, I, that's I probably think, my price range too. Yeah. Like. That, that's my price. So if he's, Works lights out, and all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, he's the he's the alternative, and he's six or eight to one. I'm going to be far less excited, but it, it ten to one, uh, I think he's definitely, uh, you know, basically saying he wins the race a little more than nine percent of the time, and I think that sounds right. And certainly with the blinkers, he he has the feel of a different horse, and he's he's in the mix for me, absolutely.
Yeah, completely agree. It's like the more I keep looking, I keep moving him up my list little by little. He feels like a horse who could get a nice trip. He seems a little versatile, has a little bit of tactical speed, but you wouldn't expect him to be anywhere close to the lead. He can drop back if they go a little too fast. So I yeah, I like the way he he seems to be coming into this race as we move along to number 6 who he's kind of the um I mean, I think if there's a true wild card in the field of 20, it's probably him, Rock Your World, who has been extremely impressive in his three starts. Uh, He made his first start on the dirt, and he wired the field in the Santa Anita Derby. He looked good doing it, and it's courses like this where you kind of have a little bit of upside because you're not really sure if we've scratched the, the surface on him yet. Just you, you wonder about a horse like this Who has only raced once on dirt um, Still only raced a few times Now he's going to have to deal with a big field um, He's the type of horse who I think if he drew towards the inside I'd be a little more concerned about him If he drew anywhere from like 5 or 6 And out I think he'd at least have an opportunity To show that speed that he has So a uh, very polarizing horse coming into the uh, the derby here uh, Out from the west coast The Santa Anita Derby winner Rock your world uh, I, I agree with uh pretty much all that and he's another one actually uh a gate to wire winner of the final prep and and i'm not sure gate to wire you know would be the plan no. uh with him in the derby although i would say he's probably more likely to be ahead of hot rod charlie and i'd uh, agree on that on both of those yeah, yeah yeah but um you know for, for me i have him basically with known agenda and i i think the optimal thing to do is i definitely don't want to use both in equal strength Mm-hmm. And I'm inclined, you know, thinking through how I'm going to play this race, let the board decide. And if, if known agenda ends up sort of being wise guy ish or, you know, second, third choice, and he's six eight to one, and then rock your world's the longer price. I'm just going to say, well, I think they're equal. I'm, I'm going to have to lean on the longer price. And, and you do that kind of knowing you're putting yourself in a position to, to get beat, but I don't want to play underlays. And, and I think one of these two, is going to be an underlay and whichever one's the longer price, I think makes more sense to use. Uh, but, you know, I definitely love that they're coming off wins in their final prep. They're also two of the few uh, in the field that got a, a triple digit brisnet speed rating in their final prep, uh, highly motivated and essential quality being the other two out of the bluegrass. So uh, I definitely pay attention to that. Uh, and I think that makes him dangerous, but I also am, am not looking to play a, an essential quality rock your world known agenda box. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's no fun. But uh, well, this has been a big conversation on social media over the last week or so about like how a bet wagering approach, right? And like if even if it's the derby and we want to hit a ticket and tell our friends, oh yeah, we had the try there. It's not smart to be playing ABCs, or you know, you gotta you gotta make your stance. If you're gonna be playing essential quality, then okay, you can't be looking at the second, third, and fourth choices to just hook up with him. Or if you're not playing essential quality, then that's fine. Then you're playing that next tier of horses on top, and then you know maybe over him or over some bombs. But it can't just be a situation where you're playing ABC. That doesn't make sense, and that isn't something that you or I that would be telling other people to do should be because it's not you know it's not a, a long term uh, successful. Goal in gambling Right and uh, you know the, the derby in, in a lot of ways is different than every other race Because of the 20 horses and different Casual money etc but Principles approach uh, right play. Yeah and I would say I mean if you're just if your conviction Is super narrow and Those are the only three for you Then punch I it a few say, times Yeah then punch it exactly but When you start getting into why well, I love those three but you know, I want to use three, these or, other four three more. or four as well. Well, then, yep. I mean, you're just betting against yourself exactly. at that point. That, 
Maximize uh, your opinion. Maximize yeah. your your strong effort, especially in a race like the Derby, because I think people get more inclined in bigger fields to get scared and nervous and want to spread out. Heck, this is one of those few times a year that you are going to really, really get rewarded if you like a horse, especially if it's not essential quality. So yeah. you don't want to get cute uh, in here. Just you know, you like a horse, they're 10, 15, 20 to 1 Go after them, take that approach Maybe you play an exact or a try with them on top of, of other horses and, uh, and and this could be your day As uh, we move along to number 7 I do want to say to oh, that point Yeah, though, go ahead yeah, uh, You know, the, and it's it's not as fun to, You know, I'm not shooting for the $10,000 score I'm, I'm on the three logicals But the Derby is you know, if if we were talking about the Preakness and a ten horse field with these three horses, uh, the the dollar exacta was is going to pay somewhere between eight and fifteen dollars, and on Derby Day you're going to get between thirty and fifty. Yep. Uh, but again, it's just a matter of if that's your opinion, then that should be what your bet is. And when you start rolling in, you know, four, five, six, seven horse boxes that include the top three choices. That's bad, but it's just not a, if, makes sense. If those are your top three, and that's all you use. Then that's a different then conversation. Hit that repeat button a couple more times. I know that's yeah. a button that uh, Ed will hit when he's drinking some <laughs> bourbonic or a midnight bourbon. Any of those bourbons, uh, or <laughs> sometimes uh, we'll see the taste testing for some of the uh, the great alcohol that Ed has on uh, on social media. There, bourbonic who. Uh, Came from the clouds and really got into it late. The, these uh, aqueduct preps are so uh, difficult nowadays with the way that that track is playing, and it's so slow. And sometimes they're hard to project. You know, this horse is running t- a second or two slower to the half mile sometimes than a lot of the other prep races, even more than that at, at times. But uh, Burbonic did get up late, and he's number seven on the list. He has a hundred points earned now, and you have to think he'll probably be another pretty solid price again uh, in the Derby. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Pletcher probably take a little bit of money, and and Carmouche, uh, the storyline being a, a jockey of color, is certainly yeah. probably going to garner some attention as it should. Uh, but you know, from a you know fair odds standpoint, he he did top out last time with the ninety four, uh, and I'd certainly like in my mind this horse at thirty plus to one, coming off a win where he improved. Uh, and there should be some some pace in here, so you know maybe a similar type trip. Yeah, I would actually say I like more than a Mandaloon, who sure. overall is probably more talented. Uh, but just the way they they're coming into this race, uh, yeah. I would prefer Burbonic at the longer price. Uh, it is interesting to me that uh, this was the highest price winner Todd Pletcher's ever had, and uh, the, oh. the the previous second, who is now third uh, on that list, was Danza. Oh yeah, Arkansas Derby. Derby. The the fact that Pletcher, two of the three highest price winners he's ever had, have come in these final Derby preps uh, is fascinating to me. And Dan's ended up running okay. Yeah, he did. Derby, uh, not not too bad. And uh, Burbonic seems to be going in a in a similar positive trajectory. And I think there's been worse thirty or forty to one shots. Totally agree. As uh, we move along to number eight and nine, which are the the Bafferts right now, that we'll uh, I, we can kind of talk about together. I guess Medina Spirit eight concert tour nine. So Medina Spirit's an interesting horse because he's been in a lot of these uh, these prep races out here on the West Coast, and he's been the runner up a couple times to some of Baffert. Others last time out in the Santa Anita Derby, he was behind Rock Your World in his um 
he, he, there were a couple races when he was chasing Life is Good where it looked like he was sort of running blocker for Life is Good. And like they were yeah. planning on just not getting to the lead and just kind of loping along for second and just making, you know, picking up some points. Last time out, it sort of felt like it was a, a, a shot for him to try to win that race. And, you know, he just he just really wasn't good enough. He wasn't bad, but he was second best that day. And um, he's like he feels like he's a very honest horse. I, I think he's probably going to be in that forwardly placed uh, range. But I don't think of him as a need the lead type sort of what we were saying. He'll, he can probably track. Um, I guess it'll all come down to what Baffert is going to do with Concert Tour, who's number nine. Because he has recently said he's going to wait about a week, see how Concert Tour trains. Because another one, how quickly things change. I mean, a win for him in the Arkansas Derby, um, and he's right there with essential quality. Now, all of a sudden, he he at the top of the stretch, he still looks like he's going to win that race pretty easily. Uh, you know, two hundred yards later, he's fading, and now we don't even know if he's going to run in the Derby. So, uh, time time hits you quick when you're on this uh, this Triple Crown trail. And I think at the very least, um, whether or not you like these two Baffert horses, Concert Tour in particular. Is going to be a massive, uh, massive X factor in this race because I think if he's in there, they're going to absolutely try to send him hard and not try to get cute like they did last time out with uh, taking him off the pace a bit. I agree. Uh, you know, we saw last year the gate to wire win with Authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tis the Law looked two to five at the top of the stretch and never went by. And and I would have to think Bob uh, would have similar ideas with Concert Tour mm-hmm. here if if ready that they can blitz him and. You know, Medina Spirits in there and and uh, might employ similar tactics as we saw in the, the San Felipe that you referenced. Yeah, uh, I hope Concert Tour goes. I don't I don't like him for a nickel and uh, see him as a big underlay. Uh, looking at the Brisnet pace ratings, uh, certainly the Arkansas Derby was faster uh, than he's ever run early. And uh, it showed late when he couldn't even get by Caddo River. Uh, that that to me is that was bad. I agree. Like, I, that was that, not not what you want to see. Like mm-hmm. you can maybe chalk it up to oh, Superstock uh, just got the perfect trip, which he did, and got the better of Concert Tour. But you know the fact that the Concert fell Tour apart didn't even late. win the better for second. Yes, uh, yes, and that's the not, type of like good. that wasn't a they went you know quick sure, but that's the type of trip that a lot of speed horses would love in the Derby. Sitting Absolutely. just off of a horse like that, and and yeah, so that's the trip Justify got behind. I Thomas mean, is fulfilled. Yeah, like how many horses we've seen in the last few years? Even American Pharaoh was just kind of yep, like tracked Pharaoh, right exactly. off. You, you right know, off it's like line, yeah. you, you can't win with that kind of a trip in a small field against a horse you just beat that you're sitting to the outside of. Uh, I mean, Baffert would have to do quite a bit in a few weeks to either, either you know. Improve the horse or just say hey We are really going to try to gun and get to the Front end and in a field like this where we've Talked about uh, a couple other prospective Speeds at least I just that was a Very disappointing race from him as someone who I play in a fantasy league and I have concert Tour I actually have concert uh, yeah. and life Is good both and so over the Last like few weeks I was getting messages Oh you're you're a lock you're gonna win and Now recently now you know it's like oh my I'm not even gonna have uh, maybe one of them In the derby luckily right. I've got another and highly Motivated who I think uh, has a shot and we'll get to uh, in, in in a minute, but the uh, yeah the Bafferts here are uh, at the very least concert tour. We're gonna have to keep an eye on him over the next week and see because um, Baffert still wants to see what he looks like in the mornings, and uh, he wasn't quite sure why he ran so poorly. So right. um, I, I, well, I mean, I, I could tell you what I mean. Just it's a paper handicapper. I mean, he just ran faster than he was capable of running. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, and he I, was another one who's not been. We haven't seen a lot of these gaudy speed, speed figures horse in, horses in this crop. Even the horses who won off big, like Life is Good, has got a, a couple big numbers, but we aren't seeing horses pop with these massive, massive numbers in this crop. Right. Yeah. No. And I'm I was disappointed. Concert tour didn't win because I I, I didn't like him. Period. Yeah, he um, would have been four to one been five the favorite. Four. Yeah, he might have been the favorite. Uh, he would have sucked a lot of money um, exactly. if you didn't like him. He would yeah. have made a central quality, I think, a lot more palatable. And if he goes, I see, still see him as an underlay. Uh, Medina Spirit, I, I wish there was some race on there that was a little faster. Yeah. But otherwise, with the, you know, the Baffert factor, I, I see him as an underlay as well. I will say, though, I do kind of like that he's a, a throwback to Baffert's first two derby winners, Silver Charm and Real Quiet. This was just a $35,000 buy. Out of a or buy a five thousand dollar stallion in Fortanico. He's a Florida bred, so you know lots of shade, lots of shades of silver charm there. Being a Florida bred by Silver Buck and Real Quiet was a was a cheap yearling uh, that that Bob got the job done with, and and both uh, I believe lost their final prep before yeah. the Derby uh, with Real Quiet turning the tables on his stablemate. So uh, I, I just think the price is going to be too short, but yeah, you know, the, the parallels are noticeable. And if there were just he's any other, he's honest, absolutely. And if there was just one race in there that I could say, man, if he runs back to this, he's absolutely a contender and there's not. So you're basically playing him to improve as well. And one thing uh, Ragazin harps on a lot is you don't usually get a top in the Derby mm-hmm. and that's what it would take for Medina spirit. So, you know, given the Baffert factor, et cetera, I think it'll be over bet, but certainly dangerous. So so far on the trail, we've had injuries from greatest honor and life is good, and horses that their connections had to have decided are not going to run that could have been in Rebels Romance, Proxy, and Weyburn, who would have been right behind Concert Tour. Uh, they're going to point Weyburn to the Peter Pan to Belmont route. It looks like so uh, that makes a midnight bourbon a little more bourbon for us. Ed number <laughs> ten. Uh, on the list, I liked him in the Louisiana Derby quite a bit. I, I, I played him to win that day, and I thought he, he really had no excuses. He sat a nice pressing trip just off, and I wouldn't be shocked. Like, he's a big horse. If he's able to, I think, draw for a horse like him is going to be real crucial. I would not like him uh, a ton down towards the inside, but if he's towards the outside, he's the kind of big type of horse who can, like, track. I don't really have concerns about how far he can go. Um, I think he just kind of needs to be uh, in a nice, like, loose rein running on his own. Yeah, no, I I would like to see him at 20 to 1 or better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had him in my top 10, uh, and, and, you know, this is kind of one of those, like, personal points of pride that doesn't really mean anything, and people probably get sick of me mentioning it. But, (laughs) I I mean, last year, going into the first Derby Paramutual pool, I mean, I had Midnight Bourbon in my top 10. I did not have Jackie's Warrior. I mean, it just seemed obvious to me that Jackie's Warrior was not a Derby type Mm -hmm. horse and Midnight Bourbon had that chance. And now he gets the chance. And he's another one similar to Medina Spirit, though, just kind of lacking that that big number. But I do think he'll be a longer price. And I definitely want to use him because he feels like, for me, uh, sort of that that looking at Lee vibe, uh, which Steve uh, was a runner up for Steve, I believe, in. 2017 to always dreaming um but looking at lee debuted at ellis and you know just very consistent no clunkers and and that's what midnight bourbon is to me so uh definitely going to be price sensitive you know if 
looking at the will pays, everyone's betting the bourbon horse. And, you know, one thing's for sure, the midnight bourbon bourbonic exacta is going to be an underlay. Yeah. What it's paying, but it, it just is. It'll be shorter. Um, so, uh, you know, he, I, I want to watch, watch the board. Um, but you know, to me, he's definitely one I could see King underneath it, it higher than, than 20 to one, because he, he's going to run his race. The next two on the list right now are both Brad Cox runners in Mandaloon and Cotto River. Cotto River, I think we've heard that they're still sort of on the fence with him and maybe pointing towards the preakness, but he's he's still on the list as of now. And then Mandaloon, who um, I think two of his last three races, people are probably a little disappointed with them. Um, I, I don't think his uh, his initial race of the start of the year was was that. Bad, but I, I, you know, he came back with a fine win. He just feels like he's probably got to be getting a perfect type trip in the clear, no trouble, um, in, in order to win. I think he's got ability, but sort of like you said, I, I'm not, I'm not really like excited to bet him in here. I just prefer others. Yeah, no, I, I, I cannot bet a horse off that prep in the Derby. No. Uh, you know, we we see it in other even Grade One races. He has a good number to run back to. He got a hundred in the Risen Star, uh, that that maiden win uh, at Keeneland, followed by the, uh, in particular, the uh, the entry level allowance at Churchill going seven. I mean, I mean, this is definitely a classic built horse into mischief out of Empire Maker. So to win out of the box like that, I think shows you know his class. My concern, in addition to, I mean, I don't like him at any price. It's just one of those I, I can't forgive that race and play no. a horse in the Derby, but. On top of that, I think there's some buzz. Uh, I think, you know, the, the bullet work, uh, I expect him to look great. I mean, it's a Brad Cox trained Judmont homebred. So yeah, you know yeah. He's going he's gonna to look a picture all the way up to Derby. And everyone will start making a case for him. And so, exactly. like, it's just like sort of Medina spirit in that whatever price they are, it's going to be shorter than it should be. You know, hundred percent. And you know, I don't. Again, I don't like him in the in the first place because of you know the last prep. Like that's just that's sort of one of those you know talk about deal breakers when you're dating. That's a deal breaker yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely, uh, my derby date. So, uh, but then on top of that, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like man, this is a horse that I just kind of want to toss completely. And it's gambling. I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised if Mandaloon just you know runs his race and finishes third. Uh, but for me. Uh, I would say it's very reminiscent of uh, uh, the the Cassie horse who won the Preakness, uh, War Will. Will. Yeah, uh, you know he he was turning heads like the absolutely the the workouts people were talking about, and I just couldn't see it. Like you can't run as poorly as War of Will did uh, in the in, in at fairgrounds and come and win the Derby, but he did win the Preakness. And Mandaloon kind of has that feel to me. You're right. He does. I'm, ne- I'm never going to call the Derby a prep. Uh, it's not. They're here. To, uh, anyone in the Derby is there to win. But off that type of effort, maybe the Derby is the type of race you can build on. And with that pedigree, you go to the Preakness or Belmont, and you're certainly a contender, but not here. We are in the the, uh, the back third of the, fi- uh, the the field of 20 right now, and we are up to highly motivated, very interesting horse. He ran his eyeballs out. Uh, he got the lead in the bluegrass in a race where there was just no speed on paper, so he, by default, ended up getting the lead. It sort of looked like uh, what we what it projected on paper. It always doesn't do doesn't always do that. Where uh, highly motivated was one, essential quality was two, and they were uh, all the way around the track. 
Looked a couple times like he put essential quality away, but uh, that, that dude is just a fighter. He'll he'll come get you and he'll adapt to whatever pace he needs. Um, but but this was a very nice step forward for highly motivated, and I really think that um, price is interesting with him because double digits feels feels. Fair and he's not going to be On the lead in here like he was in the bluegrass He'll be much more of a, a tracker I think the the concerns with him Have been is he a true mile And a quarter type horse uh, I think he's a very nice horse is he going to Be one that can improve with distance Or can turn the tables on an essential quality Going a little bit longer but He comes into this race nice making his third Start of the year I think his progression Is good and uh, I think he's a very very Nice horse he'll be on a lot of my tickets Yeah me, me too my my only trepidation is uh, it seems like there's still some sliver of chance Chad doesn't want to go with this horse. I, I yeah, because he's saying that with with it. So we'll talk about him in crowded trade, right? I think he's talking right. about both of them, and he says one will go, the other won't. So they're not both. Like probably going to be in the starting gate So if it's highly motivated it probably won't be Crowded trade and then and vice versa Which like you said if they're leaning that Way right now and still thinking that that That's like maybe a little bit of a Red flag right I agree I, I, I mean because just the, the paper Handicapper in me absolutely Loves what I'm seeing With me highly too. motivated yeah. he's the only Horse in the field That has three triple digit Brisnet speed ratings coming into this race And I have absolutely no issue with the bluegrass. Like you said, he, he, you know, it made sense that he would be on the lead and he was, uh, unfortunately for him, he caught a truly spectacular horse and undefeated champion, essential quality who also was able to show versatility. I mean, if essential quality were a one trick pony and had to just languish in the back of the pack before making his move, like say, keep me in mind, Highly motivated wins by daylight. Easy, but yeah, essential quality. Just you know, he's he's legit. Uh, the other thing I kind of keep going to as well is if highly motivated had been in the wood and ran that race, he would have run off the screen and would be the unquestionable clear second choice in this yeah. race. Uh, but because they you know decided to you know they split him up and he caught the champion. Uh, so all these things to me point to, man, this horse is absolutely live. He's going to be an overlay. And then, you know, you hear from a trainer who certainly knows his way around the barn. And I have a lot of respect for. So I'm listening to what Chad has to say. And he's sort of hedging his bets. I'm yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I would be thrilled, uh, you know, to to have a chance to start a horse like Highly Motivated. And the last uh, comparison I'll make is to funny side who was second empire maker in the wood memorial and it just looked like you know that day well empire makers you know finally who we thought he is he's invincible uh but you know stuff happens he missed a day of training whatever uh and and funny side ran a spectacular derby and and it just seems to me like highly motivated can have a, a similar table turn here and and i hope he goes helium is uh, number 14 on the list the uh, tampa bay derby winner but uh, it Kind of funny he's coming off of a layoff Ran that race and then he's going to come Into the derby off of another layoff I think this horse has a lot of talent But it just doesn't seem like a Pattern and uh, Like the form cycle that I necessarily Would love coming into the derby And I think you have a a Friendly wager with Chris Larmy uh, Against this horse to finish right <laughs> I do yeah nice, uh, nice. Head to head with, with <laughs> Obizos and There we go 
I'm not going to belabor it too much. Uh, This horse will be on absolutely zero of my tickets unless, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, gamble a little bit and just punt and use all on something. Uh, I don't like him at all. He's going to have to run the best race of his life off. uh, What is it? Six or seven week break. He's never been beyond a mile in the 16th. I don't get the move. Uh, You know, I'm sure you know, maybe they just thought, well, we'll sit on him and we'll have a derby starter and, and God bless him. I do whatever it takes to make the derby too, but that's for them to decide. And for me to decide how I'm going to bet the race. Yep. And uh, I want nothing to do with him at any price. Yeah. Me neither. No, no helium for me. And it looks like Panadol is now off of the uh, current Kentucky Derby.com list. I'm looking at too. This was a horse who they weren't sure if they were going to make the travel, the trip Panadol. So uh, on number 15 on the list, soup and sandwich who uh, he had a, a really good effort last time out. He showed improvement. He's got that sort of a nice tactical style. He'll probably be up in the first flight or so. And, um, He's he's gradually moving forward. I, I'm not sure if he could win this race, but if you're looking for a horse who may be a little under the radar who could hit the board, he'll be in probably a lot of my exacta tri supers. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, and since I like known agenda a little bit, and uh, you know, it looked like known agenda was gonna, you know, blow by him, and and he ended up doing that. But I I thought soup and sandwich dug in a little bit. Yeah, that, yeah, that gave me some encouragement. Uh, into mischief out of a tappet mare, so definitely you know mile and a quarter maybe to his liking. One thing I like about him too is that I feel like his his pace style is a little buried because if you look at the running lines, uh, second by one, two lengths back in third, and then he ended up being on the lead in the Florida Derby. Uh, but his pace ratings aren't blistering, and mm-hmm. in my mind, this is a horse uh, among you know several others we talked about that have been forwardly placed before. Uh, this is a horse who I don't expect to, to be anywhere near that as we've seen in his last three uh, and his late pace ratings are spectacular 106 and 101. Uh, so we know he's capable of closing. I definitely think this one's a sleeper and does as, as much as I'm against the other Cassie helium uh, definitely on board with this one. Yeah, he's going to be in uh, a lot of my exotics as we move to number 16 on the list now. Dynamic One, uh, tough beat if you like Dynamic One last time out, and uh, you get snapped there by a 72 to 1 shot on the wire. <laughs> um, but uh, he was a nice price uh, himself here. Dynamic One is improving. Do you think uh, coming out of the uh, the wood as a runner up, he's got a shot? Uh, nah, I would I would say of Pletcher's three. And factoring in price. So, you know, probably dynamic one is better than the stable mate. Uh, but I think he'll also be half the price, even though yeah. he lost the last race. Uh, I, I'm inclined to pass another yeah. situation where there just isn't that signature race you can point to even at a decent price. And, you know, you, you can't use them all at 20 to one. You have to mm-hmm. make some decisions and, and he would be one I would leave out. Talked a little bit about crowded trade, so it looks like he will. Uh, they'll be kind of figuring out with him and highly motivated. If highly motivated in crowded trade, won't be in. Um, if he is in the race, would you give him a shot? I would. I, I wish both both were going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I actually thought crowded trade. Uh, you know, it looked like he was going to get clear uh, and then win for fun. And just looking at the the, the Brisnet pace ratings, uh, he just didn't didn't quicken enough in in that middle to really get going and separate himself. So that was kind of disappointing, but it's also his third career start. It was his first at two turns 
And I, I think if he gets in, he's going to be, you know, I would have to think 30 to one off yeah, of that. Totally um, forgotten about horse, right? Like yeah. nobody's going to be talking about playing him. Cause he's just kind of like, Oh yeah, he's been fine along the way, but yeah, he, he would be a horse. I'd absolutely sneak into at the very least, you know, the, the middle to back half of your exotics. If you're playing yep. three, four spots, you know, for sure. Yeah, I agree. We move to uh, Sainthood, and uh, Sainthood is one who, you know what, he had a little bit of trouble last time out. He did have some, he got dead stopped in that Jeff Ruby when he was second. Um, for me, he's another big price who I would not mind throwing underneath. He's currently 18 on the points list, and uh, it could be another big price situation for Pletcher. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm convinced, uh, you know, assuming all four Pletchers go, uh, I would take a pretty short price on one of them hitting the board if, yeah. if that were the type of prop you had. And Saint Hood would, you know, known agenda I definitely like most, but Saint Hood would be a part of that calculus. Uh, you know, just fourth career start, so same as Crowded Trade. Uh, they're both uh, unraced as two-year-olds, which is interesting. Very, very similar trajectory, uh, other than Crowded Trade definitely has run faster. Uh, but Sainthood coming out of that, you know, that mountain and eighth race, I thought was useful. Uh, I think this is definitely a, a horse with talent. And given the pedigree, Michelwish uh, out of a lemon drop kid mare uh, and the, the Tapita experience as well. Uh, I could see turf in this one's future. Uh, you know, th- they should have some options. Don't mind them taking the derby option. And at a price, uh, probably one of the, the, the less confident plays, but. You know, again, if, if this one's 30 to one plus on the board, uh, I would be more than happy to see him second behind the central quality. Number 19 of 20 is Ron Bauer. Ron Bauer is in right now, but I believe his connections have said they're still going to decide on what they want to do because Ron Bauer, based on his win at Golden Gate, he was he won a win in your in race to the Preakness. And uh, my buddy Andrew Champagne, he has been convinced for a while that Ron Bauer is going to be his Belmont horse. So um, does maybe Ron Bauer take a different approach and not get forced into the Derby? Maybe they decide to go uh, Preakness and look at a Preakness Belmont for him. Uh, if they do choose to go in the Derby, uh, what would you give uh, Ron Bauer's chances? Uh, I, I would actually say I like him in the Derby more than the other two. Yeah. Uh, just because the way I, I see the the race shaping up uh, could, you know, pick up a piece. I think the Preakness definitely, it, it just kind of feels like maybe a race where uh, the front end is, is going to be uh, yeah. a little more brilliant and kinder than it will be in this Derby. So, you know, from that standpoint, I like him here. Uh, I don't get the Belmont love given the pedigree twirling candy out of uh, cowboy Calmare. Uh, but you know, the, the talents there and that might be enough. And Michael McCarthy is just an assassin when he ships East. So that merits respect as well. But uh, I, honestly, I, I think the Derby is their best shot at, at some classic back, black type. Yeah. As we move to the number 20 on the list right now, hidden stash uh, 32 points, hidden stash who, I mean, it felt like, those races at Tampa, I, he, I thought he should have won one of like one of them where he makes the, the big kind of sweeping moves. And he's kind of a little quirky, too. He's had some issues with changing leads late and getting straightened out. And I just I don't know with, with some issues like that, if that's the kind of horse who I want to play in a big field like this. If things start to, you know, if you have a horse who um, has to deal with some adversity, I'm not sure it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, I mean, basically to a T, like this, that's one of those. In my mind, like you look on paper and you think of all the different horses and 
Uh, we haven't gotten to one I really like yet, but you know, you, you, like a crowded trade and sainthood, and you know, to me, hidden stash is kind of in that group. Uh, but the numbers don't stack up at all, and there's there's fewer excuses in my mind. Like he's yeah. he's had a chance to to get that that win or to get that wow, you know, he's in the mix and and just hasn't quite gotten yep. there. Um, you know, maybe battle of midways himself to to fourth at a ridiculous mutual. Uh, I, I certainly like him more than helium, even though helium beat him. Uh, but uh, to me, just uh, just it, it is not a win candidate for sure. A really nice horse who's lightly raced, who's number twenty one right now on the list. That's Dream Shake. Uh, he didn't really run poorly in either of his last two. I think he just kind of got beat. He was up against it with horses that uh, outran him early on. He, he, I think he's a really nice horse. I'm, I'm I would be. I take another couple looks at him if he if he were in the Derby to use in some of the under spots. But if he doesn't run in the Derby, as far as like a down the line progressing horse, I think he could be towards the end of the year a really really nice one. Uh, we'll see. The connections have said they're not sure if they get in. I'd imagine they'll go um, if they get in, and they probably will get in with uh, with we've talked about likely to be at least one defection between highly motivated and crowded trade. So uh, with uh, Dream Shake, who's on the outside looking in, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, he's almost a a carbon copy of two we've already talked about. Three career starts, didn't race it to, same as crowded trade and sainthood. Yeah. Uh, And of of the three, this one uh, is closer to sainthood, I would say, than crowded trade. Uh, I do think there's, you know, still some upside here with this one. Uh, So, you know, another one at at a big, big price, you know, I kind of see as that, well, you know, I I definitely don't want to play in essential quality you know, rock your world exact, uh, I'd, you know, instead of hammering that for five or 10 units, I'd rather spread it around and use a dream shake in second. And you yeah. know, that, that's just how I'm going to play. Certainly don't mind people who, who hammer a singular opinion, but you know, I, I could see dream shake in that sort of mix, but I, you know, I also kind of worry about price with him West coast and, uh, I don't, I, I would say very, very tepid for me, but, uh, I do agree with you, like down the road, uh, especially off that maiden win. Uh, it looks like there's some real talent there, and, and we'll see where, what happens with him. I know a horse that you like uh, quite a bit uh, coming up in number 22, and we'll hope he gets in. It looks like it. Like we said, there are a couple connections that are already you know, still mulling things over. I, at the list that I've got, there could be as many as three or four right now that decide not to go. So uh, Obesos probably <laughs> makes it in, and the connections have said they will run if in so this is a horse who you've been uh, talking about for a while on social media tell us why you think obesos has a shot in here yeah i think uh you know it's, it's a little bit of a giacomo vibe for me uh, in terms of what he did in this his final two prep races uh, he's by a derby winner so you know, i certainly like like that from a, a stamina standpoint what i really like though is he raced he made his debut he raced four weeks later he raced four weeks later he raced four weeks later Five weeks later, now we have the six-week break. He's improved every start on Brisnet from a 76 on debut to a 94 in the Louisiana Derby. He's the only horse who did any sort of closing uh, in the Louisiana Derby. Just did miss second behind Midnight Bourbon, who you know I, I already said I, I definitely have some respect for and feel like he you know can can be a, a party crasher type. Uh, you're going to get double the price, I think, on Obezos yep. if he gets in. And I thought visually, and and I'm I'm definitely I need extremes when it comes to what I see. I don't feel qualified enough to 
make fine lines. Oh, that was a B plus race trip wise or workout wise versus a B. But I think I know an A when I see it. And I think I know an F uh, and then everything in the middle can be kind of murky. <laughs> yeah yeah i li- i liked what i saw from this horse turning for home i thought there was a gameness i, I thought it-, it just had the look of that improving and he's going to keep improving and uh hopefully he gets in because uh you know he will need to improve and and i know i said earlier that typically doesn't happen with derby winners but you're also getting the price 30 to one minimum. you're building it in absolutely yeah. any so he, angle that you have underneath without it right doubt. Like any gambling handicapping angle that we have Price has to be built into it You know like there are negative angles That you'll use on horses but you may not love But if that horse is a massive price it doesn't Really matter you know it's, exactly it's The negative angles and the the the, 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 uh, the When we're trying to poke holes In horses it's when they're short prices that We need to beat the long prices we don't need All that much to be sold on them um, and uh, and you got a live one here with Obesos, who is on the outside looking in, currently number twenty-two on the points list. We've gone through uh, what are the top twenty-two right now. In, uh, in the next few weeks, I'll continue to uh, update you on, uh, all on any news, any notes, any horses and connections that have planned to not run in the Derby or go somewhere else. Uh, Ed has helped us out and given us a wealth of information all the way through. But Ed, um, now this is this is. Part one, like we talked about, we've we all know these horses really well. We've been following them along, some of them for almost a year, you know, now eight months, ten months. Now we we have to kind of do the uh, the finishing touches with our handicapping, and that comes with the the workouts as these horses make their way over to Churchill, or some of them will stay at their local tracks to get their final works and their final preparations in, and then they'll head to Churchill. So you guys over at Twin Spires are going to have a lot of coverage with these horses working out. Uh, I, th- I believe starting next week, right? Yeah, that's right. Monday the what is Monday the 19th. yep. April 19th, Frank Inc.'s birthday is the 20th, so uh, Shout out there (laughs) But Monday, (laughs) uh, yeah, the workout starts 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. live uh, Streaming on all the Kentucky Derby and Twin Spires channels And uh, uh, the window for the works is 7.30 to 7.45 So that's horses on the track Uh, Plenty of uh, program information, interviews with horsemen, etc Throughout the show, commentary, race replays, etc It's really... uh, a deep dive into the Derby. We have a lot of fun with it live at Churchill Downs. And uh, even if you don't catch it live, I know, uh, you know, it's pretty early for the West Coast types, uh, obviously uh, available on all the, the, the replay stuff and YouTube, et cetera. Uh, and it's just a, a great program and a great way to, to see the horses in their element. And I think over the last like couple of years, it really felt like during the last year during the pandemic when people weren't able to get out to the tracks as much that you guys at Twin Spires really stepped up your social media game with videos with a lot more content um even uh, on the website now there's just more wagering content from experts and some experts that I actually like very well that I have on this show quite a bit uh Scott Shapiro and Lee <laughs> Gullickson Darren Zocali we love uh, a lot of your staff and crew over there um I just wanted to give you uh some props because it feels like you guys have really taken an initiative to um, 
you know, reach out to the people, try to get um, good information to them, like quality handicapping from quality handicappers that put a lot of time, effort, a lot of work in. And I really appreciate them. I really appreciate you and your crew over there. It's actually, I was, when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, I actually haven't had N on. It was kind of surprising that I, it had been so long for you to come on, but I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people have noticed that um, Twin Spires continues to improve and improve. And hey, this is coming from someone who was a TVG guy. I was, uh, I I was a competitor it. for a long time. So, um, I, I've seen how much you guys have grown uh, over the last couple of years in particular. Uh, we, we appreciate, uh, noticing for sure, but, uh, labor of love, uh, you know, it is work sometimes, but very fortunate to be able to, to call this work. And, and more importantly, uh, as you kind of said at the, the top of the show, uh, not only, uh, are we about providing content and, you know, we want people to engage with that, uh, but we want to engage with, with the fans and horse players as well. And, uh, you know, we want you to help make our product better and we're here for, you know, your thoughts on, on all that. And, uh, my inbox is always open and I know from, from following the feeds, Darren, Emily, and Scott, yeah. always happy to mix it up too. And and that's part of the fun. Uh, you know, I was, I was telling, uh, a, a coworker, you know, I, I grew up, uh, had the opportunity to grow up right before the social media blitz and being at the track. Uh, you know, my teenagers in the 90s before, you know, there's social media and, and online all the time. Uh, but it it is amazing because a lot of the, you know, sort of archetype characters that we kn- know from the track and let it ride and those type of movies, they're on social media, too. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 the track definitely has come to the uh, the super highway and uh, it is part of the fun day to day. And I asked you for like 30 You gave me almost double that I really appreciate your time so much Let's uh, let the, It was Let's let the folks know Where can we follow you on social media Where can we find all those great grids And uh, anything else that you want to promote Yeah, EJXD is where I'm at on Twitter And uh, definitely follow at Inspire as, uh, In addition to uh, me and Scott And Emily and Joe Christofek as well I mean, Yeah my colleague now, Does a so, great you know, job. We're, we're helping feed them information but uh you know the at twin spires uh, on social media uh providing a lot of great as well and and i know they're very receptive to to wanting to hear from players good or bad so uh by all means interact and uh, let's find some winners importantly you get the Jason Bean podcast every week to have some fun and to just kind of set you up overall. They have a, a wealth of content, a great team over there at Twin Spires, and we we're very lucky to have Ed join us for uh, almost an hour here. Ed, thank you so much. Good luck uh, over the next couple of weeks. I'll go back and forth with you a little bit, and uh, and we'll see how things are heading for you heading up to the Derby. Sounds good to me. Appreciate Ed it. Ed DeRosa, folks, do not go anywhere, but make sure you give him a follow on social media and follow Twin Spires for all the great stuff coming up that starts next week with those work shows. I know I'll be uh, keeping an eye on all the horses, and we'll, uh, we'll forward those links out when they're up. So stay tuned, folks. Much more here on That's What She Said. Great chatting with Ed as uh, we're getting closer and closer to the Derby now. Hopefully we got you informed on uh, all of the major contenders and uh, even all of the outsiders there. We're going to get you informed now on Sarah Candle Company, the website C-E-R-A-Candles.com. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. We're talking about all-natural soy wax in these candles. None of the toxins, none of the carcinogens, none of the pollutants that are present in paraffin wax, which is the type of wax that is used by a lot of the other leading candle brands. This all-natural soy wax will actually 
hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer. So you're getting a better bang for buck with the candles that have this type of wax in them, which is what Sarah Candles has. C-E-R-A Candles.com. That promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. We're talking lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches. They're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality. They are locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. 25 different scents available, three different sizes. They even give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and how to make sure you get the perfect burn. These were created by people who love candles, and you will now love their candles. SarahCandles.com, a perfect gift for someone. If one of your friends is heavily into candles, let them know about this brand of candles that will be healthier for them and better for them. You know, you're burning these things in your home with your kids around, your animals around, your family, your friends, your loved ones. We don't want everyone breathing in toxins. We want the all-natural soy wax that we get that scent from Sarah Candle Company. C-E-R-A Candles.com, promo code G-I-N-O, gets you 10% off your purchase. Time for some wrestling. We're going to head over and talk this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, and we're also going to get some thoughts on WrestleMania 37 from the boys Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. So first up, let's talk with uh, Chad Cooper. This week in wrestling, we hit everything. WrestleMania Night 1, WrestleMania Night 2, Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night NXT, Wednesday Night Dynamite, positives, negatives, things we liked, things we didn't, lots that we did like. Honestly, we liked uh, both nights of Mania. We liked uh, Tuesday night NXT We liked Wednesday night Dynamite Did not like Monday night Raw Here it is folks Fight of the night And trying to claim that belt once and for all It's this week's wrestling recap Alright, calm down And here he is Your hometown hero Your reigning champ The one and only Chad Cooper WrestleMania week is over We have a lot to discuss on this week In wrestling with Chad Cooper We could talk night one and night two of Mania Talk a little bit of the awful night After uh, Mania Monday Night Raw We got NXT on Tuesdays now We have AEW on Wednesday By itself but before we get into Anything Chad there were some Big news coming down uh, just earlier Today you and I are recording this on Thursday Afternoon and there have Been um a lot of pretty big name releases from WWE. This is something that has happened now, sort of yearly, like once every now and then, and right after WrestleMania, sort of the start of like a a new season and some new pushes for them. They they release some pretty big name talent. Yeah, you know it's uh, <laughs> you know you never know when it's gonna come. Um, it, it's been a kind of an odd time with WWE, right? We have WrestleMania. We have uh, WrestleMania week, uh, a fantastic weekend. Um, you can argue, you know, which night was 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 better than the other. And then we just have an awful Monday Night Raw, as you just mentioned. And then here, uh, a couple of days later, uh, five or six names have been released. They've been future endeavored, uh, headlined by one that uh, is really surprising: is Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, who was on, and because. The thing with Samoa Joe, he proved over the last year that he's a very good commentator too. So 
It's surprising to me that they would release someone like that who has already shown that he has value to them even outside of the ring. And from what we all knew and from what we were told, um, he was recently cleared. And ready Uh, for a push. You know, and we thought, hell, we thought he was going to be the guy that came after Lashley or Roman Reigns. Roman. I mean, it would have made sense even with the Samoan heritage stuff with Roman. He's actually beat Roman previously. You look over on SmackDown, it sort of feels like like Big E and Cesaro are like still a little bit away from sure. wanting to to kind of feed them to Roman, you know? Sure. So it would be nice to have someone like Joe who you could put in that place. He could he could lose, but he could look good doing it. You know? He would have been a, a great, great choice. And now um I mean he is someone if he is clear, he is absolutely someone who could be a, a needle mover for AEW. Yeah, I mean, he's got the uh, look. He he's he's got the past history with Impact Wrestling, even though he's Impact a badass. Is, yeah, yeah, you know, has completely changed. It's 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 under new ownership, uh, but there are a lot of the same guys there. But if you want a big needle mover, uh, I'm sorry, uh, move over Big Show, room over, move over, you know, uh, Christian Cage. Um, this this is uh this is this is a pretty big deal, and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not comparing it with a Mox type signing, but it's but not, it's right up there to me. Yeah, yeah. He he's and he's a um he's beloved by the AEW fan base, right? Yes. He's someone yeah. like the the internet wrestling fan that that is a very a very supportive of AEW so far. They would love a move like that, and we got some other really big names. One who. Man, this this girl has been so unlucky, Chad. Yep. Someone that you and I know, uh, uh, you and I have talked about for a while. Um, Chelsea Green, who she has been, I think, two or three times ready to get a big push, and then she got hurt. And then she, and, right. and it's not like she's injury prone. They've just been like fluky things that have happened. Yeah, b- broken wrist. Um, look, Chelsea Green. Um, I, I've told this story many of times before. She's one of the big reasons why I started getting more involved into the women's side of wrestling back in 16 and 17 when when she was the hot mess and her and Brit had some stuff too in the indies right they were buddies her and Brit you know fire and ice uh I was able to work with her a couple of times the sweetest girl in the world and remember she works the first big AEW show and it's the first women's match with her Brit I can't remember. I think it was four of them in that match. That uh, was the first one that they did in Vegas. Um, I don't. I can't remember. If it was all out or all in. Was, yeah, all. It, it all was in. One of, they stole the freaking show. Okay, she'll and be there that, instantly. Look, it, it, even then, she had great work on uh, Lucha Underground, and right after she did that AEW match. She signed a contract. Uh, she had another tryout with WWE. It was like the third or fourth one she signed. Anyway, long story short, uh, a couple of injuries. She's young. She's very, very attractive. She's really good in the ring. She's I, got I a just, great personality. Great she can personality. play face or heel. Yeah, she can act. So she's got, look, AEW is the logical choice. Her and Britt uh, are buddy buddies. You know, her and Deanna are buddy buddies. Uh, it depends on her. If wit uh, or, or what with a with a a, uh, a sixty day yeah. ninety day compete yeah. clause, but you know I don't know Billy Kay Kalisto oh, uh, Dallas Bo Dallas that's uh, a strange Leslie one Blake, because of the Tucker, family 
right? Sure. Bo Dallas with Bray there, with the family, with Rotundo have been having been someone who'd been there for so long. These are Mickey James. Sure, Mickey James. I mean, look, we know the WWE is a machine, right? Uh, it, it's like regardless who they let go, the WWE will continue to go on. It just that that's it's it's always been like that. We thought, hey, when Hulk and all these guys left, it'll never be the same again. But you know, I, with so many indies and so many shows on, it's so freaking hard to develop big time stars now out of your own. Uh, these new guys and girls, they sign and they, they put them to the Performance Center in NXT. It's just really, really, really hard to find that next Cena, the next Rock. It just is. And I don't, I don't know. It's done for a reason. But now you've got other companies that have a chance to uh, they're licking their chops today. I know that. Just uh, it's it's sad news because you never we never like to see people uh, lose sure. lose their jobs and a lot of these people have worked their entire life to get there. But I think for most of the people that we hear are released, it's they're all really talented. It's not like a you weren't doing your job well. It's just a we've got so much talent, we just don't really have anything for you right now, kind right. of a thing. Right. And I think any like a lot of the Kalisto could go somewhere and be very useful. You know, like excellent in-ring work. He could be a great cruiserweight, like a uh, contender anywhere, or or throw him in a tag. Chelsea anywhere she goes. Mickey would be. I mean, we keep we keep bringing up AEW because they're the other one. Mickey would be a really good addition to the AEW women's roster as like a veteran that people know. People like know her. She you throw her at least on an AEW Dynamite. People flipping the channels go. Oh yeah, I know that girl. She was in WWE. Whereas a lot of the Women's roster now You see Sheeta or you see uh, Even like a Ty Conti who they've had out In the mix a little more recently and they're not As mainstream as someone like Mickey So some of these people they still Have something left Yeah and it's just You know Billy Kay why split Up the Iconics who were that really was so good? bad For and nothing then, and then she Did everything she could with this Resume gimmick she, she actually did it really Well you know these people were working On Wrestlemania you know yeah. I just, I don't, I, look, it is what Joe it is. Joe was sitting out there in the poncho five days ago. Yes. Rain poncho. And it's like, now look, maybe, maybe we don't, maybe he's hurt and he can never work again or he's, that's something I don't know. But look, these yeah, guys, he asked for a release. Who knows? You know, some of yeah, them. But... It's, look, wrestling's in these guys and girls' bloods. They're not getting out of it. They're going to be around. It's just, uh, look, you know, Matt Cardona. He had a tweet earlier today and said a year ago today, as bad as it seems, it was the greatest blessing in disguise for me because I have never been more happier in my life. Wow, now Peyton Royce. Wow, it's just, are you serious? I just saw that one, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, Sean Ross Sapp who's very, very good source. You know, he usually has uh, good, good resources and stuff. He wow. just tweeted, Peyton Royce has been released by <laughs> WWE. Now the Iconics could be back on the uh, on the Indies or back somewhere else. Gee, this is just uh, yeah, this is really really crazy. Um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, think like one of the things you'd said. Think about it. You just like Mickey and Chelsea were teasing this tag team thing now recently. You know, on Twitter yeah, for a while, it and it was funny. People were loving it, and th- they were playing like the. The, the the new version of Trish and and Mickey from years ago, you know, <laughs> wow, this is Just, and some of that stuff was getting more uh, more pop than some of these horrible storylines that that WWE. I just you know look, there's a reason behind everything, 
And I think throughout the day and maybe throughout the weekend, we're probably going to see some more names. This is ah. it's going to be. I don't know what we're going to label this as. WrestleMania is the, is the greatest time of the year, but it's also if you're on the borderline, uh, uh, it might it might not be the greatest time of the year. It's a, definitely a, a WrestleMania uh, project uh, operation. WrestleMania clean slate. I know this is a bummer for uh, for some of them, but we wish them the best and hope that this yeah. gives them an opportunity because. Like we said, these are talented people that can go to AEW, to Impact, to any of the independents, Ring of Honor, wherever they want to go, New Japan, and I'm sure they'll make a, they will make a, no pun intended, an impact. As uh, <laughs> we, Chad, we got like a, a WrestleMania week. First, let's stick with uh, with WWE, and then we'll get to NXT. We'll talk a little AEW at the end. The it, it felt like exactly what WWE is nowadays, right? We get a couple. Really good shows. I thought both of them were pretty damn good, especially night one. And they both had great main events, and both shows had not a lot of down. Maybe two matches, maybe on each that you could have said, eh, nothing special. But everything else, good to above average. And coming off of Sunday night, you and I and a couple of our other friends, we were chatting all over the weekend. We were all pretty excited. Pretty positive about what we saw on nights one, and then like the entire finish, the last four or five matches of night two, we had a good vibe. Everybody had great energy coming out, and I know there weren't any fans for Monday at Raw, but the Monday Night Raw was just awful. It sort of feels like that's kind of what WWE's been for the last few years now really good, and then really bad, and just inconsistent. It made zero sense, right? We're, 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 look, we knew there was going to be some, some rematches. There always is after a pay per view, you know, and, and it looks like we're going to run it back again with, with Drew and Lashley at now they're calling it with the pay per view. WrestleMania Rumble. backlash. That's horrible. So bad. Horrible. Horrible. So bad. But, but Raw, you know, at least, okay. We're going to see some rematches. We're going to see some new feuds and we're going to see some surprises. No offense. The Viking Raiders, That's they it. as entertaining as they they had to be with, uh, I, I I don't know, man. No. It, it's just, that that look. Charlotte was nice. I, yeah, she looked good and she gave a good promo. Looked, so that's that was and, you know. And, but it it just that was it. I that mean, was it. I mean, we saw Maurice who who was out there for a little bit, like great. Sure. But that led to Miz in his underwear, which is like you know, like one of those kind of things. Um, uh, at the very least, I had like honestly, and I don't even want to go through raw because I only wrote down like three or four things, and you hit on. No, them. I don't remember it. I just and, remember Miz in the underwear being one of the better matches. Yeah, um, and, and the, one of the only positives I'll take out of it is it seems like at least the fiend Orton stuff is done. That yeah. went on forever. Yeah. It seems like at least yes. we're getting um a character. Tweak on Bray, he's back to Bray Wyatt In the funhouse, which is fine Um, I just That went on too long, and that was one of the Real down spots of both nights of Wrestlemania Yeah, and I also I think it looks like we're probably Gonna get Alexa Bliss Back in the ring, she's got her own Little side character, I don't know if that's Sister Abigail, if she's gonna be Sister Abigail, that was just kind of a Weird ending to their match at Wrestlemania, with all the black stuff uh, a cheap way for Orton to win. Um, I had I, I had heard on day of, you know, that Orton would may was was supposed to lose that match, uh, or, or what have you. Um, 
and be written off of TV for quite some time, but it wasn't. But anyway, it hopefully we get Alexa back because that's where she would be um good, I think, yes. on like someone like someone as a foil to Bianca if they could move her over there. Um, as like as like a nice challenger to move up along the way. She could be the cocky. I've been here. I've done that. Like, who do you think you are? They could have some fun uh, promo battles. She would maybe inject a, a little new life into there. I don't know if that's something they could do. If there's any sort of a shakeup coming up soon, but I can just in my head fantasy booking. I think she would be a good um, a good heel to uh to kind of feed to Bianca um, on the other side. So yeah, raw. I mean, the, literally the things that you mentioned. Viking Raiders back. I put eh. Charlotte, good promo. Maurice looks great. Back to Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse. And then Drew McIntyre gets a rematch. And it, what I liked about what I don't even want to say liked, but what, what was at least fine with uh, the Drew rematch is one, he had to earn it. He had to sure. win another match to get it. It wasn't like he just was given the rematch back. And two, all of the the three that came out first, it was. Braun Strowman uh, and then it was Randy Orton and, and Drew was out there and they all Pleaded their case for why they should be the number one Contender they all were coming Off of a night where they won like Sometimes WWE will do this and someone Will have just lost the yeah, night before point. And yeah, you're like point. how do you even Make sense to be out there you just lost so At least those guys all had A case Drew beat him and so Drew will be heading to WrestleMania backlash to face and, and you know the, the the two the one of the obvious things that st- stood out to me for Raw we have a new set of tag team champions and one of them is AJ Styles no mention of him at Omos they weren't Zero. even on the show what about Sheamus Sheamus wasn't anywhere to be found new US champ yeah and, and Riddle works Lashley at the beginning of the show and I'm like okay and then we've got Nia tripping all over the place that was it, what the hell was this that was, I mean this was one of the worst raw episodes I've seen in a long time I Look, can't I remember, remember one were up uh, because it was after WrestleMania and, people, and that's, they, that's they started, even worse because people were excited I, I, and they started tuning out so yep. I don't know. There, there's always a method behind this madness, but this was definitely not a good way to start no. off uh, the it, post-WrestleMania season. No, and we got, like we said, they still show us they can deliver on the big shows, but they can't do it week-to-week booking. Let's uh, let's wrap up and clean up WrestleMania a little bit. Um, okay. uh, night one, we had uh, Lashley, Drew kick things off, and honestly, there were seven matches on the card from top to bottom. The tag team turmoil women's match where they each had like two minutes or so, that wasn't much. The other six matches on the show were all average to above average. Even the feud that we hated coming leading up, and, and I got to say, most of these feuds were poorly built, uh, especially the Braun Shane one. But you know what? That match was fine. It wasn't five-star, but it, it wasn't awful. It was pretty much exactly what it should have been. And at least it looked like Shane didn't do anything creepy, like weird or, or goofy. Right, right. Um, there was nothing schmozzy. Braun used his size, his strength, ripped the cage. We got a cool Shane spot or two, the coast to coast, and then the big toss. Like, like they actually did a really good job with these matches that were pretty shittily built leading up. Yeah, you know, and I think we've, you know, we talked about it during the match. It, it, it's, and we talked about leading up to this. Maybe some of these matches will make us forget how bad they were built. They you know, did until we, Monday. <laughs> they, they did, and uh, you know, look, Cesaro. Um, what can you say about this guy? So and, good. And Seth Rollins, man. 
that match right there in itself could have headlined WrestleMania. The, the unique offense, Rollins pulling out the corkscrew. We get the big swing 23 times. Um, AJ almost almost looked – this was like old school. The, the thing that was funny about this was it was like a, it was like an old school territory type tag match. But sure. backwards because the, like, the heels were the ones – that like the the new day was kind of having to work like heels because everybody was curious to see what almost would look like, but they were not going to let almost in the ring. So they're cutting off the ring, like just really working on AJ. AJ does a phenomenal job there, you know, selling all throughout the match. And, and this was fine. This is not something that can go on for years, but they'll probably have a couple months of uh, almost looking dominant AJ, you know, working a lot of the match and then they'll probably inevitably be in it. A split and we'll probably get a match between These two at some point you would think So there has to be a split Um, You know big guys Sometimes they work out sometimes they don't You know we'll talk about it when we get to uh, uh, The ending of uh, One of these Matches here Uh, You know another thing that that stood out To me Gino was I, I think it helps with Wrestlemania And I think it really Hurt Raw I know you can't go full fans again, but man, did it help. To wow, see, it was so different. You know, fans in the, and then you go to Raw and then there's nothing. nothing. I thought that kind, I, I think that too made it. It did work. suck the life out of it. It did. Right. Yep. That's, a, that's a, no doubt about it. You, you could feel the drastic change from something to nothing. Um, I, I got to say, I think the man that stole the entire weekend was uh, a man who's not a wrestler. Uh, uh, not a full-time wrestler at least And a man who may be uh, in the ring a lot more A man who apparently this morning When his uh, tour tickets went on sale for his concert tour He crashed Ticketmaster Because so Unreal. many people were trying to buy tickets For the next Bad Bunny concert This dude, Chad Like, it kind of gives me goosebumps as a wrestling fan Because, like I, as you and I sit here every week and talk for an hour about everything going on in wrestling, we go to indie promotions we've watched from forever, and we love we love it. I feel like if I was someone who was given an opportunity, I would take it as seriously as him. And I think that's why every wrestler, every wrestling fan, really respects what this guy did. He put his career on hold for like two or three months. He was on TV every week. Building his storylines He was at the performance center every day Guys like Randy Orton Were were like giving this guy Tons of props who's one of The the guys who's not the easiest to please Randy's not going to go out there and just like You know sugarcoat it And just praise anyone on you. He, he'll yeah, shoot on you he, on Twitter. He, He's a shooter, he'll man. He'll tell you the opposite. If you're a celeb that didn't come in, he'll say they disrespected us. Screw that guy. I'll kick his ass. He did the opposite with Bad Bunny. And uh, man, this guy was so good. He and I think Damian Priest was maybe either still a little banged up or they just wanted to show wh- how much work Bad Bunny had put in. He, I mean, he looked. If you were flipping through and didn't know that he was a celebrity, you would have had no. Idea he was not a regular wrestler Dude the from the Canadian destroyer all these Head Moves scissors. done look I believe That match got like 15 or 16 minutes While yep. I think it was probably the Second or third longest match of the seven yep. What does that say and hey what Does that say about how good Miz and Morrison, Morrison are yeah. Right yeah. you got to give them a lot of credit for this Absolutely too. but 
man, Bad Bunny, we kind of laughed about it in the beginning. And then we saw all the numbers released for merch sales. Shirts and stuff. Uh, yeah. This this guy worked his ass off. Uh, he probably still needs to be the 24-7 champion in, in, in my book. You know, I don't yeah. think he should have it away. But, you know, WWE does a lot of bad. And we and we'll, we'll, we give it we, we give it to him. But th- this was very, very good. Very well done. And it definitely paid off. That Bad Bunny stole the damn WrestleMania 37 nights wanted to. He stole the whole damn show. The main event from night one is one of those matches. I think the uh, the start of that match when the bell rings and Sasha and Bianca are just like looking at each other and then looking around and the the crowd is on their feet going crazy and the the vibes for two women, two black women in the main event of WrestleMania closing it out. This is like we're gonna be one of those historical like highlights they show. 30 at WrestleMania 60, they're going to be talking about the Sasha Bianca match. And more than just the moment, this thing delivered as we knew it would. Um, and that's, I think, why we were so frustrated leading up to this because these two girls are so naturally good at themselves, their own characters, and they're so athletic that the booking took away from it. If you would have just let these two go out there for like a month or two. Cut even basic generic promos As to like wanting to be the best It would have been a lot better than the tag team Stuff and here and that All that being said This was an excellent match And and one of the big things of the weekend That people will always remember from Mania 37 Yeah I think the timing for, For winning the Royal Rumble To Mania Sometimes we forget how actually long Yeah Those few months really are And the men's and women's winners it seems like, especially this year, has definitely got lost in the build. And it sometimes you're looking for the finish line saying, okay, what do we got to do? Because we know the first card that WWE pulls is uh, they put them in a tag match together for several weeks. It's silly. I, I know you have to do more than promos. Uh, you know, the match made us forget all about that. But I think it would have been better, so much more better, if we didn't have the silly buildup. The, the the wrong turns that Bianca and Sasha went to get here. You know, the Reginald stuff here and there, yeah, okay, it didn't need it. Um, I think we that match would have meant more than what it already did if you have a better build. You could have kept these two probably out of the ring with each Not other. Not even touch at Not all. touch each other. And, and if it's going to headline WrestleMania night one or night two and you know it is, don't let them tag. Don't I mean, let we them touch. Let us salivate. For them how to many ends on each other training like like some of the videos they could have been doing the vignettes that they did with Bian- uh, Bianca before she debuted and, think, and some of her think, NXT vignettes right like uh, at the track running laps working out some of those like training things that they would do with Shawn Michaels and Brett leading up to WrestleMania you know uh, the the Iron right. Man match stuff right. like that you know um really Hell, I like think, sh- I, I think Bianca actually lost the match she was pinned in some roll up stupid yeah. tag. At one time, and I think Sasha may have too. So it just, I, I, I don't know. The match was fantastic. Uh, we knew Bianca was going to go over, but it, it delivered. It delivered. It delivered. Night one, we, we knew after night one, night two was going to be very difficult to follow, but those two ladies deserve it. Kudos, standing ovation, because uh, one of the better women's matches we've seen in recent memories, yep. not in WWE, but all the way around. All uh, over. Big, big moment in WrestleMania history there. Night two 
it really didn't feel like night two started no. until about the third match with KO and Sammy. And it's like that would have been that would have been such a great choice for an opener, yes. especially with what you were gonna do at the end when you were gonna have the the stunner to Logan Paul and he was gonna get you know, and you were gonna, everyone hates him and they were gonna boo him. That would have been a great way to open, get the crowd really hot. It after that, we don't even have to talk a whole lot about the Orton Fiend stuff. The, sure. I will say. The entrances were great. I thought they were all. Randy looks great. He's got different gear. The Fiend looks good. The Alexa stuff, the big box was cool. And then the match started, you know? And it just was <laughs> like, then the bell ring, what they say, you know? And it just was very, like, nothing. And, and so much that Alexa distracts him and she's bleeding from the eyes with the black goop. At least we seem like we got a, a bow on that and it's done on Monday night. And then, uh, and, and then Naya and Shayna. Natty Tamina, that was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a little long. It went 14 minutes, so I'm, yeah, I'm a little surprised. Way too long. Way yeah. too long. Surprised they gave him that much it, time. It, dude, it went five or six minutes over long. KO and Sammy Owens, which that was a great match. Let them go 15, 15 or 15 and minutes, let the other dude. one go 10. Just flip-flop yes. it. Just flip-flop yes. it. So went, that's it? It was kind of like, ugh, that's it? And that was with, with once – that match start okay. It felt like okay. WrestleMania is now starting for night two. We got right. a pretty good Sheamus Riddle. That was one of Riddle's better performances. Oh, absolutely. Damn good. I mean, <laughs> they were kicking the crap out of each other. And then the Apollo Big E match was fine, but it was more about the angle than it was about sure. winning. Uh, Apollo's your new IC champ, and we've got the debut of Dabakato Babatunde, who is, uh, <laughs> I believe. He actually has um, some Nigerian ancestry, also, and yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. it looks like he's going to be like a colonel, a colonel in the mix with uh, with Apollo as part of this new gimmick. So I thought from the third match and then all the way, obviously, to our two main events, like Rhea Oscar was was fine. They don't really seem like they have a lot of chemistry, though. Man, um, and the in hell, the rematch was you. awful. Oh my gosh! Monday, we, we had a we had a couple of botches, it was and then just they couldn't good. they couldn't get back. It was like they botched it, and over. they couldn't get back on track. No, that was it. It was kind of like was, a, once once the botch started, the hangover. It was like a hangover. Yeah, I, I, I Charlotte just, saved that match. <laughs> yeah, know, like, it didn't need to happen because it really makes both Oscar and Rhea Ripley look really weak. Yeah, they didn't look good at all there. Um, their Mania match was better, and it was not sure. it was not a bad match. It was fine. It was just I think. We all expect so much more from these two because these are two of the absolute best. Um, the The main event was great. I mean, oh, wow. the, the crowd was so hot. Um, a little surprising that that uh, Daniel Bryan didn't get as much of a response as Edge did. Uh, the crowd seemed really behind Edge, but we got these three guys. Great match, as we expected. Uso was in the mix, and then Uso comes and helps Roman win at the end again, and and even adds a little more heat. We got the concerto spots there, which yeah. we don't really see that kind of head stuff anymore uh, nowadays, especially with guys like Daniel Bryan and Edge who have had the head neck injuries. But this was, I mean, if you're a, a star ranking person, I think four and a half, you know, and the oh, only yeah, reason yeah. why it wasn't five or, or close to five was because of maybe a little bit of some outside interference here and right. there. But this was a home run of a WrestleMania main event. Uh, solid 20 plus, a uh, lot of false finishes. Uh, everyone got their moves. Um, were you somewhat surprised the heat 
that Roman Reigns took a spot because I was under the impression it may go opposite. We knew I thought he was going to get cheered. And I think, I honestly think that WWE did too. I think that is why Daniel Bryan was in this match. And I think they just like, he, it wasn't that he wasn't needed because him being in the match helped the quality of the match. I'm sure. Right. It was good. Um, But if I think if they would have right now, if they could change things and know that Edge was going to get the type of response that he did, I guarantee you they would have left it Edge Roman one-on-one and they would have never made Edge sort of turn heel over the last few weeks. Yeah, because, you know, hindsight, looking at it now, there was no reason to do that. And I thought Edge held his own. uh, You know, it's, uh, you know, a triple threat and each guy's, you know, get time to catch their breath or what have you, but. You know, I thought the double spear was an interesting move. It was scary, but I thought it was interesting. I never even thought about that, them two doing that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm with you. I think what takes this, what the only negative, I don't think Uso needed to get involved, though the storyline tells you he probably needed yeah. to get involved. Yeah. Even Anytime someone... Someone's out there earlier and gets carted back. They're, no, they're coming the back. back. They're, they're yeah. always good. Yeah, even they're at all. the indie level. That's that's yep. the old regional, you know, <laughs> promotion. But, you know, it was a solid ending to night two. I, I thought night one front to back was probably better. Me too. But, the uh, open. And actually, one thing that we got to mention, too. One of the coolest parts of the entire weekend was the, the rain delay to start night one. And... We're getting alerts across the bottom of the screen that WrestleMania is in a rain delay. Yes, it's that like, was fantastic. <laughs> and and so they got no, nothing planned. So all of a sudden, they just need to fill about 30 minutes. We start getting like off-the-cuff promos from all these people that were not the, scripted. And they yeah. were some of the best promos that we'll ever hear. Dude, I I, I I know it doesn't seem a lot, but I was thoroughly entertained with I Bailey. loved it. I, I just was. I, I We were hoping for a Becky moment. Uh, we, we, we were, uh, you know, she did it to us again. But, you know, I, look, I, it is what it is, right? You know, now going forward, going forward, Gino, do you want this to be a seven-hour show? Two One nights. Night- you know, or do you want this to stay two nights? Right night. now, two I nights. want two nights. Me too. Because it's... you're going to get matches cut short. You're going to get bad placements. You're going to get shit that gets rushed. That shouldn't get too rushed. too much for the fans. It's too much, it's man. too much for the wrestlers. It's too much. It's just, this was so great. Neither night felt too long. No, you don't. Perfect. It wasn't like, I, I didn't, even with all the wrestling that we got all week long, I'm not really burned out right now because every night was like a two to three hours. You right. know, we didn't right. get hit with a five or six or seven hour night where we're like, oh, uh, no, there's like, and you're starting to count the matches, like three more matches. Oh, uh, like those three are just like raw matches. Like, why are they? There wasn't really any of that. Um, I mean, honestly, there were 14 matches on the two nights of WrestleMania. And I think you probably could have said four of them maybe felt like, eh, and the other 10 felt like a WrestleMania match. They, they they were really good um, And Monday Night Raw was not But Tuesday night, NXT The first time uh, NXT is on Tuesday Basically since they began uh, uh, Years back on the WWE Network On Wednesday nights This show felt like The NXT after Mania sure. It felt way bigger Than the Raw did after Mania um, We got 
like sort of some resets, started some new promos. Uh, uh, started the show, we got a promo from Cross coming out and basically calling everyone out, telling them, "You want me? Come and get me." Um, so uh, we'll be interesting to see who is the next challenger for Cross, but. Nobody stepped up to him, which just kind of shows you like they they think he's a real badass. And uh, I I was fine with the result there. Hopefully, in a week or two, we see Finn Balor maybe show up on the roster, or maybe we get like a Finn loser leaves NXT match, something like that. Yeah, I don't know what direction. And if you if you look at the NXT roster, you know uh, Finn probably deserves a rematch. You got to remember that it's probably going to be done on TV because. We we get takeovers not often. Now, I don't know if they're going to start doing these more often. I had heard, you know, they were planning to do these more uh, often in front of the night before of some of the other pay-per-views that WWE does. So we're going to get a lot of really good TV matches. And we were kind of wondering how AEW and NXT would do now on off nights because sometimes you can flip the script and go, we don't really have competition now, so we can do whatever. Quite the opposite really happened this week to me. I think now that all eyes are on you and your ratings are bad and your show sucks, um, we we got a far worse problem. But, I man, NXT was solid from start to finish, and I thought AEW was better, too. I, I do, too. I thought they both improved. Uh, NXT was – it It sort of felt a little more like the older NXT. Um, yes, yes. It, it was the pace of it was just a little slower in a good way. It was like – I think, like you said, there's a little pressure off as far as what are they doing at this exact same time across the way. Um, and and now they can do a better job of let's make a good show. We don't have to worry about segment by segment counter programming. Oh, they're going to have Tyson on. We got to throw something else on. You know, that that kind of thing I think is going to really help both shows. And you know what it's going to do, Chad? Like for – us right because like you and me sort of feel like we're similar in how like we're we're WWE WWF WWE guys all, all the way up. We right. like AEW. We like the indies. We just sort of don't like um the inconsistency and like how everything's got to be a competition. Why is it got to be this was slightly better than that or this had a tiny higher rating than that? Um right. we'll be able to just enjoy it a little bit more I think now. Uh, yeah, and, and you you Took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention the slowing, slowing down of the process. I know a lot of times you can't do that on Raw or SmackDown, even though it's three hours and two hours and it's a five hour show and you can do other things. But now NXT can kind of slow down some of these builds. They're really good at storytelling and their matches are really good. They're storytelling matches. So now you can start slowing down some of these feuds. But, you know, Surprise, surprise, we get a damn title change. Yeah. Escobar, I, I was shocked. Completely that shocked. Was one of the most shocking moments I've seen in a while now. Unless this guy is immediately going up, which he may be on this Friday night. I have no idea. But I know Kushida had a great uh, takeover match. Him and you know, Pete Dunne, of course they were. But holy cow, he's a new Cruiserweight champion. This was a big surprise to me too uh, as Escobar came out and was talking about you know, how he put the title on the map and Kushida beats him and becomes your new Cruiserweight champ and then uh, Devlin sort of teased something coming up in the future with uh, as he, that he would like to come after that Cruiserweight title because he said he, he didn't really get beat, he lost in a ladder match um, that was, uh, I mean like, there wasn't really much bad, MSK had a fun match with uh with Drake and Killian Dane, um, MSK continues to look good. 
We have uh, Mercedes Martinez out there. That was fun. She had a, you know, she she hasn't been paid yet from Robert Stone. Who's <laughs> got his twenty five thousand dollar glove? I think Wade Barrett said. Vic Joseph couldn't even afford a thumb of one of those. Which I, I love was, Robert Stone. I love I that too. gimmick. It's, it's, just, it's, phenomenal. <laughs> it's so funny. And then we had the uh, uh, Roddy. I wonder if Roddy is moving up somewhere. Maybe he goes to SmackDown. Maybe he goes to Raw. Who knows? Roddy was in the back with his wife, uh, Marina Shafir, and it looked like he was handing over what we assume are like his uh, release papers, giving them to William Regal there. Uh, so maybe we see Roddy show up somewhere, or maybe this was just like a red herring, but they, they at least got something planned with him, it seems. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. I don't know where they're going with this. You know, he's kind of he's kind of been lost in the mix since Undisputed yeah, Air. Yeah, it's true. You know, it, it's kind of like what happens to the Shield when each of these guys, you know, who does what, you know, who gets lost. It seems, and he's good, don't get me wrong, but it seemed like he got really lost, especially when Cole and O'Reilly had their match at uh, at TakeOver uh, Night 2, which was just crazy. I was hoping to get a little bit more from Cole and O'Reilly. I know we got the the vignette, we've got the backstage Yeah, footage. we didn't get much. The little part was pretty funny, but I know it, what you it mean. Was. It, it was. It was, but they were getting wheeled in their stretchers like into the hospital and as they're next to each other, Cole is screaming at O'Reilly on the stretcher, like, "Screw you. I'm coming after you still. This isn't over." And William Regal's just walking behind him just like shaking his head like it was it was funny, but I I agree. It just felt like that was such a huge match. I would have liked to see one of them cutting a promo from the hospital. Yes. Know? Give me something. Yeah, yeah a little I, more. You know, I, yeah, it, it looks like Cole's probably going to stick around. Uh, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. Do we get another match? I don't know what you can do, though, after what you went through. I, I mean, I, look, I could watch him wrestle several times again, but I don't know what if another match of this is going to prove after you basically had an unsanctioned match uh, at TakeOver Night 2. I laugh, I laugh at a lot of the, the way stuff with Gargano and, uh, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and Indy. Indy. They're, all, they're all saying that stuff and she goes, and then I'm going to get in the ring with Dexter and we're going to, you know, and she has her little line like, it's funny. That was, it's, that was so amazing. It's goofy and uh, I, I like what the what they've got going on there. And um, we uh, we actually have uh, Thatcher and Champa talking about uh, heading after MSK, so we might get a really good match between those four oh, in yeah. the near future heading up. So um, that's also a, a major positive. Um, the cool moment, though, that that was what felt kind of like a a Raw after Mania would feel like moment was when uh, Raquel Gonzalez is in the ring, and you know she's starting to. Be a lot more babyface, you know, and in particular, the babyface mood here, move here, embracing yeah. Rhea, embracing Bianca, who come out. Um, it looked like there was a surprise too. She was kind of excited, like almost like she didn't know they were going to come out. And um, they, they, you know, they talked about how you could look at these three women and what a big weekend they had. We have three new, new champions: a Raw Women's Champ, a SmackDown's Women's Champ, and an NXT Women's Champ. And Rhea was uh, Rhea looked good, and they gave each other a hug, and they showed each other their tattoos, and um, this was just a really fun, cool moment, and it led to the debut of 
Taya Valkyrie, Frankie Monet coming out with the dog and um, basically just saying that now I'm here and uh, now this women's division is even better. She's right. I thought this was really cool, Chad. Yeah, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we knew Raquel. It was a, it was it was her turn. Um, so good in a short period of time where she came from. Uh, I've seen her several times on the Indies here in Texas, and you kind of felt like, okay, um, we could see her as a face. And man, I thought they went that direction after she won the title. Um, I. You know, over Eero, uh, you know, you you just you felt like this is a this is someone that doesn't need to be a a hill. She could go face, and now after what they did on NXT, we're having those two out. Uh, you're you're gonna get a you're gonna get a turn. Um, yep. not, and, not and we're gonna get Dakota pissed off, yeah. right? That, yeah, we're getting. Like, it. She, it's super it. easy for Dakota to, to, just to say, like, you were celebrating with them. We hated that, you know, and, yes, and boom. Yes. Like, yeah. there and that, it is. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a written-in storyline that's there, and I would like to see them go there right now. You know, I, I, I don't think Raquel needs that side piece now, and I think nope. this is a natural storyline they can go into right now. It'd be perfect. Yep. We uh, Pete Dunn is someone who maybe uh, could be in the mix for a possible uh, NXT title or NXT UK title push soon. He's he kind of mentioned, okay, I beat Kushida. Now I'm gonna do what I do best, try to pick up some titles. So uh, we could throw Pete Dunn in the mix probably somewhere in the in the next you know, coming months. That's true. Yeah, he he don't have to be a uh, again. It's same with Raquel. I know he's uh, a heel. Somewhat in general, but he's just basically a badass. He d- he doesn't have to be. Yep, we uh, we get a package for uh, a debuting Saray next week, and WWE has done a great job with bringing some of the women in from Japan. I mean, you think about Asuka, you think about Io, you think about Kyrie Sane, uh, and some of the success they've had. So um, this is a, a woman who. From all things that I've heard, I've seen a few things here and there of hers. Um, they this is something they've been working on for a long time, and they seem pretty high on her. Yeah, you know, do they thrust her straight into the main event picture? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go with her. Um, badass. Um, again, uh, she may have to be introduced a little bit to uh, to some of these. Uh, some of these fans that are tuning yep. in on a Tuesday yes. night for the first time. So don't throw her into the main event picture just yet. Cause if she does, she's probably going to win the title. And if she doesn't, then you basically, uh, yeah. start from ground zero, you know what exactly. I'm saying? Let's give her a slow, a little bit of a slow build. You can give her, you know, some candles, the rays of the world, some good in-ring talent to work with, get a win over someone that's a little bit established and, uh, and help her on the way. Uh, and then, you know, I like rough and Scott, I'm not, Personally, like I think they're both fine, and I, I'm not like a huge fan of either one of them. They're fine and serviceable. I thought they ripped off a pretty damn good Dude, quick match. I immediately said I'm over rough, and then yeah. I, as soon as I said it, it was a pretty good match. Wasn't it? Was it? yeah. He he. Like character wise, I don't know what where he's gonna go next, but this was one of those things where I was just expecting it to be fine, and it was. It was a pretty good match. Like if you didn't watch this, check out that rough uh, Swerve Scott match. I think Great you'll match. enjoy it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we finished up with, uh, with the, the way versus Bronson Reed, Loomis, uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. That was a lot of fun there. And Bronson (laughs) 
Loomis, uh, Ember, and Shotzi get the win to kind of continue their feuds moving forward. But I mean, I was so happy to be able to just watch NXT Tuesday, watch AEW on Wednesday, not worry about what am I going to watch first, then what am I going to watch after, am I going to go back right. and forth, you know, here and there. Um, it, I, I think it's going to be a, a good thing for both of these uh, companies as we head to AEW. We'll talk a little bit about. What they did on Wednesday night I thought it was another like uh, I thought it was a good show And I think some of the same um, arguments That we have against AEW And some of the real positives That we have for AEW Uh, What I loved is that uh, We got a funny uh, MJF Tyson bit To start the show With uh, MJF kind of like Trying to bribe him And uh, (laughs) giving him a blank check And um he said, you know, Tyson didn't want anything to do with it. He said he's going to be uh, like an unbiased enforcer. So this was a, a fun start. And then the Young Bucks doing what the Young Bucks do, giving you a banger match. Like, this is awesome. We need a, a more of this, like, because this is what I thought AEW was going to be a lot of matches like this opener Young Bucks versus Phoenix and Pac. Young Bucks win uh, after just being the the shittiest heels like with trying to pull the mask off and um so a couple things i like about this one the match quality and two at least it seems like now these young bucks are definitively heels they'd been wavering and going back and forth the last couple months we didn't know who they were what they were doing like i don't love that last week they were eh, and now all of a sudden they're like the evilest guys in the world but um I'd rather have them pick, okay, are we going to be a babyface or are we going to be a heel and let's go with it? I thought the first from the MJF Tyson and then all the way through this match, which basically took up like the first 30 minutes of the show was all yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It, look, this, this, this is what we paid uh, to, to see here. Um, yep. uh, it, it was a hot opener. And I know some of the people, you know, I, I've talked with a couple of people about why aren't the bucks on wrestling TV, you know, someone brought up a decent point and said, well, if you see them every week, it's kind of like the point that, that like Andre the giant, right. You know, yeah. if you, if you see them over and over, it's not as good. You know, that's what they were. They were so good in ring of honor and they were so good with new Japan's and, and with the, the click stuff, um, the elite stuff, you know, you had to find them to watch them. So I understand why you don't want to put them on every week, but when you do, this is the type of match I want to see. I don't want to see singles and I don't want to see silly no. promos. I want to see them work their asses off. And this is what they did. And they opened on Wednesday night and it was a solid 20, 25 minutes. And I was fine with it. Real, I, I, I was fine with it, man. Really good stuff here. Um, we got Alex Marvez talking with Hangman Page <laughs> and he was with the Dark Order. Uh, he says that uh, at, uh, Silver is going to be back in about four to six weeks. Um, he says something about getting some Southwestern egg rolls. I like that he smacked Silver on the shoulder and he said, I thought it was your other shoulder. He's like, Yeah, but now this shoulder is going to hurt. So this is fun. And fun. <laughs> um, but you could tell it's like, it's almost like, uh, Pe- uh, Hangman doesn't want to talk about the the inner the elite like anything right. about them. It's like he doesn't even it's like a blind spot for him that he doesn't want to uh, bring up. And they are starting to reference now that he is the number one ranked wrestler. Yes, and you he caught is that. Yes, the content yes. like the number one contender. So that's something that they haven't mentioned up until I think the last couple of weeks. So um, well, keep in mind, you, you know, 
you know what I, you know we always talk about at the end of the year right at the end of the year you know uh, AEW's bread and butter has been Las Vegas the September you know, show right okay so what are we getting here from from my understanding is starting in June you know uh, Governor Sisolak is is opening up where you can have events now yeah so I think we're we will probably get I sure I'm at AEW may test the waters you know I'm getting out of line out of this but what i'm circling back to is i don't know if we have to wait all year to see it's hangman September. you know maybe we, we could see it weekend man i think so i think that's what we're pointing to that would man, be, that'd be a hell of a main event that would and him him go over and him be the company guy now that was yes. in the, the yes. main event of the first show they ever did when it was him against jericho and a lot of us thought that he was actually going to be their first champ and they ended up going with jericho instead he should be that guy um I do like the, uh, you know, Inner Circle was backstage with Tyson, and uh, I, I like what they're doing with Jericho at least, like, apologizing, you know? Like, hey, we don't see this a lot, and he, and it, like, as wrestling fans, all we need is just a little bit of, of dialogue, like, a little bit to understand, and he says, hey, you know what, we did some bad stuff, we apologize, like, we're not gonna do that anymore. Simple, we know they're not heels, and uh, and even with this, like, Tyson said, I'm not gonna... Uh, I'm not on your side. I'm going to call it right down the middle. Um, so AEW kind of felt like they needed uh, Tyson the last couple of weeks with uh, WrestleMania NXT last week, and then this week being their own. And this this was fine. Like a lot of this show didn't really bother me. I didn't have as many critiques with with things that I think I normally did. And I think it might be the same sort of a case with AEW where maybe they felt a little less pressure, not. Not to not have a good show, but not to have everything have to be like snap, 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 like right away. Maybe tell a better story. Yeah, you, you know, um, I the, the issue with Tyson is, yeah, he he's still uh, the name and still the baddest man on the planet. I, the problem is, we've kind of seen this 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 we've seen this ship sail, you know, a few times. We saw it in WWE, you know, with the Tyson, the Generation X, Steve Austin deal. So we kind of know a little bit how this is going to play out. I understand why they did it. I would have chose another direction, but, you know, I'm not Tony Khan. I'm not a billionaire and have a football team. I, 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 <laughs> you know, I, in my own wrestling promotion with that type of money. But Jericho is so good. That's why he is one of the greatest of all times. If, if someone hasn't watched the Broken Skull sessions. With Please, Austin. yeah. It's a little long. Go watch that. You'll understand more about Jericho and the situation he was put in. But on the drop of a dime, all the dastardly deeds, in his words, he's done over the past six or seven months to people um, as Les Champion and the Inner Circle, with one promo, he could get you saying, I like Chris Jericho. I'm a fine yeah. guy. I like this guy. He's yeah. that damn good, man. He is. I thought... uh Red Velvet and Jade, they're they're good. You know, I think they're both like six months in a year. They're going to continue to improve. Sure. And Jade sure. looks like a star. Um, I think she, you know she looks great. I thought that uh, the next guy that we saw, Anthony Agogo, the actual the boxer who's uh a, an Olympic medalist, he's got a like I like the real badass athlete. I think you could tell by the way they they ended the match, even that he's very raw and he's he's probably still got a lot of training to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I, I like real athletes that have 
um, like a badass background, and you know this could be an interesting guy. He's not necessarily someone off the indies that you you know kind of kind of would expect with uh, with AEW, and um, you know may- maybe something like I think there could be a little something there with him. Yeah, I like it, and it's different. My only problem with it is if somebody's watching AEW for the first time, they go, "Who is this guy? And why did you just punch this guy in the stomach?" And then the match is over. And then the match is over. I thought the build and the presentation and the commentary during the match was not done well. Um, there you go. I agree. But you know, it's uh, he's different, and it's something uh, you know, I, I I'm all for it. You, you can't have. Five or six great wrestling matches in two hours because then you forget about certain things. I'm okay mm-hmm. with the squash. If you, you need to have few. this guy do it, build it, give me a better storyline, talk about him during the match, give me a vignette and, and push him a little bit more because I'm not watching Dark or Dark Elevation. I'm I don't not know either. If this guy's been on there or not, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay how the match in. I just don't know how somebody else is. And they go, eh, I don't know what this is. Why did he punch him in the stomach? I thought that could be done a little bit better. We might finally be getting Miro <laughs> leaving this year, this story because he said with or without, with or without you, Kip Sabian, and he put all the champions on notice. I think he would be great to go pick up the TNT title, especially if you're going to have Darby doing some things with Sting for a little while. Uh, Darby's solid. And I think that might be a good spot to go. Maybe we see him win a TNT champ. He would feel like a real good dominant TNT champ for a while. Keep sending him guys. He'd crush him on TV for a while. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that for him. You know, um, the time is now. They're running out of time yeah. with him. Um, if, if, if you're going to bring in Samoa Joe, Miro is going to be lost. It's just, it is you're what right. it is. I'm not comparing yeah. the two, but they came, they kind of sort of have the same. Build the machine. same sort of look, yeah, right. He's gonna get lost. And now, if you put them two in a storyline, you know, that would be great. Maybe, that would be maybe great. that's the way to keep things going. But if they sign him and Miro is still stuck in this this stupid stuff, Joe's uh, jumping that, right over him. Yeah, that that was the biggest you know bust of a signing they have. He had finally, he's got to get away from this, and it's got to start immediately. He's got to start next week on uh, on Dynamite. He's got to have a match with somebody. He's got to get away with his Kip save. Him versus Kip does nothing for me. Uh, Jericho got the win uh, in in the match over over Harwood, but man, I gotta say we got to give it up to uh, to Wheeler who sure. Just gets knocked out by Tyson. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it wasn't a full-on Tyson knock you out punch, but it wasn't a complete working punch either. There was a little, there was a little something there. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, oh man, it just, you know, that, you know that match and the main event, which we'll get to. It just, it felt like there was so much going on. A little too. The it main was event too was too for much for me. Yes. Now I'm okay with the Tyson. We knew he was going to get involved. We knew Sammy was going to get involved, but man, that main event, it was good enough that we had the whole damn roster and then standing in the ring during most of the match. I'm like, Oh, what are we doing here? We got, it ended up there. Dark wise, dark order out there. There's (laughs) way too much going on. Yeah. Butcher and the blade private party. Um, I mean, we got, uh, or like archers out there in the mix, and Sting is in the mix. I mean, it's just they even got a shot of Tony Khan and BJ Whitmer at one point. Yeah. And it, it's like it's just a little too much. I think this is one of the gripes about AEW is that 
you know, the the factions and there's too many of them. Because if you were watching or you were just flipping through the channels and you saw this towards the end of the show, maybe you're getting ready to watch the show that was coming on after this, you know, you'd be like, what the hell is happening? It's just too <laughs> much. I don't even know a lot of these people. And um, so for what I think was a pretty good show, actually, top to yeah. bottom, I, I thought it was pretty solid. I think that they improved on a couple of their weaknesses, but there are still some weaknesses there with things like that, like the faction stuff. Um, Scorpio I, Sky and Ethan Page in a damn tag team now. I, I mean, know. you're going to take Scorpio Sky from SCU and then bring in Ethan Page, you know? And then where are they? Yeah, it it's so... There are um, some positives, some negatives, but all in all, I thought it was a pretty entertaining show, and I think we're going to like the week-to-week much more with the way it's set up. Chad Cooper, I'm going to let you go in about a minute or two, but you you mentioned it briefly. I wanted to get another thought or two from you on the Jericho Stone Cold Broken Skull Sessions podcast, which you can watch on Peacock. It is over two hours, and they basically go through like Jericho's entire career um, from the start all the way up through New Japan, through AEW, um, into big matches, big feuds he has, uh, behind the scenes stuff, his relationship with Vince, and they do it while they're drinking. I think Jericho's <laughs> drinking some vodka, and uh, Stone Cold's like drinking some whiskey or tequila, and they're taking shots and drinking beers, and it's a fun atmosphere. Stone Cold is so good. You, like, you don't think about, when you think about Stone Cold, you think about badass wrestler and stuff. He is so good at this, like the interview and getting guys and gals to tell him and to open up to him, tell him things that they wouldn't tell other people because they're really comfortable with Steve. I thought this was very interesting. And uh, like you said, it's a little long, but if you're someone who, uh, you know, is doing some work, it's a great thing to, to throw on in the background, you know, and, and to have on. Yeah. And I was concerned about how much and how great Jericho and how much he was going to put over AEW and at the beginning he's talking about I'm like man I just don't want to sit here and make this an AEW you know show for two hours long but I was I was impressed the way that it was navigated through I like the way Stone Cold said man I couldn't believe or Jericho said I couldn't believe that I got a phone call a text message you saying the boss let you put me on the network there was AEW stuff in there but there, it, it's not full of two hours of it. Jericho's no, got it's, it's enough. Stories. Just one of the best, man. He, yeah. He's just such an entertainer, man. And I, I love, I'm not going to spoil it, but I love the way uh, his WrestleMania mania story there at the very beginning, I believe he said with Kevin Owens, when they go from, yeah. hey, we go from we're main eventing Raw and we have the best storyline, and then all of a sudden we're match two of WrestleMania, this is this is it for me. This is what yeah. I'm going to get. And I think I have more and you got to give the guy credit If that he thinks he's got more uh, brother, go get it. Go, and go he, find he out. Said, I know a lot of, you know, I, I just, I thought that was a very interesting take from him. I've never heard him say that. And he was, he was honest in, in saying, you know what? Like, was I a little bit scared? Yeah, I was, you know, like, was there a chance it didn't work? Yep. And if it does, am I going to be able to come back here? You know, right. like he, he didn't know. And, and I think, what what it's great about this um, setting things up for the future is it felt like something like this is definitely the start of a door to I'm not saying Jericho's coming back but 
a place where he could end his career if he wanted to, you know, and go into yeah. the Hall of Fame and that kind of a thing. Um, for someone who spent so much time with WWE, you wonder with someone like Cody, who's like the executive producer there, you know, who knows <laughs> if those doors are ever open for him. But someone like Jericho, who's not part of the creative, who's just a wrestler, like he's done a very good job of helping put them on the map in a year or so. If he felt like he everything that he could do was done there, I wouldn't be shocked to see him one final time in WWF. You WWE, know, put, yeah. Put put it on in the background if you don't have a solid two hours. Whatever you're working, let it play in the background. There's some interesting stories there, and uh, I, you know, it, it certainly built up uh, once they announced it. The hype and uh, man, it was it was solid. It was enjoyable, and as you said, Austin has become very very good at getting some information out of people and straight shooting to some of these people mm-hmm. too. And it helped because hell, he's one of the best and, and he's been there. He's been in promotions that he sucked. He's been in WCW where uh, uh, he had awful gimmicks and awful characters. And he so, knows Vince, he right? Knows like he's not yes. a Vince ass kisser either. That's the thing. He's not someone that's like, no, Oh yeah. No. Vince is the greatest guy in the world. He's been into it with Vince, with Vince sure. he's walked out on him before. So he gets that. I thought it was, it, it couldn't have been a better person to interview him. In no, I, I just I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was great at the very beginning when Jericho was surprised that he got the call. And Austin said, yeah, I texted Vince and he said, sure. And he goes, now, wait a minute. Let me text. Let me make sure one more time. You're okay with Chris Jericho coming on the podcast or coming on the, the all thing. Yes, not. It sounds great. I do. Which, is, which as much great. as we give him shit is Man, pretty cool for Vince. Yes, it you is. Know? Yes, it he is. wouldn't have done something like this five or ten years ago. Hell, Absolutely. they, they never Absolutely. even said the TNA letters, you know, no, for, ever for years. any videos or anything, yeah. build people up. No, at all. No. So really, really good stuff there. And um, I mean, a, a fun, eventful week, Chad. There were some yeah. downs, but there were a lot of ups this WrestleMania week. And it was just incredible to see those opening clips of the fans back. And I think that's the one thing that's going to sit in my head when I remember this WrestleMania. And hopefully this year, that is, we're going to look back in the past. I got two weeks more and I'm going to get the second vaccine. My girlfriend's got her second vaccine the other day. My mom and dad are already vaccine. Like you said, Vegas is going to be opening up. I'm in California. They said the beginning of June, we could have everything like close to full capacity back. So it's like wrestling is great. We we loved it all year and we did our best. Uh, they did their best without the fans, but this is something that needs the people there. Just the drop off from Mania to Raw. I think that look, Raw still was not very good, but I thought it would have probably been better even with a small little NXT crowd. Just even that, if people booing, it would have yeah, been better. You it know, because look, I, I enjoyed the the Hall of Fame, but that fake noise drove oh, the laughing me. like that the fake it. laughing it, it, i don't know stuff. if that was a rib and then it just went bad. overboard we can't do that we just can't do that joke? ever again like, the bellas are telling their jokes and it's like <laughs> i didn't realize the bellas were jim freaking carrie like they're laughing at every single thing they said i know it was uh but a fun week so much content from NXT two nights to Mania two nights to the Hall of Fame to Raw to NXT now on Tuesdays and AEW. Chad Cooper Scoops Coop here with us each and every week on That's What G Said. Very good buddy of ours that we've known now for, uh, man, coming up on uh, probably eight, ten years or so, like a decade or so from back at the beginning of the 
the TVG days over at Delta Downs in Vinton, Louisiana, where Chad and I used to hang out. And now we're hanging out on That's What G Said each and every week. Coop, my man, thank you so much for all your time. And uh, yeah, this was this was fun. Like These are the weeks that we as wrestling fans love. Now let's just, fingers crossed, let's hope the week-to-week can stay a little bit better quality than it was coming into Mania. Yeah, the the true test is Friday night SmackDown, right? Yeah. This this is gonna, you know, we we think you and I have thought that's probably the better of the two shows. Yep. Um, it both was a main events, both yeah, WrestleMania both, main events. You know, it it was a little clunky on Monday night. Um, the show wasn't good. the The new announced team was a little clunky, so that yep. probably hurt Add it too. Her. Yep. Let Let's see what Friday night holds. Uh, I think we'll see some rematches, and uh, let's see what surprises we get on Friday night. Because you know, look, hey, same product, same title, but we're on Fox. Um, I, I think this show does better, than, you know, uh, than, than Raw. I think it's booked better, so I'm expecting a big night on Friday night for SmackDown. Chad Cooper, you can follow him at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and Twitter. Is that right? That's it, my friend. At the Chad Cooper, uh, one of the absolute best out there when it comes to photography, when it comes to covering sports. We talk with Chad about wrestling here each and every week, but he's a very good, very sharp handicapper, gambler, and racing, and betting on uh, football, and you name it. Chad's a great follow. Thank you so much, buddy. Have a nice rest of your weekend, and uh, look forward to seeing what SmackDown pulled out so we can talk about that next week. We'll see you next week, Gino. That is Chad Cooper. Make sure to give him a follow on social media, but don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to finish things off here on That's What G Said. Koopa Loop helping us out with this week in wrestling. We uh, have just a short uh, conversation with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. What happened was we uh, we recorded a old wrestling rewatch for WrestleMania 31, but it ended up going pretty long, and so I'm going to make sure I play it on the Tuesday episode next week. I didn't want to cut it up into two different parts. We had a couple other interviews this week that were a little more time-sensitive because they were talking about stuff that's happening throughout the week. So, um... On the beginning of the old wrestling rewatch, we recapped WrestleMania uh, 37 for a minute. We just spent like 10 or 15 minutes talking about some positives and negatives, things we liked, things we didn't like uh, with Darren, with Andrew. So when we talk about the old wrestling rewatch coming up next, it won't be coming up until next week on Tuesday. But if you do want to uh, follow along with us, we will be talking about WrestleMania 31, which is a really fun show to watch. So uh, just a quick few thoughts on Mania 37 with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. Oh yeah! Oh, wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. <laughs> the old wrestling rewatch is back, and uh, before we get into this week's show, which is WrestleMania 31, since we are coming off of the heels of WrestleMania 37, had to get a couple quick thoughts from. Darren Zocali and Andrew Champagne As we're back after a couple weeks We were talking a little more about uh, current wrestling uh, Now we'll go back in time again But uh, before we do Gotta put a little bow on the, on the week We're recording this a few days after Wrestlemania Nights 1 and 2 We don't have to talk about the train wreck that is Monday Night Raw But just focusing in on Nights 1 and 2 of Wrestlemania Give me like a 1 through 10 score Overall uh, Or a grade, I don't know, however, however you want to put it Darren and Andrew, uh, we'll start with you D easy uh i would put it at about a seven i, I think yeah. that i think that's fair um you know there there was enough good stuff on the show in both nights i, I think night one was better than night two overall yeah. um but i think there was enough good stuff on, on both nights um 
I thought the Lashley McIntyre match was good. I thought the Cesaro Rollins match was fantastic. Yep. Um, I thought that the the Bad Bunny match was actually highly entertaining with everything that yeah. he was able to do. I thought the Bianca Sasha Banks match was an absolute classic. Right. Um, really yeah. emotional too. Like that's yeah. one that we'll see in the in the yeah. replays and the highlights for years. You know? Yeah. And then on on night two, I thought Owens and Zayn was was very good. I I even enjoyed Sheamus and Riddle. I enjoyed Cruz and Big E. Not neither of them were tremendous matches, but they were good. And then Ripley and Oscar was was good. And I thought the main event on on Sunday night was fantastic. So yeah. there there was enough stuff that was good or or better than good that I think a seven very out of little 10 bad there. Yeah. yeah, there was. I mean, there was a couple of things Three you know that, that things. were lousy. But when you have fourteen matches, you're not going to have fourteen great matches. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah, I think Darren's got it about right. Seven out of ten seems fair. I may go up to seven and a half and just edge up just a little bit. Here's a question for you guys. If you take out the indefensible Orton Fiend nonsense and the women's tag match, which went 12 minutes and should have gotten six, just take those two matches out and start night two with Owens and Zayn. Yep. Is that the best back half in the history of WrestleMania? I feel like it's close. It is because the matches there that you're going to go through, like you end with this incredible main event that the crowd was the the hottest four that they were for any match all weekend long, and then you got in between that the two matches that I thought were really good the the KO Sammy and the Riddle yeah. Sheamus you yeah. know and then you got the Apollo match which doesn't end up going as long Apollo Big E but it's more about an angle and developing and and you get a title change too right in the middle of that it, and and even the women's tag. It, it wasn't like it was bad. It just didn't feel like a WrestleMania match. Yeah, you know? that could have been that could have been a SmackDown. Yeah, match. yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't like the 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 night two tag match. I don't think was bad. The turmoil match the first night. It's just when they. I hate when they do things like that to get everybody on the card, and they have like a, a match like that, like a gauntlet match where everybody has two minutes. Like one minute forty five seconds. They come yeah. in, they do one thing, they get pinned, and then the next team comes in. Yeah, that's yeah. just. It's pointless. It really is. But, but, but not, to be honest, like there's, I thought there was not a whole lot to critique uh, both nights. In, in particular, night one, it was so great. Just the energy to have the crowd back, everything. By the um, way, one other thing I, I wanted to bring up, and, and I think in modern times and what's going on in the country, it's an important point. Uh, there is more African American top yeah. tier talent in WWE right now than at than any ever. point. Yeah. I mean, your WWE yep. champion is Bobby Lashley and African and the way they're being treated, right? Yes. Yep, and, and, and promoted, not no. a joke, kind of funny, no. like you no. know, like it's. I mean, serious, just themselves. Sasha Banks, Bianca mm-hmm. Belair, like you know, beyond. Like, if you're talking, going to talk about like two of the most pure athletes in the entire company right now, you're talking probably about Lashley and Bianca. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, Lashley, Lashley, Bianca. I know Sasha lost, but obviously she is, you know, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous talent that we all know. The New Day lost, but you know, you have almost in there as well. Uh, on the Intercontinental Championship match was between two African Americans. Yep. I mean, it. I mean, it really it caught my attention just to see how much uh, of that we saw, and I think that's a that that's a great thing because. I don't. I don't think I would say that it's that it's been lacking, but this was because there have been, you know, some great African American wrestlers in WWE, and we've seen, you know, obviously Kofi Kingston had a great run. He's a eleven time tag champion. I mean, we we've seen it, you know, at times here and there, but this was just like wow, like I've never just, seen it to this level. It yeah. felt like 
what was great I think what was really good about both of these nights And um, it shows you that They still do for as much crap as we give them with the week to week stuff And they deserve it They yep. still can put together a really big show And they still know what they're doing with this kind of a thing And it felt like I gotta be like almost all of the booking Felt just like the right decision And that, and yeah, that was yeah. fine You know yeah. like there were, there were a, one or two But there was nothing that seemed egregious You know yeah, like about, I'll, but, I'll give you that Who won or lost like you, you weren't looking at that going like What the hell and I think we for all the matches that we discussed of of liking, you know, they all made sense. Roman going over made sense. Any anything could have happened in, in that match, but that was the best result. Lastly, by the way, let, let's the, the Roman thing. Let's just touch on for a second because there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter and everywhere about how oh here we go again. Roman's got to go over at Mania. This was I mean, supposed to happen. Have you been watching yeah. WWE since SummerSlam? The guy has literally been the best thing they've had for eight months. The story's been tremendous. His character's been fantastic. He's not going to lose in a triple threat match to Daniel Bryan. I'm sorry. The only reason why they would have done that was to get a cheap pop and have him, and then lose it back. But and would that have made everybody feel better? Would that have made you feel? No. And I mean, if Daniel Bryan won and then lost on SmackDown, would everybody have been happy with that? Come on. No. Now, and that doesn't do anything for Roman down the line. No. It doesn't do anything really for anyone. And and what's the the reaction that Daniel Bryan got, which was not as good as I think they were anticipating, or or probably anybody was, because the crowd was actually really into Edge. So if they I don't know, made that- I, you, that's the only thing that bothered me, a- Andrew. You you can jump in here too, but like the Edge Roman matchup was fine the way it was, and I didn't. We talked about this once where I said, were they worried that Roman was going to get cheered in that match, and maybe that's why they put. Daniel Bryan and but then when you see the reaction Roman gets booed out of the place Edge gets a monster pop and the only time Daniel Bryan ever really even got a, a response was when, because yes he started stuff. the yes stuff yeah otherwise yeah. it was overwhelmingly for Edge so I, I don't really understand what the point of putting Daniel Bryan in this was uh the point of putting Daniel Bryan in there is probably because this is his last WrestleMania as a full-time competitor, and they probably wanted to do something like this for him. The okay. same way they did a couple of things Foley. for McFoley. I was just when thinking, he yeah, was on his way out. Yeah. So I understand that. Now, as far I get the gripe, but at the same time, where else would you have put him? So it's yeah. it, it's a little weird, but I get it. Now, yeah. My one, I, I got two things here. One, I'll piggyback off of what Darren said. And the fact that it's great to see so many African-Americans getting booked strongly. Um, all I'll say is Booker T leading up to WrestleMania yeah. 19. That's the one we think, yeah. right? That's yeah. the one that comes to mind. Yeah, that they're still atoning for that and they're going to be for a long time. Now, the one problem that I had with the triple threat match, otherwise it's excellent and I would have given it five stars. It didn't need Jey Uso. Yeah. If you're putting Roman over strong, that was my only thing too. Need, I, and I don't Jay. even mind him at the beginning, right? And then you get you get rid of him early on, and then he's gone for the and, and then Roman can kind of finish it off at the end. I would have been, I would have liked that and maybe elevated it a tad bit more. But the thing is, too, we got to remember, um, he's a heel. 
This is heat, heel heat. This isn't yeah. a baby face moment where they, it was like a baby face crowning moment where he has the shield helping him win. That yeah. that I would have, I would have. So as much as I, I initially feel felt exactly what you said. I think I said that in the in the chat that we were talking with too. I kind of had that same feeling, like, oh man, like I would have loved for Roman to just sort of finish it off himself here, but it made me hate him a little bit more. So if yeah. that's the job. You know, um, it, it kind of made me it kind of made me think of and, and it's a little bit different. But when Roman was going against Lesnar from from Mania through SummerSlam a few years ago. So, you know, he he lost at Mania, but, you know, he got bro- busted open the hard way and Lesnar beat the shit out of him. And he looked like, you know, the, the fallen hero or whatever they were trying to go for at the end of the match. And then he went over to the match in uh, I don't remember it was Saudi Arabia or Australia, wherever that show was. Where he where he he speared him through the cage and there was the controversy. So it's almost like and then and then he ends up going over at SummerSlam. So it's like they they injected things into the matches to to not you know bury Roman entirely. It's almost like they did the same thing here with Edge, where it's like all right, we stick Jay Uso in there even though Edge is going to get yeah. beat. It kind of like you know it, doesn't like really protects him, him. It bit. protects him because yeah. maybe he's going over at SummerSlam or something. You know that. But but to be honest with you, and we've talked about this in text and everything. I don't really think they're thinking that far down the line. So no, I don't either. Not it. I don't even think they know where they're going from here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's still a great match. It's still a great main event. My thinking is, it's the main event at WrestleMania. Do a clean finish. Do a clean finish. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. And I I get well, you want us to boo Roman Reigns, and that's fine. But I don't think we would have booed him any less because Edge was gigantically over uh-huh. as the returning babyface who came back for the precise moment where his music is playing, he's doing his pose, and the fireworks go off, and the crowd cheers, and all of a sudden everyone gets inspired by that moment and by a guy who's darn near 50 years old they can still work his ass off. I don't think Jay Uso helping Roman Reigns win helped the reaction at all. I just no, thought I, it was completely unnecessary. I do, you know what? And I think they assumed wrong what was going to happen. Yeah, I think they did, and I think that's why they made Edge into the more heelish character over the last couple of weeks. Not not Le- having fans, up. not having fans in the weeks and months leading up to this. I think really their judgment was just the they edge. just swung and missed yeah. in that match in what they in what they were expecting because that's yeah. what otherwise. They don't make Edge turn into that over those few weeks. Edge can be the guy that's inviting Daniel Bryan into the match, saying, yep. you know what? I would oh my god, I get to be in the main event with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Like yep. this match is gonna be all you know, like yep. that's who he would have been if they thought he was. We gonna- both we've both been down the same row. We both had a retire. Yeah. We both never I, thought I'm, we'd be in this spot. You know yeah, you could have done me, that. I hope it's you because I like you better than Roman, you know, yep. like even something like that. So yep. I think you're right, Andrew, because I just think they swung and missed. I do because yeah. otherwise it was it was unnecessary. But um, nitpicking a good a good WrestleMania and a good WrestleMania it's main be- event. It was better. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll, I'll yeah. leave it. Yeah, I'll leave it there. It is something that we uh, we enjoy doing, and uh, we'll be doing that with this WrestleMania. So yeah, next week we will have the old wrestling rewatch for. WrestleMania 31 with Andrew and with DZ, and uh, that will be the second half of that, uh, the start of that conversation that we just had right there.
That's going to do it for this episode. Big thanks to Andrew and Darren for helping me out. Big thanks to Eric, who's here each and every week. We've got a pretty solid set schedule now with Eric doing the NBA, who's hot, who's not, with Chad Cooper doing this week in wrestling every week, with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali with the old wrestling rewatch. We also had Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires to talk all about the Kentucky Derby. We had... Beho, Brian Howard from Stable Duel to help us set up the schedule for the weekend and talk about everything going on in Stable Duel. Hope you all enjoyed this episode of That's What G Said. Like always, you know what you're going to find here each and every week.